Hey, what is up, everybody? I got something real quick I want to talk about. Uh, I talk about it in the episode very briefly. I bring it up. I am doing it. I'm bringing it back. PCL Patreon, only two tiers. Two tiers right now. I'm not doing anything else with it. There's a dollar tier, which is basically just thanking us and then helping us out month to month with a dollar. That's like, that's four quarters. That's like a hundred fucking pennies. I mean, it's a dollar. So if you want to donate a dollar every month, you can help us out by doing that. The other is a $6 tier. It's super cheap. $6 and you'll get at least two bonus podcasts a month. I don't know what we're going to be talking about in the bonus podcast. We'll figure it out. It'll be fun. We'll do some movie reviews. I don't know. We'll, maybe we'll just bullshit. Maybe we'll, who knows? I don't know. It's two bonus pods. And even if you just want to, you know, donate to the podcast and help us out, you can do that. You don't even have to listen, listen to the podcast. I'm not going to force you to listen to the bonus podcast. But if you do, if you want the bonus content, it'll be there. So two bonus, at least two bonus podcasts a month and it's six bucks. I got two tiers. That's it. I'm not doing any more tiers uh, for now. I mean, something else might happen later on down the road where we'll add another tier. But for right now, I'm going to keep it simple. A dollar or $6 a month to help out the podcast. So just head on over to patreon.com forward slash pop culture leftovers. All one word. Patreon.com forward slash pop culture leftovers. And then select the reward that you want. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 356. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking It's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, hey, erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Sure only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a leftover. Jake is not going to be on this one. Uh, he got, uh, I found out word yesterday that he would have to be working late. Uh, and I think that's because of all the Thanksgiving shit, you know, people getting ready for Thanksgiving and stuff like that. So he's working late and I think they had somebody call off or whatever the fuck. So, uh, I am not alone though. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, we are joined by Paul Hart from Movies from the Heart and the Animated Batcast. Welcome, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Appreciate it. Why do you, why do you, you sounded great before. Why do you sound so distant now? 
I moved the microphone so close to me too. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand. It sounded, I felt like I, I was talking to you and you were like on a hill, hillside somewhere far away. Hey. Is it better now? Hey, Brian. I'm here too. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Yeah, hold on. Talk. Is it better now? Yeah, you sound fucking wonderful. Nothing, nothing changed. We're on the same. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what to fucking tell you. Maybe you're, I don't know. Why? Why don't you fucking man up and talk like a man? I don't know what you're... <laughs> oh, that's not good. Oh, I guess you're talking like uh, Milton from Office Space, you soft-spoken pussy. Yeah, yeah, speak up. Uh, we're also joined by Dan West from Brute Force and Ignorance, a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Welcome, Dan! Thank you very much. How are you? <laughs> all right, all right. Everybody just sounds like... A vagina right now. <laughs> a vagina on helium. Ah, dear. Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? Ah, fantastic. I think I pissed off everyone that has a vagina by saying that. Yeah, more than likely. Probably. Yeah, you guys aren't touching that one. You guys are. Uh, well, I was just thinking of the Mandalorian Paul's, thing that we were Paul's running back to Paul's running back to that fucking hill he was on <laughs> earlier. <laughs> What did you say, Vagina? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian, I didn't hear that. I must have missed it. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't present for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what are we doing? What are we doing? I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I hate this fucking time of year. I know like a lot of people like fall. It's just so fucking it's gray and it's gross out. And I don't fucking like it. I don't know. I like that sun. I like that vitamin D. It's, I'm not. I'm not into this fucking shit. Everybody. No, I don't know, man. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm a fat guy, so you know, I know. On the cold weather. <laughs> Let me hide. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna throw on some sweaters. <laughs> it, gets, it gets dark at 2:30 p.m. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, it sucks, man. I feel like I'm fucking living in Alaska right now. It's just sad. It's depressing. I don't know. I, I got all this stress. I've got all this extra stress right now in my life. I did. I got a massage chair. And Ooh. so, yeah, I know. I've had this thing for years. I love it. It's amazing, though. It's like it's 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 a really nice one. It's not one of those fucking cheap eye massage or whatever the fuck they were called. It's got like the calf massage and everything. Um, cherry wood armrest. This thing is nice. And Ooh, I was happy ending. Oh, God. Yeah. It fucking jerks me off. And <laughs> it's. <laughs> <laughs> worth every penny yeah it's got like a swiffer attachment where i can swiffer all the cum off my chest <laughs> it's fucking amazing dan i oh, know man the technological advances are just we're living in the future now oh man you should have heard me moaning in there though jesus christ i got so many knots in my back it's ridiculous i'm like oh i guarantee you like if my neighbor was outside raking her yard she had to have thought i was fucking jerking it man <laughs> I was, oh, oh. <laughs> it's ridiculous man i'm not even kidding you Oh, well, I'm glad you have something to relieve the stress. That's good. Yeah, that and masturbation. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it goes without saying, doesn't it, really? Right, yeah. I just feel <laughs> shame. I just feel a ton of shame after masturbating, though. Oh, that's, that's, you know, part and parcel of being a guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and being raised by my parents who were conservative Christians. So. Okay, <laughs> that's definitely not going to help. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Not when you 
thinking Jesus is watching you the entire fucking time. So dirty boy, go to bed. (laughs) Anyway. Oh man. How are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. What the fuck, Paul? Where the fuck are you? To kick in, what, you what are you doing? <laughs> do you hear? Do you hear him, Dan? Top my yeah, he's super quiet. I'm oh, right fucking here. There you go. Wow. Jesus Christ! There we go. All right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I fe- how are you? <laughs> I felt like we, I felt like me and Dan were doing a seance for Ghost Paul, and you were like, <laughs> you, you, were, you were starting to come in. You know, I, mean, I already do look the part of a ghost, so absolutely that makes sense. Fucking swirling around overhead, Ghost Paul. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to tell you about my day, guys. Oh my god, this all this this ghost just wouldn't shut the fuck up about Ted Lasso. Jesus, hey, you know what? You know. I- <laughs> I've been trying to be so good at not bringing up that fucking show lately. All right? Dude, you are I'm trying. You are popping in and out, dude. You're like a porn star right now. You were just you are popping in and out, man. Like the volume on your mic is just going in and out. All right, all right. <laughs> Let's pause. All right, Paul, you're back. You sound good. All right, I'm glad I sound better. You're and you're you're I, I you're half as bitchy as you were. Oh wow! All right. Well, hey, I know. I know. For everybody, you fucking son of a bitch, dude. I know. Brian's complaining about your audio. I know. It's it's a fucking hassle, and you're you're wanting to come on. We're like what 360 episodes in by now. We should know. I know. What people don't understand is like before we started recording, we were talking for probably 45 minutes, and Paul sounded fine. And as soon as I hit record, then it goes into this fucking in and out bullshit with Paul. And then we got to fucking deal. Yeah. It's like a perfect analogy for my dating life. Everything looks good on Tinder, and then when we get there in person. They're just not happy. Oh, Paul, you are oh just you're, you're the you're the modern day Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> no respect, I tell you. No respect. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Eh. Take my wife, please. What was it? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Yeah. I just remember him on like Home Improvement when he's telling Tim Allen like the next time I run into you I hope I'm driving. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. He was one of those comics that didn't really like blow up until like later in his career when he figured out his shtick and he started playing yeah. that character, man. So, I mean, cuz that's a complete character that he made up. Kind of like he he went like and then Andrew Dice Clay went the same route with the with the Dice Man. And this comedy minute has been brought to you, but I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. <laughs> Sorry, you're talking about. I mean, I've heard of Rodney Days before, but I've never heard of Andrew Dice Clay. I don't know who that is. Are you what the fuck? Are you Whoa. kidding me? No. Nah. He's a nursery rhyme guy. Yeah, Hickory Dickory Duck. The mouse went up. What was it? Mouse went up my cock or something. Like yeah, that. something like Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill and went up Jill the hill. Jill forgot her pill, and now they got a son. Jack and Jill went up the hill, each with a buck and a quarter. Jill came down with two fifty. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh man, you got to look up the old dice man. He would not. He would not fly in uh, today's world no. of comedy. Absolutely no. not. He did you ever watch his show on Showtime? It was just called Dice, I think. I did not check it out. No, two seasons, fantastic, fucking fantastic. It was so good. It was kind of like a like a curb your enthusiasm. But with Andrew Dice Clay, and it was so good. 
Dan he probably was. Dan probably watched it and didn't even realize it was Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he was he was really good in that one Martin Scorsese show about like the record company. I think it was called Vinyl. Yeah, with, I never uh, watched that on HBO and it got canceled after one season. Yeah, he he's in a couple episodes of that. He does a really good job. Yeah. I, I've never seen that. I, I I remember it got completed, and then I was like, ah, maybe I'll give this a shot. Then it got canceled. I was like, nah, fuck it. Yeah, then you don't fucking care. Like, <laughs> same thing with Swamp Thing. Fuck it. Yeah, why? I, yeah, I, I watched one episode of Swamp Thing. Like, I'm going to go back to it now that it's been canceled. Do you think there's any chance that that show gets revived now that they've brought that on the CW, and now that everything's moving over to HBO Max, or do you think it's still done? No, like, it sounds like there's a lot of interest in it again. Yeah. Like the the reception to the Swamp Thing has been really positive online from what I'm seeing. I, I don't watch any of the CW shows, but it seems like everybody enjoyed what they're seeing. So, you know, you never know. With them going to HBO Max, they might say, yeah, fuck it. Let's give it another shot. One of the worst didn't, things. In didn't, the, they like, uh, didn't they cancel it after the first episode? Yeah, dude, after the first episode. <laughs> after, after, after the first episode comes out and it got like good reception from people. They're just like, ah, fuck it. We're not. We're done. Yeah, well, what do they what do they do that? Is it because the numbers were bad or I don't know. I, I, I don't know. They they had end up going over budget. I know that much. Something happened where they were like went over budget. Okay. Yeah. That's weird, man. Because because I, I watched. I think I watched half of it. Um, and then when I found out it got axed, I stopped watching it because I was like, "What was that fucking point?" And yeah, it was just it was pretty good. Did you I, ever I was watch? It. Did you ever watch the old Swamp Thing cartoon growing up as a kid? No, I don't know if we had that over here. Yeah, yeah, we did. I remember. I don't remember much about it, but I remember it being on. Did you watch? Right. Did you watch Jackie Chan Adventures, Paul? Yes, <laughs> sure, fucking did, man. Yes, <laughs> we had that over here. That was awesome. <laughs> and then that I was forget that. My dad took us to go see Rumble in the Bronx, and then we watched that fucking show. It was awesome. Yeah, Rumble in the Bronx. Oh my god, I remember that movie. And then they would, it, you would go to the video store and then they would, what they did is they brought off over all of his movies from China and they just started dubbing mm -hmm. them. Like fucking super cop, hell yeah. Yeah, like, here's uh, Jackie Chan on a snowboard. <laughs> is it Rumble in the Bronx, the one where he like jumped off of that pier onto that boat and he like shattered his foot? You've oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> You've described and every Jackie Chan movie. Yeah, in the outtakes, he's like, got his plaster cast on and he has this big sock that's painted like a sneaker that <laughs> he just pulls over it and so that's how he can do the rest of the film that's awesome yes uh, okay and like that was the best part of all of his movies is just watching the outtakes at the end yeah those are great <laughs> oh man I got a Jackie Chan movie I'm going to be talking about a little bit later when we get into Good Pop Bad Pop oh awesome. I know that's a little tease for you. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just flicking the bean of your brain. A shanty's flicking the, oh god, flicking the bean. That's a, that's a deep cut. Flicking the bean of your brain. Um, man. <laughs> you ever see, speaking of brains, you ever see that, you ever see that, that t-shirt? And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Krang from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but he, he's the symbol from the Wu-Tang Clan. It's called Wu-Krang. <laughs> there's, another, there's another Wu Tang shirt that's fucking awesome, and and it's got the Wu Tang symbol, but on the left side, it's it's got Ric Flair. Wu Tang. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hey, I wanted to comment. I wanted and I wanted to thank uh, 
Uh, we, if you've noticed uh, on uh, on our feeds, most of our feeds, it's been updated with uh, the new updated logo, the new PCL logo. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful that was awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, and I wanted to think it's listener Rob Forrest who did it, and uh, uh, graphic designer. And if you're looking for a logo for your podcast or business. Um, you know, I would definitely send him an email and it's, uh, oh God, I think it's Rob Forrest. No, it's, excuse me. It's Forrest, F-O-R-R-E-S-T graphics.com <laughs> at gmail.com forest graphics at gmail.com. And that's two R's in Forrest. And he did a fantastic job. Who is fucking, who is, who is inhaling over there? That Dude, would be Paul. Jesus Is Christ, Paul. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're breathing, motherfucker. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus fucking Christ. You sound like uh, like, like uh, Jack of the Beanstalk, Fee-Fi-Fo-Fum, that giant sleeping or something right now. You sound like fucking <laughs> – you sound like Hagrid taking a nap. I'm just going <laughs> to hold my breath and – oh, shit. <laughs> it's okay. It's <laughs> oh, my God. Did you hear that, Dan? Yeah, I was waiting for you to say something. I, I was, oh my god! It's like, if anybody had any questions, if Paul was breathing this episode, those were answered. Yeah, yeah, everyone, I'm, so I'm like, breathing. Like, we're good. Like being on an obscene phone call. I know. I know. I, I, I didn't know. God, I hate this one. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but it was there. Just, it was there. It was like yeah. Tony Soprano in Doctor Melfi's office. Okay, got it. Oh, there we go. It was it was you were breathing pretty heavy there, man. Oh no, sleep apnea. Mm. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. So yeah, great logo. Great logo. So if you're looking for uh, a new logo for your podcast or business, don't get lost in the woods. Find your way through the forest with forest graphics. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See what I see what I did there. That was very good. I get, I you can use that, Rob. You can use that. He ain't gonna use that. <laughs> Did I lose both of you? No, no, I, I liked it. <laughs> Paul's figuring out how to breathe. He's been, he's been, <laughs> Paul, Paul's been holding his breath this entire time. Paul passed out from not breathing. Uh huh. <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, let's, uh, you know what? I typically don't do this. I typically don't do the iTunes reviews on weeks that Jake's not here, but we're gonna do it this week. So it's time oh for iTunes God. reviews. It's one star five! We don't give a fuck, cause we really love to hear just how much we suck. Guys, Chris Dubach and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole who's dick don't work. Okay, what do we have here? We've got an updated iTunes review. So somebody left an iTunes review, and now they've updated it. Hmm. And it comes, yeah, it comes from Aaron Forever, and it's titled "Drunken Slurring and Screaming." And it was once a, <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> oh man, and heavy breathing now apparently. Paul, you, yeah, Paul I still hate hates. You. I know. I, yeah. hate. I know. I know. I won't let it go. I just will not let it go. I'm that ex-wife you that just won't shut Elsa. up. I just will not stop nagging you. 
Um, oh, yeah, I got no experience with that. Me either, dude. Me either. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, let's see here. The, the original, and they kept the original one in here. And man, it's crazy how things change in a matter of months. Just like, just like that ex-wife, huh? Um, <laughs> it goes on to say, I love this podcast. Makes it worth listening to all six hours when the host gets drunk and either starts slurring his words or screaming at his co-host. Highly recommended. And then there was an edit that says 1120 edit. 112020 edit. I had to stop listening about six months ago. Can only tolerate a belligerent, angry drunk beat the same mildly amusing potty jokes into the ground for so long. So now it's a two star. <laughs> so, so it started off with a five and went down to a two. Went, hey, it went for five. And the same things that he loved me for at the beginning getting drunk, mm. screaming. Mm. Now he's just like, I. You're you're a fucking one trick pony, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know what he was expecting. So uh, what's fucked up is he stopped listening about six months ago, and yet he still held on to this anger for me and updated this. Like that's that's I don't know what's more fucked up here. He's like uh, he's like Steve Buscemi from fucking Billy Madison, just holding on to a grudge. I guess so, man. Yeah, like is my name written on a wall somewhere of people he's gonna podcasters he's gonna kill? He put on lipstick after you fucking read this. Though, yeah, he so, did. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> fucking stuck his dick in between his leg and started doing this weird wild Buffalo Bill dance. <laughs> I'd fuck me. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a great song. song. It's a great song. Yeah, so we went from a five to a two, and we lost oh, this thanks. guy. What a fuck. Fairweather fan, Fairweather fan, and you know what? Yeah, I get it. I, I, I'm the first to admit that. Yeah, there's nothing new coming from me. You've seen it all. You've seen it all. There's nothing new. <laughs> You're not getting anything else. That's it. Take me as I am, or get the fuck out. Yeah, <laughs> basically, just a, a belligerent, angry drunk. <laughs> hey, we love you for it. I drink. I drink one fucking time a week. I drink one time a week, man. I do not. Throughout the week, I do not drink at all. If I had a fucking problem, I would, yeah, I'd probably hide that. But, you know, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe true. you should drink more. Maybe you need to up your tolerance. I think I do. I think the, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I can just function, right? Yeah. Well, if you like just start drinking, you know, like before work and after work and you could be drunk at work and then you like learn to function at your job by yelling and screaming at people. Yeah. yeah. And then carry on through the week till you record. You know? I know. Cause it makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I just could be, I could just be a belligerent, angry drunk throughout my entire life. Not just yeah. once, a, not just once a week. Yeah. Not just when you're trying to enjoy yourself and blow off some steam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Seriously. I don't know. Yeah, I, what a prick. I don't know. Sometimes like, sometimes like, you know, a lot of times I just read these and it's like, you know, they, they don't, they just see the one side of me on this podcast and whatever. And, uh, sometimes I read these things and I just, I'm able to just let them slide off my back. Then sometimes, man, every once in a while, they'll already catch you when you're in a down, when you're feeling down on yourself and they have no oh, yeah. idea that you're feeling down. But then you read something like this and you're already feeling down and it's just like, it, you know, people love – it's crazy, man. It's crazy. People love to kick you when you're down and they mm-hmm. also – they also love to kick people when they're when, when they're on their when – they're, when they're doing great. Some people just hate to see people doing great and they're just like, ah, let's bring them down. Let's bring them yeah. down. 
It's yeah, especially on the internet. Oh yeah, god, I don't like people sticking above anybody else. It's raining back in, raining back into the slop and all yeah. the fucking slime and the hive of the uh, you know scum and villainy. I've said it before. Yeah. I'll say it again. I can't imagine. I've you know I've listened to some podcasts and you know and like I used to love them and then they've made some changes and then they started talking about this, talking about that, and I don't agree with it. But I've never, I've never like. And I, I've never got on social media and like yelled at them for it. And I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. I think that it's an, it's, it's kind of sickening. <laughs> some, some of you, some of you people are sickening. Some of you people are sickening and you need to just, you need to just chill the fuck out. I mean, we all got to live on this fucking planet together and trying to find a way to, to live peacefully and just yelling at each other over the internet. It's just, it's fucking ridiculous. It's silly. I just. I just want to know what the fuck happened on November 19th to all of a sudden bring you back into his memory after six months. After six months. Yeah. You know, like, what the fuck? Was he just driving one day? He's like, God, fuck that Brian guy. Yeah, he had some fucking, like, Jason Bourne muscle memory thing going on. Ah, fuck him! (laughs) 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 Fuck that guy! Ah! <laughs> his well, mom least, said, "Like, hey, not- you want some leftovers?" And he got he fucking flipped. Over yeah. The table. yeah. <laughs> At least you know you were living rent free in his head. That's he- how you know you're the fucking winner in the argument. That's Even true. Even though you're not arguing with him, uh, Paul. What I, what, I, what I think happened so much. He was <laughs> a fucking piece of shit. He was. I think the guy was masturbating, and he's like, "Oh, Brian. Brian does this." Ah. <laughs> I've heard him talk about this before. I fucking hate, I hate this guy. <laughs> uh, he's going to hear from me six months later. I'm going to go log onto my computer and write about it. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I, <laughs> uh, Aaron, go fuck yourself. You piece of shit. And that's the thing. It's like, you can, you can take the high road, but then at the end of the day, I fucking, uh, you know, here's the thing, Aaron. I, I didn't know you existed when you wrote this fucking review. You were, you existed for literally five seconds when I read it, and now, and now, and now, you know, you, you you existed for like maybe another fucking three minutes, and, you, and then we're done with you. All right, you're like a you're like a flashlight, dude. <laughs> you're like a spanker chef. I can't, I come in you and I'm done. Yeah, these these are posh wank at best. There you is, go. If anyone doesn't know, that's it. When you jerk off with a condom on. Oh wow, that's so, so that's sad. That's what, that's what he is. Just fucking uh. <laughs> finish up and just throw him in the garbage. Uh, you thought you enjoyed. The- you thought you enjoyed doing this skin on skin. Wait until you fucking put this glove on it. <laughs> this latex glove on your dick. Oh, it's amazing. And the best part about this is you're sober going in on them. So fuck you, man. I haven't used condoms in years, but I heard that like it, they said. Um, that if you put lubricant inside the condom, it's supposed to feel more like a natural thing. Have you guys ever tried that? Put the put the lube in the condom. No, no, mm-mm. <laughs> nope. I haven't haven't used a condom in a long time. I hear you, dude. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like once I heard about that, I I I hadn't used a condom in forever. And you. <laughs> Oh, Aaron, I hope you're not listening to this one. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fuck it. Oh, there you go. You know, yeah. Maybe maybe it works. Or maybe you can heat up a watermelon in the oven and stick your dick in that. What's... 
Why a two star? Why did he go with the two? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe it was when you read their email out and, uh, maybe they didn't like what you said. So then that was, that was like in, in their brain for six months. Oh, when I read the original iTunes review. So this guy held yeah, on maybe to someone it. Someone gave him some, maybe you gave him some shit yeah. or, you know, whatever. And then they were like, oh, they've had a go at me on the air and rah, rah, I'm going <laughs> to embarrass me in front of my family. Every time, every time somebody hates this fucking podcast, it all, and here's the fuck that thing. It all comes down to me. It's all my fault. It's every fucking time. Nobody ever bitches about it. Dan, I think I am the problem here. Yeah, no, you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know that <laughs> I know I know I'm a lot to, I, I guess am I, am I a lot to, to to handle am I a lot to take in no I don't think so dude I just honestly I honestly think that people just nowadays if people don't like something they feel like they need to tell the world yeah, and, yeah. It, and, and it's not like it's not like anyone can just kind of like, oh yeah, I, I can like like it or leave it or whatever. Or they're like, kind I of, gotta oh, let, okay. I gotta let you know about it. Yeah, and because I'm important. Like, oh, I love this, or I fucking hate it, and yeah. everyone should die. That seems to be like the two kind of positions people take on basically everything now. So no one's ever like, hey, it was okay. It's either fuck you or yeah, you're the greatest. So you know. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> when people show up to fucking Aaron Forever's uh, funeral, I'm sure they're all going to be talking about, <laughs> oh man, you know what I miss about this guy the most? Him bitching on social media about shit he didn't enjoy. Yeah, you remember when he told that Brian guy that he was only a two-star? Wow, that took some serious balls. Yeah, yeah. wow. What wow. a legend. Big dick Aaron. <laughs> big cock Aaron swinging his, <laughs> swinging his big dick around. <laughs> That guy had some real inspiration. Real inspiration. <laughs> Changed so many lives. Yes, he did. <laughs> Good for you, Aaron. Good for you getting your fucking little opinion out there. Anyway, drunken. <laughs> I like the title of it, though. Drunken slurring and screaming. <laughs> I wish that was like a quote for our podcast. You know, like a movie quote. Drunken slurring oh, yeah. and screaming. <laughs> two, two, two stars. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, he's a piece mm, of shit. Oh, Jason Bourne rage. Look at you coming in all like in the correct volume and shit, Paul. <laughs> Thank God for the iPhone. And <laughs> 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 no heavy. I don't got my Darth Vader breathing going on either. Yeah. No. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I kept thinking like. <laughs> Like if there was a if there was like a feather in front of your face, like it, you keep blowing it out and then breathing it back into your mouth, <laughs> like a sleeping cat or something in a cartoon. <laughs> um, hey, let's go over though. That was iTunes reviews, so thank you everyone else who didn't send one saying that you do like me. <laughs> Because I need validation. Um, guys, let's jump into our contest winners for the, and we're going to go over these real quick, the contest winners for the digital codes for last week's movies. And the first movie is the movie Chick Fight. And we've got five winners here that we're going to be going over. Let me pull this up. So Chick Fight, this is the movie with, uh, what's her name? What's Maylene Ackerman. Fucking Paul, you nailed it. On it. You yeah. nailed it, sir. 
<laughs> oh my god. Here we go. What do we got? Let's start this. Who do we got? First winner. The first winner is gonna be Aaron for rubber. No. Um first winner. <laughs> 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 First winner is Nate Ria. Nate Ria, you win. Hey Dan, you want to write these down for me, bro? Yes, sir. Dude, you fucking rock. Let me know. <laughs> you fucking rock. I bug Dan every week after we get done with these. I'm like, Dan, can every you? Every fucking week. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> now okay. I'm doing. Now I'm bugging the people in Discord. <laughs> 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 let me let me know when you're ready. Oh, we already got the first one down. Nate Ria. Nate Ria. Second one. Chick fight. Second, yeah, second winner. Yep. Chick fight. Steven Pliska. Steven Pliska. Steven Pliska. Congratulations. Next winner for Chick fight. Got three more. Got three more for Chick fight. John Counts. John Counts. You're a winner. You're John a winner. John Counts. Number four. Number four. Wayne Swigert. Wayne Swigert, you win a digital copy of Chick Fight. Swigert. That's a really interesting last name. <sighs> All right. Next winner. Next winner. The last winner. Last winner of Chick Fight. Oh. Nic- <laughs> Nicholas Sintones. Nicholas Sintonesy or Sintones. I like Sintonesy. Cool. Congratulations. Congratulations. Now we're going to go over our winners for the movie Spell. Ah, oh, fuck's sake. I've got a bit bigger pet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> guess, we, uh, guess who wins again? Steven Pliska. No. Yeah, Steven Pliska's getting Spell as well. Uh, let's see here. Not enough people are entering these things, I'm telling you. Oh, don't, don't even talk to me about competitions. Yeah. Tammy Hatfield, second winner of Spell. Tammy Hatfield. Insert a Jake McCoy joke here. <laughs> uh, who was the first winner of this one? Stephen Pliska. All right. He won again. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, John Counts wins again. <laughs> I'm telling you, nobody's entering these fucking things. Seriously, <laughs> not a lot, dude. No, no, as in John Counts wins again. Yeah, he won again. Oh, congrats, John. It's you the same people movies. entering the each one. So, uh, Rob Forrest. Hey, was that four? That is four. All right, final winner, Rob Forrest of Forrest Graphics wins spell. Mm. And uh, number five, Nate Rhea wins again. Nate Rhea, there you go. All right, Holy and now shit. I've got four copies, four copies, digital copies of Jungle Land. Oh my god, another film, <laughs> dude. That's it. Just four more. Just four more. Okay, you get it. We're, we're, in, we're in the end game now. Okay. Okay. All right, Tony. All right, William Dixon. William Dixon. William Dixon. Congrats. Congrats. I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Jungle Land. Adam Cornette. Adam Cornette, you're a fucking winner. Congrats, Adam. And you're lucky, Adam, because you keep sending the fucking, you keep sending your entries to the wrong email. You're lucky I like you. <laughs> you're, fuck, you're fucking lucky that I like you, Adam. You're a good kid. You've been listening for a long time. 
but you keep sending your email to you keep sending it to the wrong goddamn email. <laughs> Send it to comments at Pop Culture Leftovers. You're lucky I like you. That's three. We got one more left? Uh, that's that's two winners for that. Two winners for that. Number three. I just bitched out Adam Cornette there. <laughs> Monica Garola. Monica Garola. Wouldn't that be awesome if she came out with her own line of granola bars? The Monica Garola Granola. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> She's got one called the Rock and Roller. It's the Monica Gorilla Granola Rock and Roller. <laughs> There's two words are coming out of your mouth too fast now. I, I don't know. Understand. <laughs> last winner. Last winner. Last winner. Who's going to be the big fucking winner? Jungle Land. Hold on. Hold on. We're getting there. We're getting there. Rob Forrest wins again. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same nine people entering every fucking week. Oh, mate. Wait till you get to the day we have to make up winners. That's the fun one. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Not saying that I've ever done yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Ted Swazinski. Ted Swazinski, you've won. The next week, I get a fucking one-star review from Ted Wazinski. <laughs> right. Any more competitions? No. Oh. Yeah, you know what? Maybe you can be in a competition where you can try to stop undermining me. <laughs> <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> well, I would win that competition, Brian. Dan, we're giving out – no, we're giving out winners, man. We're giving out winners, dude. You should be excited about this. These are people that are going to be able to enjoy cinema. Cinema now for free during yeah, these no, during these challenging times. Oh, it's so awesome! You couldn't wait to wrap this shit up. Well, I had to fucking write it all down. <laughs> oh God! Oh, is your is your is your again, is your is your wrist sore? Oh no! Oh, your fucking your poor arthritic ridden hands. You fucking puss! Jesus Christ! Oh, God, I gotta find another piece of paper now. <laughs> First world problems. Uh, uh, sure, Brian, I'll sacrifice another tree for your contest. Uh, <laughs> say goodbye to the rainforest. Go ahead. What were you saying? I didn't realize what Aaron Forever was fucking talking oh, about. <laughs> 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 oh man no I love both you guys you know this you know this yeah <laughs> and they're not sure yeah yeah I'm, just, I'm really happy that's another yeah, it's been it's been too fucking long since I've been able to talk to people oh. and uh you know talk yeah. to you and be on the show Whew. you you always put me in a good mood Dan well, what, that's good because you put me in a good mood as well. Whether it's me berating you or yeah. I mean, yeah. calling me a pusshole. I know it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Talking about my weak limp wrist. <laughs> 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 uh, never get a hand job from Dan West. Never. It's just, no, no. At least don't pay for it. Will not recommend. But I'll give them yeah. out for free. It's fine. Oh, man, it's like uh, yeah, it's so it's 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 like a like a like a tree branch rubbing up against your penis or something <laughs> Somebody, or like an or like an an empty glove 
an empty glove full of jello. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It, it is, it's almost necrophilia because it's that dead. It's that dead of a sensation. Yeah, exactly. Oof. It feels so wrong, but it also feels so right. Yeah, I guess you could. I, I usually just fucking fuck the glove full of jelly is what I do. I just put my. Oh, you guys ready for good pop, bad pop? Yeah. This episode's yep. terrible. Oh my god. This is a no, bad it's one. Fine. It's, oh, that's, that's what we strive for here at Pop Culture Leftovers. Fine. Fine is the gold standard here at Pop Culture Leftovers. Yeah, some of us were having yeah. fun. <laughs> that's our slogan. Strive for fine. Um, <laughs> it'll do. <laughs> Guys, 2020 do. is the year for strive for fine. Um, <laughs> the fucking truth. Yeah, no shit. All right, let's jump into good pop, bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. So I started looking at like uh, the uh, Fandango Now app and the the AMC app for my A-list, and I started to see that the movie theaters weren't posting any movies past Thursday. And, yeah, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, theaters are getting shut down again. And that's what happened. So as I noticed this, I was like, if you're going to watch any movies, you better watch them this week. And so I went to the theater and I saw four movies in the theater this week because I knew I knew I wouldn't be able to see movies for a while, which includes like. You know, we're going to be talking about Wonder Woman 84. I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. But, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see that in the theater now. But uh, so I saw four movies in the theater this week. One of the movies that I saw and actually just saw it on Thursday is um, and it was the fan event premiere uh, of Vanguard. This is um, the new Jackie Chan movie. An accountant is threatened by the world's deadliest mercenary organization and covert security company. Vanguard is the last hope of survival for him. And it's written and directed by Stanley Tong, and they've, he's worked on many movies with Jackie Chan. Uh, Jackie Chan's in this, Yang Yang and Mia Muki. And this movie just travels the fucking globe, and you're following uh, this security company, Vanguard, who's trying to protect this uh, wealthy accountant and his uh, daughter, and um, it just travels the globe. The special effects in this are absolutely terrible. They're so bad. They're so bad. They do, they do like <laughs> CGI. They do a CGI lion. They do a CGI car chases. Um, and, and it's so bad. But I'm telling you, like, and I don't know what they were trying to accomplish here. If they were trying to do like their own version of like a spy movie meets Fast and the Furious. That's what it felt like, but with like hyper, you know, martial arts action. Um, it's, it, it's, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like a B movie, but it feels like they put a lot of budget into this one too, and they put a lot of stunts into it as well. Um, 
I had fun with this movie. I think it was a lot more fun watching it in the theater with the sounds and things like that. It goes all over the place. The villains are kind of not great, but they have like, and it goes all over. Like they start off the movie in China and then they find out that, you know, they, they rescue this accountant and, and, uh, from being abducted by by this mercenary organization that has been basically blackmailing him and uh, using his money to uh to to purchase weapons and things like that weapons of mass destruction and then then they're worried about his daughter being a target now now that he's been secured they're going to go after his daughter she's in africa she's like trying to stop poachers and expose poachers in africa so we go to africa and we get cgi lions we get a guy who's like who's like a poacher and uh and then uh there's this whole uh this whole water scene where they're in a uh wa- there's a waterfall and they're going down these rapids and there's an action scene with like where they're using real jet skis, man, and these mercenaries on jet skis, and they're going after Jackie Chan, and he's like in a raft, and uh, then they go, then the movie goes to the Middle East, and they start fucking uh, battling each other. Vanguard starts battling these mercenaries in the Middle East, and all of a sudden, one of the <laughs> Vanguard agents is using this flying green goblin hoverboard and he's shooting guns i'm like what the fuck (laughs) am i watching here and um i don't know i had a lot of fun with it i'm not gonna say it's a great movie it is not a tupperware it's i'm gonna say it's a really fun taste it if you like just silly bad movies and if you like jackie chan action it does have a lot of the comedy in here it's not his funniest or best movie by any means but honestly i i don't know if they're i think they might be wanting to start kind of like a a whole franchise with this with sequels um and have like you know vanguard 2 um i don't know how this is performed in china but um and then, of course, it does have, like, at the end of the credits, it's got, like, the, all the outtakes and things like that. There's a scene, and it's fucking, where, you know, Jackie Chan's doing his own stunts. A jet ski goes right over the top of him and another actor, and it pins Jackie Chan under the jet ski, and he's fucking drowning. Oh, my Jesus God. Christ. Yeah. Yeah, the production crew and everybody had to come over there and fucking pull him out. He got pinned under this jet ski, and he couldn't fucking breathe, man. It was fucked up. This poor guy. Is uh, is is he still, like, the center of the action of this movie? Because I know he's, like, a little bit older. And he's not. I'm sure he, if they're – okay. Yeah, he's, like, the head of Vanguard, you know? He's, like, the top guy at Vanguard. And it's basically uh, – it's this young, young up-and-comer – that's like the like the agent him him and this other guy are like the two main kind of like action stars and they're really good man they're fucking they're really good there's some really good martial arts in this awesome yeah, i was just wondering if they're going to start to have him pass the baton or if he's still trying to make a full go of being like the highlight reel of these movies dude he's like 60 now right i think he's older than that dude he's fucking he's still good he's still fucking he's still fucking got it there's a funny scene that kind of alludes to that where like one of like one of the guys that's younger like jumps over like this balcony and does like this you know barrel roll and gets up and runs after the villain and then Jackie's like getting ready to do the exact same thing and another guy points out to him like over there's the, some stairs 
<laughs> so Jackie, so, <laughs> so Jackie goes and uses the stairs, and I thought that was cool. Oh, that's that awesome! Very funny. But I love Jackie Chan. I, I and I knew it would be like the only night that uh, it was playing here before the shutdown. So I wanted to, I wanted to see Jackie Chan in the new movie, and it was fun enough, man. It was fun enough. So I'm glad that I saw it. I'll give it a taste. It. Um, if this one pops up on Netflix or something like that in a few months, I would definitely, you know, give it a watch if you're a fan of Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan is 66 years old. Jesus, man. Damn. Fucking hell, man. Pinned by a jet ski. Pinned by a jet ski at 66. Did you see, who was it? Did you see, you know, uh, Tom Cruise has, he had the, uh, record for holding your breath under the water for a movie the longest. And it got broken by um, a female actor that's in the Avatar sequel. They've been filming a lot underwater. They've been doing – It was Kate Winslet. Kate, was it Kate Winslet? Yeah, it was Kate Winslet. Yeah, it was Kate Winslet because they had that crazy video. Like she had like weighted shoes underneath the water and well, even just sit there filming her. They were doing motion capture under the water and they had to get their yeah. movements under the water. Dude, they did this with Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver held her breath for like four or five minutes. That's fucking... Dude, how old is Sigourney Weaver? Like, 70? That would be the same age. Isn't it like... And didn't Don't he do now. shit like that? Didn't he do shit like that on The Abyss? That's why Ed Harris, like, slapped James Cameron around. He made uh, Ed Harris hold his breath for too long, and he came up, and I think he slapped James Cameron. Like, he, he refuses to talk about the making of The Abyss for... James. Like he said, James, James Cameron had, like, some hard-on for filming shit underwater. Yeah, dude. I mean, look at what James Cameron did after the abyss with Titanic and then doing all those Titanic documentaries and now going underwater and doing a lot of filming for Avatar. Oh my God. I would love to just take a bath with James Cameron. It would be so much fun. Just have a fucking GoPro just filming fucking, your junk. I just want to wash all wash all the liver spots on his back, you know. Oh God, <laughs> I'd be worried for your for your health if you took a bath with that guy. He might make you hold your breath for ten minutes under that bath. Fuck oh, that. You know, yeah, you know what I'd be doing, holding my breath under that water. You'd be using a snorkel, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean. <laughs> Oh man, James, just call me your little blowfish. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron Forever's like, I'm done. I'm done. It's you'll hear from me in six more months. Yeah, you'll hear from me in another six months, sir. (laughs) (laughs) It's my biannual check-in, Brian. Still not a fan. All right, Aaron. We got it. Still alive, man. All right. All right. Glad you glad you could blow off that steam, buddy. All right. Hope you hope you feel better. I hope this is therapeutic for you. You fucking what a fucking what a pussy. What a fucking pussy. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on iTunes and tell tell him how much I don't like him. I don't like you. I'm gonna re-edit too. Fuck oh that. Oh my god, dude! Don't blame me because your fucking dad beat you. Don't blame me. <laughs> don't blame me because your fucking dad had a few drinks 
drinking a few Michelobes and fucking slapped you around the house. I <laughs> know it's the Stella Artois. That's kind of <laughs> my dad's drink. Yeah. <laughs> dad's drink some Pabst Blue Ribbon. Giving you a, yeah, a PBR beatdown. Yeah, a PBR beatdown, you little bitch. We, we call that a Milwaukee special. <laughs> Guys, I no. Domestic violence is no laughing matter. All right. No, I'm not laughing. <laughs> oh, high road, high road Dan over there. It's all, it's all just a joke. If, if Seriously, if this guy was actually being beat by his father, it, it's a terrible fucking thing. Even though he's an asshole to me, if he was being beat by his father when he was a child, that's a terrible fucking thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I was laughing. I was just on mute. Oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the clarification, Dan. I don't look like a big dick anymore. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't know. Aaron, maybe you were asking for it when you were a kid, you know? Oh. I don't know, man. Maybe you shouldn't have been bouncing the basketball in the house. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's why he had to bounce his fist off your face, you little bitch. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Thank God, 2020. <laughs> uh, 2020. Guys, I watched... Uh, did anybody watch any episodes of Netflix's new uh, docuseries, We Are the Champions? Yes. Yes. I've watched I've watched three episodes. It's from executive producer Rain Wilson. He's also the narrator on this. Uh, we Are the Champions explores the quirkiest, most charming, and oddly inspirational competitions you never knew existed. Each episode follows a unique competition, providing a window into a world of determined, passionate, and incredibly skilled competitors who put it all on the line to become heroes in their own extraordinary worlds. Featured competitions include cheese rolling, chili eating, these sound pornographic. These oh, yeah. <laughs> fantasy hairstyling, yo-yo, dog dancing, and frog jumping. Um, I have seen, I don't know which episodes you guys have seen. I watched cheese rolling, chili eating, and yo-yo. Um, and, uh, I, uh, I think, I think that this really comes out of the gate kind of like firing here. Like these are, odd quirky competitions and i did you know i knew that you know people there were contests for people where they eat chili peppers but like i think that this does and i knew that there had to be like yo-yo competitions we talked about the rubik's cube competition of course there's going to be a yo-yo competition i've never seen it kind of like laid out in this format and in such a fun um way um I'm telling you like how they, they put on these competitions. Like, uh, I'll get to, uh, some, some of these, but the chili eating one, like they fucking made that shit exciting. Like these people are eating like these chili peppers, like these ghost peppers that are like super hot and they would go over like how hot they were compared to like a regular jalapeno and they would show you. And then they had kind of like this breakdown of like all these people that are competing in this chili eating. And, you know, like they would talk about like, like this person being like, a, you know, a champion here, this person coming hailing from this country and this person from this. And they got the best of the best in the world to like go head to head in like this ultimate chili eating competition. 
And by the time you get to that competition, like you've got a really exciting breakdown of all these different people, where they come from, male, female, it doesn't matter where they come from. And you're like, who is going to fucking win this? I thought it was super compelling for eating chilies. We're just just watching people eating chili peppers. And I was like, who's going to win this fucking thing? I was super invested in this. It's insane. I how much I really cared about, like, who's going to win this thing? I was I was blown away by the presentation and how they, they showed this. Um, I went the, the, the cheese rolling was cool. I, I want to talk about what you guys saw. Uh, and then I watched the yo-yo. Um, Paul, what what episodes did you watch? Yeah, um, so I watched the cheese rolling, the chili pepper, and then the hair uh, styling one came on um, afterwards. But I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. It's from what I saw, it's a total Tupperware. Um, I thought like the cheese rolling one was fucking fascinating because I'm like, you know, at first it's just these people just chasing a, a you know a thing of cheese down a hill. They really didn't tell you why they're chasing the cheese, but like you get so into it, and by the end of that episode, when it comes like you're, you're introduced to like a couple of the female competitors, and there's a point in the middle of the race where they're like neck and neck, and I don't know who I want to win more. Like I was so conflicted as to which cheese runner I wanted to win. You know, like. The tried and true, like the tried and true champion, or the one that's trying to uphold the family name in this crazy sport. But like, <clears throat> it never once made any of these contests feel like a black sheep. Like they gave it so much credibility and so much prestige, and just getting into the competitors' backgrounds and like why they do what they do, and you know, like especially the chili pepper eating one. They had so many different people from so many different backgrounds and representation it was super cool and the guy that did the chili thing it was fun just like i I would love to see a documentary just on him making these chilies and the way yeah. he comes up with these crazy fucking you know they keep calling him a mad scientist that's exactly what he is um but yeah it was so much fun i'm halfway through the hairdressing one and that one is just as crazy but i think this is a very fun newly you know like we're always short on ideas and this is a fun new way to learn about new stuff. Like it was really fun. Yeah. I've seen shows where they talk about like weird competitions or like weird things in general. And it's like, but I, I thought that the presentation here was phenomenal. It never took anything away. It never made it look like a joke. Like some of those, cause I've seen some about like different obscure sports and it's kind of a joke, you know, yeah. like, you know, you can make a joke like all oh, this could be on ESPN 8, the Ocho. Like, they don't make it feel like that. Like, and I think it's because they care more about the people that compete than they do the actual sport. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. The people get, are what's the people that do this are, are what's interesting. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, I could care less about people just running down this fucking dangerous hill chasing. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you? Oh, we, why would you run down a fucking hill? chasing a fucking wheel of cheese yeah that can go like ah damn that thing could kill somebody if we got in front of them but yeah like you can't like and then you find out why they're doing it you just are into you're so invested in them you're just fucking into it yeah it was so like i just loved how they made everything seem so valid yeah like like everything they're doing has a purpose it was really cool yeah, and I think Rain Wilson's a really great uh, narrator for this. I think he did a fantastic job. I'm also going to give it a Tupperware. Dan, we are the champions. 
Yeah, I, I thought that Rain Wilson was sort of doing a kind of parody spoof voice with his narration. It's like, uh, and then we see the cheese roll down the hill and the people chase after it. And it was just like, I don't know, it just felt like a kind of 1950s kind of documentary style. I didn't think there was much love in his voice. It was weird. Did you not, did you not feel that? Did you not feel like it was kind of like, kind of ho-hum narration? I, I don't, I never got that from it. I mean, maybe I could watch it again and get that feeling, but I don't know. I, I felt like I, I was super invested in this. I don't know if it, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not all Rain Wilson that like brought this about. I thought it was like a lot of just like the interviews that they had with the people. I mean, he's just like, you know, if, if we're looking at this as like, you know, um, is like a whole like uh like baking a cake this is just like 25 percent of like what makes that cake good is rain wilson i thought and the rest yeah. is the rest is just like you know what they shot and uh breaking it down and uh really getting into kind of like the minutia of these weird fucking sports yeah i watched i watched the cheese rolling the chili eating got halfway through the hairdressing watched the yo-yo one saw the beginning of the dog dancing one and skipped that and then I saw the beginning of the frog jumping one and skipped that as well okay so yeah I mean it was it was alright I wanted to see people get hurt in the cheese wheel running one <laughs> you know because that's why you watch the cheese chases in Gloucestershire because you want to see idiots throw themselves down a more than 45 degree hill and break their arms and stuff that's why we all watch it over here because obviously people don't realise the cheese chasing <laughs> is in Gloucestershire in England so this has been going on for many 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 years definitely since I was born but according to the documentary no one knows how it started which I thought was pretty funny yeah. <laughs> and um, so you have these people just chasing this wheel of cheese which gets up to 80 miles an hour and it's the first person to cross the line is the winner um, but this hill is so steep that they all basically everybody loses control at some point and some people just go into cartwheels of pain (laughs) yeah they talked about the the one lady the one lady talked about how like one person's foot by the end of it was facing the other direction yeah that's right and um, and in the documentary you see and probably two or three people get knocked out cold and they just slide down towards the end line um one thing i I really did like about the cheese wheel one actually just the cinematography in general was uh with filming in general was uh like the super slow-mo stuff um and seeing those people fall down the hill (laughs) is fucking (laughs) hilarious um and call me a cold-hearted bastard but i don't give a crap about anybody in the show i don't care where they come from or what their stories were i was like yeah you're an idiot that's gonna eat a load of chili for no fucking reason for (laughs) almost for almost no money what the hell are you doing with your life (laughs) i just didn't care Dude. I'm sure. I'm sure they're lovely. I'm sure they're lovely people. Um, but I just didn't give a fuck about anybody. I'm sure they're lovely, but fuck them. No, I didn't say that. I just said I don't care about them. It's like I don't care. I just don't give a crap. It's like there was a lady from England in the chili one. They were like, she's a school teacher who teaches chemistry and blah 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 blah. She's no stranger to hot spices, and she looks like she's like possibly like Pakistani Sri Lankan origin, something like that. So she's used to lots of chili and in her food and I was like I don't fucking care 
If I don't see someone throw up in the chili eating competition, I've wasted half an hour of my life. And I didn't see that. I was really disappointed. <laughs> I wanted to see motherfuckers pass out and throwing up on the crowd. But no. No, they just all muscled through. And oh, look, oh, look how much effort they're putting into being a fucking idiot. No. <laughs> You're no. fucking. So what? What have we learned? That Dan's a sadist. This is. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> it's better than being a masochist, which is what these people are. So, um, yeah, I just, I mean, it's just, it's fine. It's, it's made very well. It's very well done. It's very well produced. Uh, some of the things that they cover are interesting. Some of them are crap. Uh, dog dancing. Who gives a fuck? So it, it's it's that- fine. It's fine. So it's the equivalent of listening to an episode of PCL. All right. Guys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Twenty twenty strive for fine. That's it. To so taste it. There you go. <laughs> Oh man, I'm I'm gonna have to go back and I'm gonna watch. I'm, I think I'm gonna watch the dog dancing because there's an awesome episode of King of the Hill where Hank starts dog dancing with Lady Bird, and it's one of the funniest fucking episodes of King of the Hill ever. And I just said that for myself and like the five other <laughs> and the five other people that have watched that episode. But for the five people that watched that episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> You feel me? I was I, I did not know you could dislocate a collarbone. Yeah, and never have that shit pop back in. Yeah, you can, you can also also if you break your collarbone, you don't get any cast or anything. It just has to heal as well as it can. Because I fractured mine, and they don't give you a cast. You just oh yeah, to... I broke mine too. I oh there you go. Collarbone. Oh yeah. So what the know. fuck are you guys doing to break your collarbones? What are you doing? I was in, I Dan, was Dan was like, I was man. chasing a wheel of cheese. Um, Very close. <laughs> Chasing a wheel of cheese, <laughs> and I, was I wasn't even in a competition. Don't ask me; it was a weird day. No, I was in a laundromat. You know how they got those carts in a laundromat that, like, they got two <laughs> wheels and they got that big bar that goes up like six yeah. feet to hang your. I was in it, and then um, I was just standing up in it, and then my sister just kicked it over, and I landed on the folding table and just shattered my collarbone. This happened last week, everybody. This happened fucking two <laughs> days ago, my friend. <laughs> Morphine is a hell of a drug. No, mine is mine was way more boring. I turned up at uh on a like a friend's holiday. We were going surfing and we were camping in a field and I turned up and I got rushed by about seven of my friends, one of those being listener Stevie Lovelace, and they all jumped on top of me. And by the time the fifth person was on top of me, I heard a horrible crunch noise, and I told them all to get off. And, uh, yeah, my collarbone was kind of, like, in a very odd angle, so I drank whiskey and smoked weed until I couldn't feel anything and passed out. <laughs> so that was it, really. <laughs> I was hoping to God you would have said you were in a dog dancing competition. You told the people they were stupid and they fucking jumped you for it. I also was hoping that he would say, I was in a laundromat, dude. I'm not even joking. I was also in a laundromat. We were both there. Yes. I was dog dancing in a laundromat. <laughs> I was telling somebody he was stupid for doing frog jumping. He just fucking clobbered me in the collarbone. I was dirty dancing. <laughs> <laughs> while dog dancing yeah oh there you go <laughs> I, I, I held my Pomeranian so, yeah. up like Jean what's her name Jennifer Grey held her up like oh, God. Patrick Swayze at the end of that fucking movie I'm surprised he didn't break her collarbone while making that movie oh man yeah they fucking hated each other yeah they did oh god that that uh how the movies that made us 
episode yeah. was so good. It was so, I hate that movie. No, I, but it was the best episode. It was the best episode. Thing. It really was. I like. I love the soundtrack. I grew up on the soundtrack, but I can't stand the movie. Um, Why did they hate each other, dude? Like, there's cuts of him calling her like a dirty bitch. Like, <laughs> like I think she held up. I could be wrong, Brian, but I think she held up production for like four hours because she wanted a cheese tray. Yeah, yeah, the whole cheese tray thing. They talked about the cheese tray thing, and there was a clip of him calling her a bitch. Yeah, he's like, come on, you bitch. And he's just like, whoa. So what you're saying is they were both pieces of shit. Yeah, and it was made by a porn company. I just found out. I just literally found out like maybe a month. Yeah, it was made by a porn company. I literally just found out that she's married to fucking uh, Agent Coulson, that dude. Well, now well, they're divorced now because June Choi fucking jinxed that shit. Are they divorced? When? Like – Last time I was on with June, she literally brought that up that they were married to each other. And then the next day after we recorded, it broke that they split up. Wow. I think like in the summer. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Okay. There's your there's your PCL trivia for the day. Hey, that's how much you can put up with someone being a bitch to you, obviously. He <laughs> <laughs> lasted a hell of a lot longer than Patrick Swayze. What's my fucking cheese tray? A cheese tray. Four hours for a cheese tray. Dude, it was like, she sounded like a diva, man, but he was just going off on her. I, I heard like, that they rolled that cheese tray down a hill and she ran after it. <laughs> Broke her fucking oh. collarbone. Oh, and you know what else? I think when they were making that scene where she keeps, like, laughing when he's touching her, that was all real. And that was pissing him off. Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. They brought that up. Did you see yeah, that they're like, making the, the the Christmas movies that made us that's coming out this year? No, I didn't. Yeah, and uh, they're going to have the Christmas movies that made us, and I think they're going to be doing – I know they're going to be doing Elf and like all the movies that Home they're alone. doing. Home Alone. Well, they did I Home Alone did, already. They already did Home Alone, yeah. yeah. They already did Home Alone. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Pa- yeah, I think they are. I, I, they, which, is, which is weird because there would be no Home Alone without Christmas Vacation because that's when – Christopher Columbus said, I can't work with this piece of shit, Chevy Chase. And John Hughes was like, well, hang on, let me give you a script. And that's how he got home alone. Oh, I've heard some, there's, I've heard some horror stories about Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Did, oh, oh God. The, there's some horror stories about Chevy Chase on the set of, uh, of, um, community. There's a whole voicemail. Well, uh, there's Bill Murray uh, when they did Caddyshack. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they got, yeah. They, I think they got in a, like a physical altercation during the filming of that. I could be wrong, but like I'm pretty sure that they did. Yeah, because I think they needed to I think they literally said they needed to get Bill Murray so high on weed for the one scene that they have together in Caddyshack just yeah. so he wouldn't like fucking break his neck. Well, they hated each other like I think I think you can go back, yeah going back to SNL yeah like I think it was all detailed in in like a book about the making of Caddyshack yeah and then they made that into like a documentary on A and E or something it's really good yeah yeah we are the champions on Netflix Dan gives it a taste it me and Paul enjoyed it quite a bit I don't know you you guys decide for yourselves yeah. I think people are just rushing to the dog dancing episode right now. (laughs) (laughs) Netflix is just like, oh my gosh, why is the dog dancing episode just exploded in numbers? Oh my gosh. Everybody listening to this PCL, PCL episode. 
rushing to Netflix to listen to to watch the dog dancing episode. And we in are six the months, uh, in six months, Netflix is going to get a dirty review about uh, the fucking dog dancing episode from Aaron Forever. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah outspoken fuck. Um, I'm so important. Listen to me and my opinions. Six months later. <laughs> You fucking rat cunt. You fucking. (laughs) I think he. Probably the worst of the cunts. I think this was all planned by him. Like, uh, my first review is going to be that I love him, and then I'm going to squash him. Or he's building up like a whole third act. Yeah. Like, hey, what's, what's the finale gonna be? Yeah, this is like, you know, like, like when fucking Hulk Hogan and fucking Macho Man formed the, formed the mega powers. Oh, the mega powers. Fuck yeah. And then they fucking turned on each other. Like me and Aaron Forever, we were like the mega powers. Oh like, no. And then, yeah. Had they, Miss Elizabeth. Oh yeah. Ah, ah, Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking A, man. She was a gem. Jeez. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Oh, did you ever, did you watch the Macho Man Miss Elizabeth episode of, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, Paul? Sure did. That was fantastic. That whole series is fucking amazing. Isn't it great? It's so good. And I think they just got renewed for like 18 more episodes. Fuck yes. And they drop them in like parts. So like you'll get like the first part and then like months later you'll get like the second part. Yeah, I'm just excited to see. I feel like they've done a great job. I can't even imagine what else there is to cover, like what huge conspiracy. I mean, like e- even the little stuff with like that John Stossel guy getting slapped oh, around. God. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Bruiser, the Bruiser Brody one. I couldn't believe it. From all yeah, accounts, well, he just sounded like a nice guy and he gets he gets fucking murdered. Sad. Oh, yeah. Well, and. And even the thing with, like, the fabulous Moolah, like, back in the day, she seemed like the nicest person. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's a, shit. It's all coming out that she's fucking, uh, she's like no wire hangers lady. Yeah, she's like fucking pimping out the Joan Crawford. She's, she's Joan Crawford evil. <laughs> Mommy dearest. Mommy Moolah dear- dearest. Oh, my God. <laughs> I watched that movie when I was a kid. And I was like, Mommy, that's you. So <laughs> Uh, mommy dearest what a fucked up movie oh my god life after flash um paul did you watch this i did dude here's the thing i i one of the four movies that i saw i I talked about vanguard but they had the the I, i haven't seen the movie in over a decade well over a decade i hadn't seen flash gordon and um, they had the 40th anniversary in theaters for like, it was a two day, two or three day event from Fathom Events. And so I went and saw it on Sunday. And so I get there and there's like no sound when they start the movie. It's like at the beginning, before the movie started, they had like all this special kind of like, oh, we're going to have like, you know, Sam Jones, uh, you know, uh, introduce the, the movie and ha- we're going to have like this, uh, comic book this animated comic book come to life from the from flash gordon and all this shit there's no volume in my theater and so i go out there and i tell them there's no volume and they're trying to get it fixed and because there's so many people not showing up to the theater they were able to switch it to a different theater within my theater so i i was able to go into a theater that did have audio and they switched it over and i was able to watch it but they gave me they said you can get anything off of our menu for free 
and we'll also give you a free ticket for a free movie. And um, so I had used like my AMC points to get the ticket. So I got the ticket for free and then I was able to get like a, like, you know, some free nachos and a free drink. And then I got a free ticket. I made out like a fucking bandit. And, yeah. I and, thought you were about to say Sam Jones actually came down from the, from the projectionist room to apologize. Oh, that would have been amazing. He's like, I'm, he's like, times are tough, man. I'm working at AMC right now. <laughs> he's like, I don't even know how long I'm going to be working here because it looks like they're going to be shutting down in the next few days. He's like, he's like, uh, times are tough for, for Sam Jones. Oh no. Yeah. But, uh, oh dude, I fucking, I cost that, I cost AMC so much money that day because it was so windy out that day. When I opened the door to leave, like the door swung wide open and it snapped the chain on the door. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking broke the door. (laughs) And so I cost AMC, I I cost the, I, AMC was in the, in the hole definitely that day. Like they cannot. They cannot you single-handedly put them on business. I, I did. I did. <laughs> You're going to be reading about that online. First the nachos, yeah. then the door. We were fine up until he fucking fucked up this door. <laughs> and now we're filing chapter, chapter 11 bankruptcy. <laughs> you remember when that – what was that that, that? that fashion place, that store, the, the clothing store Forever 21 – Filed mm-hmm. for bankruptcy. I thought they should. After they did, they should have changed it to Forever Eleven <laughs> <laughs> for Chapter Eleven. That was my. That's my dated joke from last year. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so I, I went and saw the 40th anniversary in the theater. I'd never seen Flash Gordon in the theater, and so this was awesome. And so after I got done, I remembered that there was the Flash Gordon documentary. Which at the time when it came out, I really wanted to see it, but it had been so long since I'd watched Flash Gordon that I wanted to watch the movie and it wasn't streaming anywhere. And so when they really released it in the theaters and I watched it, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this documentary. And it chronicles the making of the 1980 film version of Flash Gordon and its eventual cult following and looks at the roller coaster life of Sam Jones since his role as Flash Gordon, his struggles and successes and the aftermath of when he went up against one of the most powerful producers in Hollywood. Um, and I mean, it's got a ton of fucking, you know, people, uh, that were in the movie, cast members, Melody Anderson, Brian Blessed, um, Peter Wingard, uh, Richard O'Brien, Deep Roy. Deep Roy, good porn name, good porn name, right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Deep Roy, give him the, give her the old Deep Roy. <laughs> give, give her Deep Roy. That, what a great porn name, Deep Roy. Anyway, um, Dan, did you see? Did you see? Have you ever seen this movie, Life After Flash? Uh, yes, I watched it today. Oh no, shit! Yeah, and, uh, a lot of comic book creators were involved in this too, as far as like interviews. Stan Lee. Uh, Alex Ross, Mark Miller, uh, they got filmmakers, um, uh, filmmaker Robert Rodriguez, um, and, um, I, you know what, like, I knew, like, I hadn't seen him in a fuck ton of stuff after Flash Gordon, <laughs> but I didn't know exactly why, and this really gets into, like, you know, like, why he didn't kind of, like, explode and why they didn't make any more sequels to this, and, you know, he had, like, this big kind of falling out with, um, with uh, the producer of this movie, Dino, what was his name? Dino. 
and he had a big falling out with Dino, whatever Dino's last name was. I can't remember. And he had a big falling out with him. And it was, it, it was basically like his agents were telling him, his advisors were telling him to like, you know, go ahead, just leave the movie, you know? And, and, um, it really turned out to be a bad decision. <laughs> he had the wrong people around him, but, um, I mean, I mean, we can unpack this a little bit more. You can watch it for free on Amazon Prime. Now, you can't watch Flash Gordon streaming anywhere for free, but you can rent it or buy it from like Vudu or Apple or whatever, uh, Amazon. But, um, I mean, what did you think about this, Dan? Um, it was interesting, um, cause I love, love Flash Gordon. Um, you know, watched it when I was a kid and I must have watched it about 20 times, something like that. Um, and it was interesting to see, like you guys were saying, what actually happened and why Sam kind of just disappeared off the face of the planet. And the thing that I found most interesting about that story is that, you know, like the, a lot of the production guys, a lot of the production side and some of the actors said it went one way, which was that Sam went back home for Christmas and then he never came back because there was like a pay dispute or something. And then the other side of the cast and crew and Sam and his family said that he went back home for Christmas. He was waiting for a call for him to come back to England to do dubbing and, you know, like um, like voiceover stuff for, you know, certain scenes. And he never got the phone call. So one side says that he just told them all to fuck off and never came back and the other side said he was waiting to come back so it's just I just thought it was weird there was no kind of like resolution as to what actually happened we've got two sides of the same story and like neither of them lines up with the other so what the hell did happen it's mad I think I honestly think that his advisors gave him the wrong advice like not to come not to go back like that, that they're not going to resume production without you and and he was proven wrong that's what I think. That's just my personal opinion that like he's too important that he'll get what he wants, whatever demands he's wanting, he'll get and they'll bring him back. And that's, that's not what happened here. They went, they went ahead and used like his stunt double and then got a, got a voiceover actor. Yeah. It was crazy, man. I, Cause I didn't realize that that wasn't his voice. I had no clue either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was like I could tell you, know, you could tell that like some of it is dubbed, but like I didn't realize that they basically did the whole fucking film with a completely different guy doing his voice, and yeah. what, the guy that played uh, what was his name? Blah 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 blah. I'm trying to bloody find it. Oh, uh, Peter Wing, great, the guy that played Clotus. He said that it was some Canadian actor, and but he doesn't remember his name, and no one else remembers who this guy was. <laughs> So, so we'll never know who the fuck it was. Wow. It was just, it was really weird. It was like, like marred with like, um, you know, just lots of problems with, mainly with Sam. And there's like a lot of head bashing and stuff. And I mean, not going to lie, like the guy comes off as a hell of a prick at the beginning of this. Um, and not only in his professional life, but also in his personal life comes on as, or comes off as a complete douchebag. Um, but you know, as it goes on, like the documentary is very fair and very kind of impartial to the information that it receives, which I thought was a really nice touch. And they let everyone, you know, speak their truth. And by the end of it, you know, you get 
um, stuff from um, like cast and family and friends and all the people that know him and him himself and him basically saying that he had to realise that he was a piece of shit and uh, he kind of turned his life around and mm-hmm. then Ted came along and he did that and things are kind of looking up for him so it was nice it was you know it was good to sort of see both sides of it instead of everyone just slagging him off and calling him a cunt for the rest of his life that's it was true good. yeah dude oh god and I, I love that they got into the, the amazing soundtrack because like uh, yes it's so good I, I listened to it today um, yeah really <laughs> you know I, it's yeah, fantastic it was really good I mean when you look at a movie like Thor Ragnarok you can see basically like that whole movie that whole style is inspired by Flash Gordon yes you can say you can say Planet Hulk you can say you can take whatever Thor stories you want to take but like the style like that Taika Waititi is injected into that is 100% taken from Flash Gordon 100 yeah, all, all of the colors and like the the weird like synth music and all the sort of you know the crazy stuff that jeff know, goldblum ship coming up with jeff was, goldblum ship you know what i mean oh yeah yeah <laughs> that's my favorite bit in that entire movie oh it's so good that button and well, the hologram comes off of jeff goldblum well, and it goes it's my birthday <laughs> it's all, all birthday. the fireworks and shit comes <laughs> well even like the the, the, the score in in uh thor ragnarok from mark mothersbaugh it's it's yeah. very Flash Gordon, you know, inspired. And I love that they did bring up Star Wars in this too, because we know that Flash Gordon was a huge influence on the Star Wars films. Yeah, well, they said that George Lucas was trying to get the rights to do a Flash Gordon movie, and they wouldn't give it to him, so he ended up writing his own kind of Flash Gordon movie, which ended up being Star Wars. Well, and it's perfect that Max von Sydow, who was in Flash Gordon, ended up yeah. being a character in. The Force Awakens when yeah, he played Laura Santaka. Yeah, it's 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 amazing because I mean, yes, it is. It's a very cheesy film. It's very cheesy. It's incredibly dated, um, but it clearly influenced a lot of people back in the day. And mm-hmm. like you said, you see that in like in in Thor, and you can see it in Star Wars, and you know a, a million other things. It's um and and the soundtrack. You know the soundtrack. All you have to do is just go flash like that to anyone, and they all go, "Oh, <laughs> yeah!" Everyone fucking knows it. It's, it's so iconic, and yeah, I just, I mean, as far as the documentary goes, it was all really interesting. I think it could have done with being. I'm going to go all Jake on you guys. Um, being a bit shorter, it was kind of for me. It dragged quite a bit. Probably could have been doing doing like an hour long. It's like an hour and thirty four. Um. So I reckon they could have cut quite a bit of it out, but yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I was going to say I wish I would have seen more Timothy Dalton, but he hates that film, so he wouldn't do anything <laughs> with it. It was like there was the the guy that said um, in the end credits, he said, "Oh, I saw Timothy Dalton in like a like a laundrette," and I said, "Oh, hey Timothy, you killed me in Flash Gordon," and he just fucking sneered at him and turned around and walked away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he hates that movie. Uh, he thinks it's uh, like a smear on his career. He really doesn't like it. What is it? I mean, what movies of his does he love? Like, if he hates Rocketeer. James Bond? If, does he hate his James Bond? No, I think he likes his James Bond. Yeah, like, well, I, know, I thought he was fantastic in The Rocketeer. Oh, yeah. He's good in Doom Patrol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fantastic <laughs> in Doom Patrol. Paul, what do you think about Life After Flash? I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I did not see the movie. I ended up watching it afterwards. 
which is really crazy because I ended up recording with Marable. We talked about the movie Highlander, which I've never seen. So I watched Highlander right after Flash Gordon. I'm like, dude, this was so inspired by Flash Gordon, even with the whole Queen soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Queen was kind of all over the place on 80s movies and TV shows. But, yeah, um, my biggest takeaway is I want to get a beer with fucking Brian Blessed. That guy is so <laughs> fucking animated. I love, that, I love guy, that guy knows how to party. Yeah. That dude, a fucking legend. Holy shit, Blake. The main thing I kept thinking is, God, this Sam Jones, this, this Wish.com version of Lou Ferrigno just comes off like a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, and, and, and Dan, I, like, I know you said towards the end of the movie, you kind of see, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, like, you kind of see him as a better person. I was seeing that yeah. at first until his son said, you know, like, I hated the movie Ted because, like, he went back to that person. And it's like, Sam Jones was completely embracing that kid, you know, like that image again. So it's like, do you yeah, want to well, be the family man or do you kind of want to be? Well, I, I, I don't know, man. I, Cause I, maybe his son doesn't understand parody because that's what that was. But, um, I don't know. I, I think, honestly, I mean, with his son, I don't want to be an arsehole to his son. He's obviously got a lot of fucking problems. Um, <laughs> you know, but as, as in, you know, his, 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 um, childhood is probably marred by the actions of his dad. So he didn't mm. want to fucking see that on screen. So I can understand why he had that. Makes that makes sense. But it was just him in a comedy film pretending to be a much over-exaggerated version of himself because I don't think he can like run through punch through walls and well no you know, no I... everything else it's you know and and you know teddy bears aren't alive so well no no, no. see see where I'm going <laughs> I, I took it that that he didn't like I took it that he felt like his dad was kind of becoming a version of himself when that movie was out at that time like he was kind of going back into that mindset not that he thought he could like talk to teddy bears but just that he was kind of becoming that asshole yeah i I feel like the son felt like he was compromising who he is now to go back to that you know and so that's how i took it and i don't think that his son appreciates the potty humor of seth mcfarlane no 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 (laughs) but like my whole point was just that i don't think I just don't feel like he totally redeemed himself. And I don't know the guy, like, who gives a fuck what I think about this guy. He just seemed, he just seemed very, you know, like the self-controlling type of dude. But it was kind of cool to see, like, him kind of saying how he learned from himself and just that battle he went into with that fucking Dino guy. Jesus fucking Christ. It sounds like that guy pretty much destroyed his career from the offset. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to the point where he said, like, 20 years later, I had to call Dino and say, hey, we cool? And he's like, yeah, we're fine. Mm. You know, like, uh, Dude, I heard he wouldn't even fucking have his kids eat the Dino Flintstone vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, fuck, he fucking, he fucking, when they got Flintstone vitamins, they were eating Betty and Wilma and Fred and Barney, but he fucking trashed all the Dinos. They were eating Bam Bams and they were eating, what was that? <laughs> but they, the, all the fucking Dino ones, they fucking threw in the trash. As soon as the, as soon as he saw it, like in the kid's hand, he just smacked it out. No! Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't do that in this house. No, it was, it was really cool to see, you know, like, um, especially movies like that way back in the day where everything is now with CGI to see like how they built, like, like they actually moved to like one of the biggest hangars in the world, dude, just to create yeah. some scenes for the movie. Like that's, 
that's what I love about the old movies is that they made all that shit by hand. The way they created the clouds. Yeah, that shit's really cool. Yeah. Like, Didn't they add like some kind of like coloring to water and the fog would turn into yeah. Turn yeah. pink? Yeah, yeah. And it was just cool that that, that that's that was a practical effect. Man. Yeah, I, yeah. I think my favorite bit about the whole documentary was everyone else, every person that did an impression of Dino De Laurentiis. <laughs> that's that's my favorite bit because everyone was like, "Oh yeah, hey kid, how's it going?" And then everyone put on this like really weird kind of gruff Italian voice, and everyone was slightly different. But apparently, that was exactly how we sounded because everyone did the same damn thing. You, you know, fucking. Well, you know, oh, go ahead, Paul. Was, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, it was probably awesome too for those two only guys in the world to like actually collect the props from the movie whose like wives and girlfriends probably told them you're, you're ridiculous for having this the day that that set or the, the camera showed up to their house say, Hey, we want to talk to you about some props you have from Flash Gordon. Probably like, fuck you. It pays off. Here's my fucking, <laughs> here's my costume that this dude farted in or whatever. <laughs> dude, like, yeah, they were talking about like the one costume that Timothy Dalton wore and it still had Timothy Dalton sweat on it. He was like happy about that. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I could clone Timothy Dalton if we had the technology with this. <laughs> but man, um, he did not say that. That was me. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, I'm surprised that like, you know, this shit, some of this shit is not in like the Smithsonian, you know, like the Smithsonian doesn't have like, uh, some of this stuff in there. It's crazy. Like some of these big movies, uh, you'd think like some of these props would be in the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian would be renting these from, from these people and it's not there. So yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you see that? Like, do you have to go to this guy's house to see that? Like, what the fuck? Like, what if, you want, so. what if you want to see it? Yeah. But what if you want to see this shit? You, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's maybe he opens his house to people that want to pay. Who knows? Uh, or maybe week, he's hoarding it all for himself because he doesn't want anyone else to touch it. Last week we don't talked touch about, a Dalton sweat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> last week we talked about the the Wolfman's Got Nards documentary about the Monster Squad, and at the end of that documentary, you had um, Andre Gower who played the you know the young kid in that movie, and he was the director of the of the of the Wolfman Got. Wolfman's Got Nards documentary. He uh, pulled out the um, Stephen King Rules T-shirt that he wore during that movie, and he he like showed it to like all the super fans. And dude, their reaction was just like, "Oh my god, this is the shirt! This is the shirt!" You know, like like all these super fans just went so nuts for it. So like that stuff is important to like you know like if you're a fan of a certain property, like just to be able to see those things like you know if you're a fan of like the wizard of oz like i don't know where like the original slippers are if they're like in the smithsonian still or in like a museum somewhere but like no they were stolen i heard that too yeah no one knows where they are there's like there's been like a fucking bounty reward for those things for like years they got stolen out of some museum wasn't there like, like an unsolved mysteries about that or something there could have been <laughs> All I know is we used to watch this show called Hollywood Treasures where this guy would have an auction house in Hollywood and he would find like he would talk to like old actresses and actors and get like some of their private stuff and would sell it for like $50,000 and shit like that. And he always said his holy grail was to find, you know, the ruby slippers because the original ones were stolen. Yeah, like I don't know how many that they made and how many were screen used. 
you know? Yeah, I, I think there was like only one legit pair still in like out there that could be validated to be on screen because the shit they did in the show, like they would like freeze frames, you know, because anyone could say, oh, look, I got this from this movie. And they would like they would spend weeks like, you know, scrutinizing it to like shit on screen. And they would look like for certain like scuff marks. And it took a lot to even validate that the stuff was real from like a movie. Yeah. So that was cool. But yeah, I think there's only like one pair that's known to be, to exist and they've been stolen. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, as far as like flash, you know, flash Gordon documentaries go, I don't know if they've ever made another one. I, <laughs> I, I think that this was fantastic. I personally loved it. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. So I think, you know, if you have Amazon, this is definitely worth watching. Dan, it sounds like you're giving it a taste it or a high taste it. Yep, taste it. Taste it. All right. Yep. It was interesting. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, and I sat there and I watched it and I thought, oh, that was good. That was about it. I'm sending you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a thing I watched. Yeah. <laughs> Dan West. It was a way to spend time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what happens when I don't like things, as you found out earlier, so. <laughs> oh, man. Uh Paul, what are you what are you giving it? I'm gonna give it a high taste it just because I've never you know like I didn't I don't have that much experience like the movie isn't held as to such high regard to me I was just more entertained by you know Sam Jones versus the world type of thing and now him you know being a fucking security guard yeah for like yeah, the embassy I'll, or something I will say that if if anyone does love Flash Gordon and you haven't got the DVD or the Blu-ray and you don't haven't listened to the commentary tracks do yourself a favor get a copy of the DVD with the Brian Blessed commentary on it oh um, because as Paul was saying you know he's a fucking amazing character and his he gives you the lowdown on everything in the film as far as what was going on on set it is, and it's hilarious. He's really funny. It's really informative about how the film was made and everything that was going on between all the actors and everything. So check that out if you're a Flash Gordon fan because it's fucking awesome. Oh my god, his his best part was when he's getting so worked up. He's like, "Can I say F? Can I say F?" <laughs> I shouted, "Fuck off!" Yeah, I shouted, "Fuck off!" <laughs> yeah, did you know that guy's climbed Everest like three times? Shut the fuck up! Are you serious? Yeah, really? Seriously. Yeah, he did it when I was a kid. Wow. It was like it was on all, it was on all the, like a like a like a kids TV show we have over here had he, over here. I heard that he, his second time up there, he chased a cheese wheel all the way back down. He did, <laughs> and he didn't break a bone. He did pushed him all the way down. I, I heard he, he I heard he fucking beat the cheese wheel down, Everest. Yeah, <laughs> like the cheese wheel had to catch up to him. Dude, he's an absolute legend. It was the cheese wheel that had dislocated collarbone. Yeah, they were like, we're like, we don't know how this happened. This is not, this is not even, this is not even uh, biologically, you know, possible. Somehow that pastor did it. Somehow we don't know. My favorite bit actually of the documentary was when he was talking about because he tells his story all the time, which is the bit where like he the Hawkman goes behind the, you know, the main girl and he like sort of grabs her butt cheek 
and she like goes, oh, and she like does a big squeak, and he like goes, ah, like that. And he he loves telling people that was ad libbed because it one hundred percent was. And in the commentary, he's going, oh, this is the bit where I goose her. This is the bit where I goose her right out the bum. <laughs> really, he's just man, he's so funny. He would get he would get cancelled for that nowadays. Oh yeah, grabbing you... an actress's butt on stage. <laughs> so true. So true. Um. I don't know. You guys want to take a break or do you want to keep going? I would like to take a break, please. I need to get my charger. Let's break it up. We're going to We're going to break it up. We'll be right back. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit. That freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right. Hey, we are back. We've got a lot more to cover in Good Pop, Bad Pop. And I'm going to start it off with, I know you guys got your own Good Pop, Bad Pop that you want to talk about this week. Oh, my cat. My cat is on the table. And uh Tail just hit the microphone there. And, uh, he is just he is just wanting some loving right now. This is he he. He's just wanting some loving right now. You're handsome as fuck, dude. I'm gonna tell you that right now. You're handsome as fuck. You should not worry about that. You're a fucking beautiful animal. Anyway, um <laughs> Oh man, I'm just I'm just rubbing his head. He loves it when I rub his ears. Loves it when I rub his ears. Ah yeah, that's good. Oh my god. All right. Anyway, um, I watched No Man's Land on uh, Hulu. This is a Hulu original series, and it dropped, uh, I think, on Friday, um, Thursday or Friday. Um, what was the 18th? Yeah, it was Wednesday. It dropped on Wednesday. A family grieves the death of their daughter in a suicide bombing. Meanwhile, her brother suspects she is still alive after glimpsing her in a news report. And sends off to find her in the Middle East. Now that's a little bit misleading. He sees a news report and he sees a woman. She's turned around and she's putting her hair up in a hair tie. And he just, it just reminds him of his, the movements. It's, 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 it reminds him of his sister. Now she was, uh, um, believed to be dead, believed to be killed in the Middle East. And so, he cannot shake this. He cannot get it out of his head that that was his sister. He thinks that there's some circumstances around her death that were very suspicious. And he thinks that there's a good chance she could still be alive. So this basically takes him on a journey uh, to the Middle East, to Syria, 
um, where he gets involved in the Syrian civil war and uh, meets up with a um, female fighting unit known as the YPG, uh, YPJ. And th- th- this is not a true story, but it's based on real events that are happening in the Middle East. And um, in this story, not only do you meet uh, him and his family and then the members of the YPJ, this uh, female fighting group that's fighting ISIS, but you also meet uh, on the other side of ISIS, you meet three London-born men, Nasser, Iyad, and Paul, who eventually fight for ISIS. And it gives us flashbra- flashbacks, like a, a kind of like that breaks down why they joined ISIS. And um, Paul, I know you watched a little bit of this. I've, I'm through four episodes of this. It's an, I think it's an eight-episode series on Hulu. Um, you watched part of this. I don't think that you, it was just time related for you, correct? Why you couldn't finish yes. anymore? Yeah, it was totally time related. And I'm not going to lie. Like it was just the subtitles, just staring at screens all the time. I'm like, Oh, I just need to kind of chill. But then I looked at the time, like there's no way I'm going to be able to even get one done. But I was, I mean, even like the first, uh, the first half of that episode, I was into what was happening. I mean, I was definitely compelled. It was, it's not like something we've seen a lot on TV where it kind of takes you into Syria and, you know, and, and looking at this guy's quest to find some truth. Yeah. Like it was, it was super interesting. I'm definitely going to go back and, and try to give it a, you know, like a decent shot. Yeah. I, I've seen some negative reviews online. I personally, and really, I'm really enjoying this. I think like a lot of people are upset that this is not more of kind of like, you know, <laughs> going through like what's really going on over there it does but like it's also included like this fictional story of like this you know french man looking for his sister who got involved in in the syrian civil war and it does flashbacks as to like how she got involved into it in the first place a lot of people are upset about the fictitious nature of this and why it's not focusing on the factual truth of like these women that are fighting in the in the YPJ. I still think that there's plenty of room for that show to come out or a docu-series about these women that are fighting in the YPJ. I just find that the drama and what's going on in this series is super compelling. I'm really enjoying this show. I could not stop watching it. I, uh, I haven't binged like the first four episodes, but I watched two back to back. You know, I watched some other things, came back to the third episode. Even as of today, I finished the fourth episode. This is something I definitely want to finish. I think there's a, like a lot of mystery and a lot of things that are having me come back to this one. I Tupperware, I really like No Man's Land. And I think this is a really great show that no one's talking about right now. So I, I'm really kind of like, People just get so upset when it's like not dealing with like what's really going on and stuff like that. I think it's still shining a light of like what is going on there. But it's like, you know, if I watch fucking Titanic made by James Cameron, there was no Rose and Jack. That never happened. But like all the things that happened in that movie, the fucking boat sank. You know, I think that this is basically just a way to kind of like shine a light on like what's going on over there, but still like bring us, you know, like the drama and like, I don't know. I enjoy it. I'm, I guess I'm just not pissing and moaning like some people are about it. I don't know for whatever reason. Um, but I still think that this is compelling and it shines a light on what's really going on over there and how horrific some of the, some of the things that are, that are happening over there. Um, I Tupperware. It's No Man's Land on Hulu. 
And Dan, you still don't have fucking Hulu over there in England. Nope. What the fuck, dude? Oh. <laughs> that sucks, dude. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> no. I mean, aside from this, is there anything else good on it? Yeah, I mean, there's a. There, I mean, Hulu's got some some originals and shit that I think you'd want to watch. Like, you know, like the big one, of course, is Handmaid's Tale. Um, you know, and I know, you know, Seth Rogen did Future Man. Um, we're going to be talking about Run, which is a Hulu original film. Um, it was actually supposed to come out theatrically, but Hulu. Yeah, I think we get a lot of that on Amazon Prime. They move it over to Amazon Prime. Okay. Yeah, some stuff they do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so No Man's Land, check it out on Hulu. Give it a shot. If, you, if you're not into it after the first episode, if you don't give a fuck about these characters after the first episode, and then drop it. I don't give a fuck what you do. <laughs> I really don't care. I really don't fucking care anymore. You could do whatever the fuck you want to do. Live your life. Do your thing. I don't give a fuck. You sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck about these people. Fuck them. <laughs> now you get to listen to three white guys talk about what the Fresh Prince, Be- Fresh Prince of Bel-Air re- <laughs> what the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion meant to them. 30 years later, we're bringing the Banks family back together. Join Will Smith and his former former co-stars for a funny and heartfelt night full of music, dancing, in honor of the show that ran for six seasons and 148 episodes. They brought back all the cast that they could bring back for this one. Uh, of course, you know, uh, they could not bring back James Avery, who passed away in 2013, played Uncle Phil, also was the voice of Shredder in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Oh, I didn't know that. Now you do. Um, but man, uh, you know, everybody comes back. Will Smith, Alfonso Ribeiro, uh, you know, Karen Parsons, who played Hillary, um, Tatiana Ali, who played Ashley, uh, Joseph Marcel who played the butler, Jeffrey. And we got both Aunt Vibs. I was shocked, fucking shocked yes. that we got both Aunt Vibs because Ooh. like, you know, I knew a little bit about, you know, what happened with Janet Huber. With the original Aunt Viv, you know, I, I knew a little bit what happened with Huber, Janet Hubert, but I didn't know the full story here. And I, oh my, we'll get, we'll unpack this, we'll unpack this. But man, I, I'm five minutes into this and I'm tearing up. I'm already tearing up, and it yeah. had, it had to do with just like the cast going back. They, they totally redid the set of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the fucking living room that they would like, most of them would congregate in. There was, you know, we got other parts of the house, but like a lot of the scenes that took place were like in like, like the, the main living room, the foyer area. And they're all meeting there and they're hugging each other. And Alfonso Ribeiro pops out of like, and I'm just, dude, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm in tears like five minutes into this thing because like this show, like, I remember going back to 1990. I remember being a fan of the Fresh Prince when he was a rapper. You know, Nightmare on My Street. And, I, you know, I, I think I could, you know, beat Mike Tyson, whatever the song was. You know, I loved all his fucking fu- – his raps were funny. They were clean. They were funny. I enjoyed them as a kid. I thought he was very talented then. And to hear these stories of, like, you know, how the show came about – and, uh, you know, the story with him and Quincy Jones and all that stuff. I don't know. I was, I was just, and I remember when this show came out, like I remember watching it the, the night that it aired. 
you know, I sat down and watched it the night that it aired. Like, there's those shows that I remember watching the night that they aired. This is one of them. I remember watching Seinfeld the night that it aired and remembering mm-hmm. and watching that first episode of Seinfeld and thinking to myself, I do not like this show. And then it turning into something else and being one of my favorite shows ever. And I know it's not the cool thing to like Seinfeld now, but back in the fucking late 90s, you fucking know you were watching it. You know you were watching it. Well, most people were watching. I was watching it. It was a fucking event, Seinfeld. We're not here to talk about Seinfeld. We're here to talk about The Fresh Prince. But, man, I I fucking love this show from day one. I thought, you know, the whole – just the whole, like – I mean, we had a culture clash of, you know, him coming from Philly and the family living in Bel Air. But it's a black family, man. And it's like – we. but this is shit you didn't get on The Cosby Show. You know, I think like the Cosby show, they kind of played it safe. They played it, they played it for white audiences. This show, man, it, it took it to some places, uh, where, you know, where black people, like this is the shit that black people were dealing with. Like they talked about the episode where Carlton and Will got pulled over by the police. And it's like, this shit's still fucking relevant today, man. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this was, uh, it's fucking, it, it makes me want to go back and watch all these Fresh Prince episodes on HBO Max. Man, I took away the fuck out of this. We'll unpack it a little bit more. But my God, Paul, what did you think about this? Yeah, I'd say it's a total Tupperware. This was the, you know, this show came out when I was just starting to really kind of, you know, go away from like the cartoons and try to be, you know, like a grown up kid, a cool kid. And of course, it's got to be Will Smith. And it was just so cool to just learn everything, you know, that went into this show and like how it did tackle those big subjects back in the day that are still being felt today. But I mean, it was just awesome to really talk, you know, to, to talk to the dude that played Jeffrey, you know, of how much like pride he, like everyone just like looks back on this with so much pride. Like they know it, like they know how much of an impact it's had on society. And it was cool for them to just kind of like acknowledge that and talk about how that became, you know, something bigger. And I think to me, the most interesting thing besides, you know, the Aunt Viv um, coming back was them talking about like how they filmed the show. And the most interesting thing to me was what they did on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and the trust that like the writers had and the actors where that was like the, those are the two days where they were able to kind of like rehearse and give it their own feel. And I don't know if a lot of shows gave a lot of actors that freedom to kind of test around with their characters. But it seems like those Tuesdays and Wednesdays, the week of filming was when all the magic happened of how they were really able to, you know, to put like the realness into this where, you know, like it was, you know, some of it could be kind of like too hard to believe, but like in those Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they were really able to get you to feel the realness of those characters. And of course, you know, breaking down the whole, um, you know, like talking about uh, James Avery and, you know, like when they really break down that, you know, huge, everyone knows the scene where, you know, Will's dad leaves and Mm. there's Uncle Phil still there, like to really hear, you know, to really hear about the filming of that scene and how emotional it was for both of them and how James Avery became, you know, like the dad for him off the camera during that scene of how he just, you know, said, like, look at me you know, like play off of me when we do this. That was, that was super cool. It was just awesome to see everyone come back. You know, even the little kid, uh, 
think his name was Nikki in the show. Like it was just a lot of fun. Uh, and it was cool to see like them acknowledge, you know, the influences has had on society. So yeah, it's a total Tupperware. I want to see more of these kind of like reunions or even like a documentary on some of these, you know, black sitcoms that I don't think that they shine a light on. I want to know like, like what was going on in the writer's room for like good times, you know? Yeah. Like the Jimmy Walker fucking, uh, I, I loved good times. I, I, you know, it's, it's one of those shows that I watched, I think like on, I watched it in syndication when I was a kid, like on TBS and, and shit like that. But I loved good times and I felt like that was like, you had the Cosby show, which I think like was, it was a black cast, but it was basically centered. It was, I felt like it was made for, for white audiences. It showcased mm-hmm. the comedy of Bill Cosby, Cosby, who was like family oriented. You know, back in the day, we can all, and we know, we know, I know about, we all know about Bill Cosby now. Okay. We all know about Dr. Sleep. All right. So we don't need, <laughs> we, don't, you know, we don't need to get into that. But I'm talking about like what we, what we knew of him back then. But like, you know, like, so, but I want to, yeah, man, I think that I, dude, I, I would love to, I want more of this. I want a fucking, I want a family matters reunion. I want a fucking, I want a, I want a good times reunion. Like this is shit like, and we've had a lot of these, I feel like, you know, like Josh Gad did the whole like fucking reunited apart shit this year. And I think that's been great. And this is another thing that I just think like even took it to that next level because you had just the cast interacting with one another talking about like, dude, it was just great seeing them all together in the same room and all the love that they had. You have to think to yourself that they had to have been talking about coming back and doing something. And I honestly think that I know they're talking about doing like a re- like a reboot of the show and making it more of a drama or whatever the fuck they were talking what? about. Yeah, there was talk of that. And, and I know that that's like in development or something. But I honestly think that they should bring back this cast and do 10 episodes. Do 10 episodes of like just kind of like what Netflix did with Full House and Fuller House, you know. Do bring – I think Will Smith would come back. I think like w- once he felt the energy and – got back in the room with these people. I do think that there was, there had to have been talk. There had to have been talk. Somebody had to have said like, could we do this again? Could you do this again? I think it's all off camera, but man, I cannot think that, that they did not think like, man, I want to do this again. Especially if like numbers come in like, yeah, did this did like big for HBO. Yeah. Oh, dude, you know, like, what was the biggest movie before this? Action Park? Dude, this has to, dude, this has to be huge. This oh, has yeah. to be huge for them, man. Fuck, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. My dad was watching the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about my fucking father was watching this show. My dad loved this show. Dude, I, I mean, fucking, do you guys remember where you, I, dude, it's like, we talk about, like, where we were when fucking, you know, people talk about, like, where they were when fucking Kennedy got shot, you know, when uh, 9-11 happened. Dude, I, I can sit here and talk about where I was when fucking Carlton did the first Carlton dance. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, dude, that, that was like, that was comedy gold. It was so funny. What, Dan West, what did you think about this? Oh, it's a Tupperware all day. All day. Um, obviously coming from another country, like this show has a slightly different kind of meaning over here. Um, because I mean, obviously you guys have, your problems over in the US and we have a, a similar share of problems to do with race and stuff like that, but it's not, doesn't seem quite as nuts. But, um, we didn't have many kind of like 
uh, like black shows over here. There was a show called Desmond's, which was about um, like a hairdressers, which was like an all black cast, and that was hilarious as well. That was that was awesome. But Fresh Prince, um, man, everyone over here watched the Fresh Prince. Fucking everybody watched this show, and. Every, and this was all like, you know, before we had streaming or anything like that, like Alfonso was saying, like, you didn't, didn't, couldn't just watch it on your phone. You had to sit there and you had to wait at the right time in front of your TV to watch it. And everybody watched The Fresh Prince. It was on at six o'clock on BBC Two and everyone at my school and everyone I knew watched this show. And it was, it was just a fucking joy from start to finish. Um, not only was it funny, but like had a lot of like you know uh, like cultural commentary in it but it was full of wisdom as well like you know like the the six series that they did and everything and i mean everyone always talks about the um papa's got a brand new excuse episode because it's one of the best scenes in sitcom and i would say tv history between will and uh james just and i can't watch it without crying every single time mm. don't care how many times they play it i just burst into tears every single time it's fucking incredible and you know like you're saying there's the, the episode where they get like locked up full um with like false charges and fucking uncle phil comes in there telling the guy that he's gonna he's gonna tangle the the police station up with so many lawsuits that his grandkids are gonna need lawyers and that was awesome but there's also stuff like when um you know will and colton go to college and there's there's a, a very sort of big class distinction where like the guy was i think his name was dog or something um and he was saying you know that like colton wasn't black essentially and that was like you know obviously it's very difficult to talk about this like being who i am but i always just thought it was a very interesting episode <clears throat> and alfonso does that amazing speech in that um, about like jumping the same hurdles and things and why is this guy trying to trip him up and it, it's just like oh, it's just so good from start to finish and mm. this reunion like you said you just started tearing up you see them all hugging there's that beautiful tribute to James Avery um, and you know we get like um, what's the kid's name um, he's not a kid anymore uh, Ross Bagley comes in, uh, who was Nicky. He comes in sort of later on as I was, oh shit. And just <clears throat> seeing the cast, uh, like the, the kind of archive footage of how they used to hype the, the live audience up. And they were all like, you know, playing like percussion instruments at the beginning of the filming and just like getting this energy level, like to this massive crescendo. And then bam, they would start doing the show just to get like the laughs and the, the, um, you know, the interaction with the audience, like as high as they possibly could. And it, it reminds me of, um, that there's not many shows that, that have this kind of like true, uh, camaraderie amongst the cast. You know, a lot of things we have nowadays, they're all very, how much can we make out of this? And um, it's all very kind of clinical and corporate. And you just see all this footage of them, like, like just like busting moves in Will Smith's dressing room to Apache. And everyone's just having an absolute 
blast all the time and they always said you know like you'd hear the music coming from Bullsmith's dressing room and people would almost form like a line to get to it and then all the cast and all the crew would just be having this huge party at the end of filming or even at the beginning of filming in some cases and it was just it 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 was awesome because that's what I wanted that's what I felt like the cast of the show were doing like off air, you know, when I was a kid and I was watching it, but to actually see it and to see them would come together and to see them all so close, even now, even though it's been so many years since they've all been in the same room together, it was just beautiful, man. It yeah. really was. And I know I said like, <laughs> about the fucking the we are the champions documentary fuck all these people but i've i grew up you know with fresh prince mm-hmm. and like so many people did you know we all grew up with him with, oh dude it was awesome prince. it was what it was awesome watching will smith star rise as yeah. this show was successful because like here's the thing i knew about him and i really enjoyed his rap I thought he was super funny and I, you know, parents just don't understand. I used to fucking listen to that all the time. I used to be able to fucking sing that song and quote it. I thought he was so funny, you know, and, and then telling my dad like, Oh, you know, this rapper is going to get like his own show. And my dad thinking like, Oh, this is just going to be a stupid fucking show. And then my dad falling in love with it, which, you know, like, it's one, it's one of those things where it's like, now my dad gets like how funny this guy is. And like now, you know, like families can sit down. Like this was, I know that you, you see the Cosby show is a family show, but man, this was a different kind of family show. Yeah. But there's something, there's something super special to this. And I don't feel bad. I feel bad going back. I've tried to go back and watch those Cosby show episodes because I still love fucking, you know, man, there's some great episodes, but I, it, I can't watch those episodes and not feel weird about mm-hmm. who he is now. You know, it's just, yeah, I, I can't. And so like, Look, I get the, the same thing with Kevin Spacey movies. Yeah. I can't watch them anymore. I can't do it either. I haven't been able to, I haven't gone yes. back and watched seven. I haven't gone back and watched, um, Baby Driver. Baby Driver. I haven't come back and watched any of those. I love um, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn Gary, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and I haven't been able yeah. to go back and watch that. I mean, yep. and I mean, he's in seven for like <laughs> he's in seven for like seven minutes. Yeah. But it's it, and it's such a great movie. But I haven't been able to bring myself to go back to watch that movie. This is like the cast, like you know, stellar cast. And I can go back and watch this and love it. I want to start a rewatch on this one. I want to start a rewatch on this one. I am so, I was shocked. I am so glad, but I was also so shocked that they actually addressed Janet Hubert, the original Aunt Viv. Yeah. And not only did they talk about her, like when, when he said like, you know, I, I think that, you know, this would not be a special unless we did bring up you know, Janet Hubert, the original Aunt Viv. But I was shocked when he said I talked to her. I sat down with her. And I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, eh, fuck it. You know what? Here's the, I, dude, I feel like I want to see this woman get her justice from this. I want to see, I want to see Hollywood accept her again. If she's willing to come back and do another series, do another comedy, I'd love to see her get back into Hollywood. Whatever project that Will Smith is doing next, he needs to bring her on board. 100%. He's, she was 
not like you know not being like an asshole to like you know Daphne Reed or anything but Janet was always my Aunt Viv yeah she was fucking she was she was just perfect she was absolutely perfect she was great I mean you look you go back and you look at like how you go back and you look at like how black actors were treated in the early 90s like on a white show where they just had like one black person as a cast member or something like that they were always kind of like just they had small bit parts go back and watch melrose place that first season of melrose place like the the actor that they had the black actor that they had in that she was she was really good they just gave her nothing and then she eventually just fucking was written off the show mm. that's crazy man but i mean if, 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 again this is like we're kind of apples and oranges here because like we at the same time like that fresh prince was going and we had red dwarf which had like two black actors as the main characters so it's like it's weird for me <laughs> but that's that's not a u.s production though yeah that's what i'm saying man it's yeah. like we, that's again like the, the the whole atlantic ocean sort of like splitting yeah. us apart a bit on this one but it, again it's oh, it was definitely it was definitely it was definitely i think that she was the bigger person here she said i was yeah. she said i'm sorry yeah. first she said i'm sorry first which i don't think she owed him an apology honestly uh-huh. i do think that will smith didn't as a young guy and i think he gets it now he gets it now in his 50s but as a young guy he just saw one side of what was going on on the set with her he did not know the full story and i think that uh she was basically dropped from the show because of like he's the talent he's got a problem with her Mm. i think if both parties would have been able to sit down and talk about what was going on i think they could have worked something out but i feel like exactly and I, too much I, ego. Too much ego. And but he was a twenty-one-year-old kid. Think about who yeah, you it, were at twenty-one. Think about who no, you were at twenty-one. Be, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, like he probably thought, like the you know the world, you know, you know uh, the sun set and and, and rose uh, because of him. Because everybody well, yeah. was worshiping him at that time, and I feel like. Mm-hmm. I think now I mean, I've seen a lot of um, like Will Smith interviews and things. I remember him sort of take saying about how he had this psychotic drive. Those are his own words. And like he said to Janet, like he was, he had so much fear. Fear was coming, like coming into all of his decisions because he thought like the world was against him and everyone was going to try and tear him down. So Mm -hmm. I understand his point of view from that side of it. But yeah, but you got to um, fucking talk to your cast members. If you're talking about yeah, so, all this yeah, camaraderie on set, if you're talking yeah. about all this camaraderie on set, you got to put that shit aside. I just felt like yeah, this. No, I agree, man. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's, it's like you said earlier. Oh, scratchy beard. Um, like you said earlier, um, if they just if they just talked to each other like they did in this special, it, that it might not have ever have happened. Like, cause Will didn't know what was going on yeah. with Janet, like at home and with the baby and all that sort of stuff. And it's just, again, it's just this whole, like we see so much of it nowadays, the breakdown of communication, people take sides on something and no one fucking talks and nothing ever gets resolved. And you see these two people come together after 27 years yeah. of not talking to each other, yeah. 27 fucking, years of slinging mud and shit and hating each other and calling each other names in the media and all the rest of it and then they come together and they see each other face to face and what's the first thing they do they fucking hug each other like a long embrace and they have a talk they both explain their perspective on what was happening yeah will 
clearly in the wrong and Janet had nothing to apologise for. Mm. The only thing she apologised for was maybe giving him some shit in the press. Mm-hmm. And But she didn't even need to do that because by the sounds of things, that she was treated like absolute crap. And But oh. even though all that happened in the past, they spoke about it, they understood where the other one was coming from and in the end it all seems like it's all been forgiven and forgotten and it was fucking beautiful human moment it was caught on camera yeah and it was it was a healing moment it was a healing moment you felt it when you watched it it's just it's just sad that this is what it had to come to i feel like when 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 this happened when she needed her cast members the most they and I mean, I think like the one voice that could have stopped all this from happening was Will Smith and, Definitely. He, and he let it, yeah. he let it happen. And I think that that's because of like youth mm-hmm. and I think like with age and wisdom, he's come to realize that he was, <laughs> he was at fault here and man, it was nice. It was a beautiful thing. It really was fucking beautiful. And I, I, I wish, I wish this woman, um, the best going forward. I hope that, yeah, I hope that if she wants to get back into acting, that, that, that this will open some doors for her because basically mm-hmm. she said, like, when you've got like the hottest up and coming actor saying that she's difficult to work for. And then you look at the fact that, you know, uh, the way that people kind of like, see like oh okay she's 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 an actor she's she's difficult to work for on a on a set with a cast that's predominantly black and now you've got another black actor saying she's difficult to work for they don't and and you know they just basically viewed her as this black woman that's difficult to work for and she was blackballed from hollywood and that fucking that's 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 sad because she had so much talent and people are talking, still talking about the episodes that she was in and like what she brought to the show. And yeah. so, oh, dude, yeah. I'm, I'm just glad that this fucking documentary <laughs> had the balls and that Will Smith had the balls to do this. I was yes. shocked, oh, shocked. Yeah. I, I love that. Like, you know, Dan says, you know, like they did their hug, but then she like, she went right in at him. She goes like, I don't know why you had to go as long as you did. Like she like kind of like goes in at him, you know, she's holding him accountable. It wasn't like all, you know, like rainbows as soon as they hugged it. Like it got real for a second. You know, she really, she really let him know when you're as big as Will Smith, when you're as big as Will Smith, you can distance yourself from anyone. Yeah. Will Smith is such a big fucking actor. If he, if he wanted nothing to do with his family members, they wouldn't be able to get in and talk to him. Like that's how big he is. Like his entourage and the people around him, if they wanted to control him, they could. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so the interesting thing about the whole situation is that if either party didn't want to, you know, wouldn't sort of give up ground to come and talk to each other, then this wouldn't have happened. So like it's very like humbling and bold and brave of both of them to be able to just sit down together. What there's probably a couple of crew around and then that was it. And they just yeah. hashed it out, made their peace. And then yeah, that's it. I'm happy. Well, I'm happy. With, I'm it happy with the outcome. And yeah, to get back on. A, she came back. What's that, Paul? I'm sorry to say it was great that she actually came back to talk to it the was. rest of the cast too. It yeah. was, it was That's like, dude, when they, when we get the first shot of her, like sitting down 
in that seat, I was just like, oh my God, I, like I haven't seen her since, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know? yeah. And like I was reading something like, I know, it, it just sounds like there was so much like, it sounds like Will Smith was so threatened, even though like it was his name on the show, like the show was named after him. Like there was literally people coming up to him and saying, yeah, like they're probably going to name it like the Aunt Viv show. You know, like there's people getting his ear about that. Some stuff that I've been reading, trying to kind of get in to see like exactly what went down. And it just sounds like some people really were able to rip these two apart and just put jealousy in between the two of them. And it's just so happy to see them finally be able to, like Dan said, 27 years. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Like it's fucking crazy. And it was just, I mean, it was so awesome to see, like, of course, like all the big, like earth shattering moments, like to really address, like, the issues, but you also forget how funny this show actually was back in the so day. So fucking funny. Hilarious. Dude, like, like it, it had those, like, deep moments, but, like, my favorite moment is always, you know, like, the earthquake scene when he's stuck with that girl and he's singing that song, like, stuck in the basement, girl getting on my nerves, I thought she was fine, don't know if her body's hers, just shit like that, like, it's so <laughs> fucking funny, like, and Carlton, like, Doing that crawling. Oh my god! Oh, I still fucking tear up in laughter when I see that. It's so funny when he breaks the fourth wall and just fucking yeah. goes nuts. <laughs> that was like one of the fucking funniest shit. That's the funniest shit I ever saw. You know what this documentary didn't do, which I was really upset about, is it didn't clear up the fact that like most people, one of the biggest gripes about the fucking theme song is that. It's the theme song. When you listen to it, it sounds like he fucking took a taxi cab from Philadelphia all the way to Bel Air. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. Mi- when, they do, when they do the cut version, yeah, it's the cut version. There's a missing verse. Like if you yeah, watch when the, he's on the plane, he, there's a yes, there's a missing verse where he's on a plane. So he fucking goes from Philly, takes a plane, gets off the plane, and then takes the cab to Bel Air. Yep. There's a couple episodes that actually have that whole intro. And it was a treat when it would play like on reruns. Oh, that's like, awesome. Oh, God, this is the one. Because even like the beginning <laughs> would have like a different beat. You know, you'd be like, oh, shit, this is it. This is it. This is like seeing, you know, the fucking different cat suit in the Batman 66 <laughs> beginning. You know what I mean? I, mean, I was going to you- say, again, with this, with the, I mean, just the, the song for Fresh Prince, even over here, you can literally start singing it to someone especially if they're around my age and they will know every fucking word yes. to that song because like I said everybody used to watch it and we watched it like just over and over again and every- oh god I remember it's, it's getting a very very important show over here I really remember is. getting drunk at C2E2 <laughs> and outside in Chicago on the streets and I think it was me I know Brooke Doherty remembers this we were all singing the Fresh Prince theme song outside on a cold night in Chicago during C2E2 and singing it. We were, we were singing a bunch of fucking sitcom theme songs. And, uh, but Fresh Prince came up and that was one of the songs that we sang. And that's like one of my best moments of hanging out with the leftover army. So, I mean, that Fresh Prince of, of Bel Air reunion on HBO Max, absolute Tupperware. Highly, highly recommend this one. One of the year's best. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. And I will say, like, from everyone on my side of the pond, like, 
any Fresh Prince fan, we all really do miss James Avery. And the fact that when you, re- you rewatch the episodes and we know that he's gone, it just it's always upsetting. But, you know, Uncle Phil was a, a, a father figure to so many people I know. Uh, and the, the wisdom bombs that he dropped through that show, it just they just fucking live on forever. And he was the same guy in real life, apparently, to everybody yeah, exactly. like Listening to Tatiana Maslani, uh, Tatiana, I said Tatiana Maslani, um, Tatiana, Tatiana Ali, um, talk about, uh, you know, like how she basically, how he basically kind of like, um, was a figure to her and, um, basically it was a big part of like her growing up and, and, and her acting and stuff like that. I mean, that was incredible. That was incredible. So. Yep. What a man. Uh, I talked about this movie last week. I had Paul. Did you watch Jujitsu? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I like this movie, and it sounds like everybody else in the world hated it. Um, Nicholas Cage martial arts uh, stars Tony Jaa and Ulaine Musi team up for the action-packed explosive thriller Jujitsu. An ancient order of expert Jujitsu fighters face their ultimate match in a deadly battle for Earth. Also starring Frank Grillo, Juju Chan. Uh, buy or rent jujitsu and watch it tonight. Uh, this is rated R. It's from Paramount Pictures. We're actually, uh, before we jump into like, uh, our review of this, I talked about it last week, but before we jump into the review, we are giving away four digital copies of jujitsu. All you need to, <laughs> fuck off, Dan. Fuck off right now. <laughs> All you need to, stop it, guys. Uh, now I'm only, I'm literally only gonna have three people enter this. Um, <laughs> all you need to do is look for our jujitsu tweet. Uh, on Facebook or on, uh, Jujitsu tweet on Twitter or our post on, uh, Facebook and share it on Facebook. Uh, retweet or share. The, then screenshot your share or retweet to comments at Pop Culture Leftovers with the subject Jujitsu. And, um, next week I'll be, uh, reading off the winners of the, uh, digital copy of Jujitsu. And this is for U.S. residents only. I wish. It was global. I apologize, guys. I can only do um, what, what we're able to do with these codes. These codes won't work uh, internationally. But, uh, Paul, what did you think about jiu-jitsu? <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a low, low, low taste it. Um, <laughs> I love, like, like Nicolas Cage is the best part of this movie just because he knows exactly what he's supposed to do in movies like this. Um I did enjoy like the comic book panels then like being animated and turning into um you know the actual live action scene. Yeah. I thought the alien looked like shit. Um I thought the I thought the rest of the performances weren't that great like our big, you know, the main guy we're kind of following. I, I, was, I dude, they should have got <laughs> Scott Adkins for that. I and if, for those of you that are familiar with Scott Adkins, I recently watched Triple Threat on uh netflix have you guys seen triple threat nope triple threat oh my god the cast on triple Threat story is terrible on triple threat but my god the list of actors and martial artists in triple threat is insane tony jaw eco uas scott atkins michael uh michael jai white um oh my just fucking like some of the best names <laughs> in martial arts 
And it's not a great movie as far as like the story, <laughs> but my God, just seeing Tony Ja and Eco Uas together is like it's worth it. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I think probably anybody could have been better than some of these people in it. Um, yeah, there, there was a couple times that they, like, there was this one fight scene where it just randomly went to a random person's point of view from the fight. I love it. I loved oh, it. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hardcore Henry type of shit. It was. It was total hardcore Henry, and I loved it. It made I... no sense. I like, what the fuck? <laughs> And you did like, I don't even think it was actually from somebody. Like, it was just so weird. Um, but yeah, Nicolas Cage, we, you know, like, just his whole interaction with the one guy and him being mad that he was on his piano. Like, you just, you know, like, Nicolas Cage knows exactly what? what he's being brought in for. You know, like, he knows exactly what he's supposed to do in these types of movies. And he did exactly what do you need to do? Like Frank Grillo and all that shit? Ah, fuck Frank that. Frank Grillo is not good in this movie. He was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but man, Dan, Dan only, how, how long, how much of this movie did you watch before you tapped out? Seven, seven minutes, 47 seconds. <laughs> seven minutes, 47 seconds. Look at that far in. And, uh, it, the, the, the special effects were terrible. Uh, the sets were fucking terrible. The music was terrible. The acting was terrible. Even the bloody credits at the beginning and the terrible fucking shitty photoshopped bullshit CGI intro sequence they did when they, uh, and I turned off just after the camera flew into the mouth of a skull just before the normal film started and then I was fucking out. Man. Toss this shit. I haven't watched it but toss it. You're wasting your time. No. No. I would watch this again oh and 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 I hope that we get sequels. Okay, right. you can talk about this. I'm going to go for a piss. That's all it deserves. It took me five attempts to rewatch. Oh, um, I, I saw that, it. dude, bro. I saw this in the theater, dude. Oh no! Yeah. Oh man. Well, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I am glad that people there are people that enjoyed this. I mean, you know. <laughs> but, but that person ain't me. <laughs> he could not. Oh God! It just felt like man. I'd rather, yeah. Would you say that you you run away from this movie? Would I run away from this movie? Yeah. You mean like if it was like telling me it had free puppies in its van? Yeah, absolutely. That's my segue <laughs> into the movie Run on Hulu. Did oh, you- <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Yes, yes. All right, cool. Uh, I think I think Aaron Forever is back on the PCL train after that segue. <laughs> He's like Brian's not a one trick pony, man. This guy's got guys. This guy's got more up his sleeve than I thought. Um, yeah, run on Hulu. Did you watch this, Paul? I did. I watched this last night. Uh, a homeschooled teenager begins to suspect her mother is keeping a dark secret from her. It's directed by Anish Shanganti. He's the director of uh, the movie Searching, which came out a couple years ago. Great movie. Tupperware, that movie. I love Searching. I've seen that movie. I need to see that. John Cho. Oh, my God. Watch Searching. Oh, my God. I don't know where it's streaming. It might be on Amazon Prime or Netflix. I don't know. Find it. Find it. Go to the Just Watch app. Look for Searching. Search. I'm going right now. Search. Searching. Oh, my. I loved Searching. Searching is an absolute Tupperware. This movie stars uh, Sarah Paulson and Kira Allen. Kira Allen, 
she's actually a wheelchair user in the film and she's a wheelchair user in real life. So they basically, they got a real wheelchair user for, uh, for this movie, kind of like taking a, um, um, you know, like, uh, remember, uh, what was it? Uh, a quiet place where they, t- they actually cast, you know, they, t- they had a deaf character. They cast a deaf mm-hmm. actor and they did the same thing here. They got a real, real, uh, wheelchair user here. And, uh, basically this movie, you've got a teenager who is, uh, she, she's in a wheelchair, uh, she's homeschooled and she starts suspecting over time that her obsessively overprotective single mother is hiding some sinister secrets that she can never tell to anyone. And um, at the beginning of this movie, you see um, uh, the mother played by Sarah Paulson. If you've watched, uh, you know, the American Horror Story series, you're familiar with this actor. She's fantastic. She was in uh, she was in Bird Box for five seconds. And Nurse Ratched, yeah. She was Nurse, yeah, she's Nurse Ratched in the, uh, the Ryan Murphy, uh, another Ryan Murphy series there for Ratched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, at the beginning of this movie, she's giving birth to Chloe, her daughter, and, um, who's a premature baby, and she asks the doctors if, if she's gonna live. We hear no response, and then it, you know, the scene fades out, and we're, we're, intru- we're introduced to, you know, uh, Diane and her, and her daughter Chloe later on down the road and um you know like where they are now um this is a hard movie to talk without spoiling it so basically i just kind of want to get your reaction to this one paul um it's an hour and a half it's not a long movie at all it's easy to watch hour and a half Mm-hmm. um not a lot of not, not a lot of filler so there's a you know this story it moves it moves um what did you think about Run? I love this. I fucking love this uh-huh. movie so much. I had so much fun with this. Uh, it, it's so short. Like, it's short. It goes so quick. I don't feel like there's a wasted scene. Um, the chemistry between Sarah Paulson and I forget her name is fucking amazing. Sarah Paulson is just like, she's, you know, she's old reliable. Like, you know, when she's in something, it's going to be awesome. Like she's do you, just. Do you mean Kira Allen? Is that who you're talking about? Is that the one who plays her daughter, Chloe? Yep, yep, yep. that's her. Then because there's really like I think there's really only three like actors in this pretty much. I mean, like we get a pharmacy scene with some people, but there's really only it's really only Paul Paulson and Allen. Um, and we, man, did, we get we get Tom the Tom the FedEx driver. Tom the FedEx driver. Oh, I love Tom the FedEx driver. That's, yeah. But um, you know there are there is a pretty fucking amazing twist in this that I did not see coming. I love the ending. I just you know there's there'll probably be some people are like oh like this is a little you know it's kind of stretching you know like logic. Well you know it's a fucking movie on Hulu. That's yeah yeah. You know like I loved it. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. I I had I already recommended this to like three people last night who texted back and said. They absolutely enjoyed it. So, yeah, I really I really had fun with this. I really love this movie. Dan, you would hate this. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you hate you hate you hate everything that people love. <laughs> That's right, okay. But I did see I do see this is from the director and producer of Searching and I really enjoyed Searching. Dude, that was a cool film. Thank you. Searching was amazing. This is definitely not Searching. Um and the ending on this one is just so 
out there. But in my opinion, a lot of people think that it falls off the rails. It just goes off the rails at the ending. For me, I felt the ending was so fucking out there and super satisfying. It was oh, so awesome. It was, it was awesome. So awesome. I was like, dude, I can't believe you got the balls to end it this way. Thank, Thank you so you. fucking much. Thank you so much. Up. Yes. I, I saw up. I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that oh fucking a. Thank you. That that ending is amazing. I stood up because I'm not wheelchair bound, and I just you did it. I, dude, I yeah, <laughs> I did it just to show off. <laughs> Take that, Kira Allen. Fuck you. No, dude, I don't care if she is in a wheelchair. This girl, they cast the right fucking person for oh this. Oh my god, she was so, her face. Like, just the way, like, she was playing off of, like, the terror of what she was finding out. Oh, she was so good. A lot of times it's, like, you hear, like, you know, there's this there's this whole thing of, like, casting people in these roles. And it's, like, you know, like, are we going too far? Because, you know, acting is acting and, and, and things like that. In this case, they cast a wheelchair user. And I think, like, she was the perfect fucking choice. She was phenomenal in this movie. So good. So good. I loved the ending to this. I absolutely loved the ending to this. That that movie poster is fucking horrible. (laughs) No, of course, course Dan's gonna, Dan hasn't even watched the movie. He's gonna find something to bitch about. No, 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 but not as, not, I don't mean as in design. I mean as in it's like, it's really like fucking haunting image. Oh, okay. It's fucked up. Good. Yeah. The movie, isn't the movie, the titles run with a period, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Is it, yeah. is it run with a period at the end of it? It's like, it's like a sentence. Not on this one. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought it I was. Thought it was. Yeah, could be. I, I really dug this fucking movie, man. I, I don't know. This was a treat to watch on fucking Hulu. Hulu just, yeah, well, this week, between No Man's Land and this, I, I just, Hulu was, it's worth it this week. Yeah. I was not expecting, like I didn't know much about the movie. I mean, I've seen like a couple previews because I watch Hulu a lot. So I saw the, you know, mm-hmm. where like because it reminded me a lot of like the act with like that gypsy, you know, like that gypsy and DD yes. where the mom, you know, like yeah. And that's like, based on it's it based was, on a true story. The whole uh, what is it, Munchausen yeah. by proxy? Is that what it's called? Munchausen yeah. by proxy. Yeah. Well, I, I think the actual show with Patricia Arquette was called The Act with um. With that one, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, you, you texted, I think like Thursday night and said, add this to the list. And I was yeah. like, I don't want to. And then man, like within the first 10 minutes, the phone goes to the side and I'm all in. Like I'm fucking Sarah Paulson, like does a perfect Kathy Bates type of yeah. performance from misery. Like, oh man, just everything, everything about this movie worked like the twist in the middle to that fucking amazing ending all oh, was just so good yeah 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 it's like and then you know they introduce that drug and you're like what is that drug what is the drug yes, what's the drug yes. do so oh, yeah when you find out what it does do jesus christ <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh my god yeah yeah it's it's a tense movie um it does it does uh it does go into the realm of like you know <sighs> abuse 
Oh yeah, well sure. Well totally. Yeah. Of, of course, yeah. Like that's a given. But it goes into the into the realm of like this this is unbelievable. I can't believe this would have this would happen, you know. Yeah, you can hear some you can't do that with the medicine. Yeah, no. It's just a fucking movie. It's a movie. Just a movie. Just get lost in it. And I don't think it's as good as searching, but I do think that this is a fun follow up and it had a very satisfying ending for me. And I think like some people are gonna watch the ending and hate it. Me on the flip side, I thought that the ending was bold and fun and kind of like a, kind of like a pump your fist kind of moment for me. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And, uh, I think like it, it's got to stick the, it's got to stick the landing. I felt like the stick, the, it stuck the landing. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I give it to Tupperware as well. Awesome. Dan, what do you have for good pop, bad pop? I ain't got nothing. All right. Uh, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I have a couple things. I like. I know it was on the list, but uh, I did give the Animaniacs reboot a couple episodes. I gave it one. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the first episode was, I think, what it needed to be. Like, it really riffed on Hollywood bringing everything back, yeah, including itself. And, you know, Dot calls David Duchovny a snack, so ha, 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 it's, you know, um, but yeah, it just didn't like like it, it felt like it had the parts from the one from the '90s, which I just absolutely love. But um, like it just kind of just has the model to it. It doesn't seem to have like the heart. But I'm only a couple episodes in. Like some of my favorites aren't coming this season. Like you know the Good Feathers and Slappy the Squirrel. But uh, you know I might give it a couple more uh, episodes. I'll give it a. I'll give it a middle of the road taste. It I thought it was okay. I was telling people on Discord. You know, somebody asked the question on Discord. You know, has anybody watched the Animaniacs? And I was like, Yeah, I watched the first episode. And I had to preface it with, I did not really. I didn't grow up watching the Animaniacs. It came out when I was fifteen. I was watching shit like Saved by the Bell, 90210, Melrose Place. I had moved on. I wasn't really watching a lot of like mm-hmm. cartoons and stuff like that. I was just in that age. I was in, I was a teenager. So I was wanting to watch like, you know, I was wanting to watch other shit at that time. So I wasn't watching. I remember watching one episode of Animaniacs and the episode has stuck with me my entire lifetime. And I thought it, that was, it was a funny, charming show you know i thought it was well written and funny it's just nothing that i watched while it was airing and uh if jake was on this episode he would be able to just fucking talk animaniacs like crazy he loves the animaniacs and he said he'd watch the first four episodes and i think he's really enjoying this new revival show but um i'm the wrong guy to talk to about the animaniacs i really am i think i understand why people love it i do understand why people love it and I think that it is a, a fun cartoon. It's just, it's just nothing I grew up with. So I had zero nostalgia while watching this. Mm. So, yeah, no, I told, yeah, and I'm gonna give it a couple more episodes. But yeah, it just, it doesn't. To me, it doesn't have the same magic as it does, you know, from its original run. Uh, but yeah, so I, I only got two things. I'm gonna start with the more um, light-hearted one, which is the unicorn which is the Walton Goggins uh, CBS All Access show. Yeah. Um, it is – he is a recently uh, – he has recently become a widower. His wife died of uh, cancer, and now he has two teenage daughters. And the show picks up with um, a year has passed since he has uh, – you know, since his wife has passed away, and 
he's a, he's a good looking guy. He owns his own business. He has a great house. He has good kids. So his friends who are played by Rob Caudry. Oh, I love Rob Caudry. Children's dude, Hospital. Dude, he fucking steals this show. He is so funny in this. But um, they, you know, they convince him that like you need to get on the dating websites because you're a unicorn. You're like the good looking guy. You have a job. You're not like a fucking serial killer. Don't like. they make? Like, I saw like a preview for this, and they make fun of his forehead. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know they do the um, the first season is on Netflix, and the first season is an Walton Goggins' story. forehead looks like uh, it is big. It looks like it looks like Adam Driver's fucking chest in uh, the Last Jedi. <laughs> 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 Ooh, who's got the bigger forehead, uh, Walton Goggins or Red Foreman from that '70s show? I, I, I seriously, I, I want to play a game of handball off of Robert, off of Walton Goggins' forehead. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, so you know that's the season finale is that the kids play handball off of his fucking forehead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But no, like the second season just started up. And if you, if anyone is a fan of Justified, because he played uh, Boy Crowder on Justified, there is an extremely satisfying Justified reunion that looks like it will be taking up the remainder of the second season. And I give it, I give it a Tupperware. It's so cool. Like it's, um, it really tackles like trying to get back out there dating, trying to, you know, be a dad uh, to your two kids, like, and, you know, and, and maintaining friendships with the people that will always be there for you. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an episode where, where um, there's catfishing going on from uh, Rob Codry and Walton Goggins, where they don't know the other one's trying to catfish the other, which is the one that kind of really uh, gets everyone to fall in love with the show. So yeah, I would check it out. It's on Netflix, the first season. And then, um, CBS All Access every Thursday, I think they drop. So. Okay, bare knuckle boxing match between foreheads. Who wins, Walton Goggins or James Vanderbeek? Walton Goggins, man. Yeah, Goggins. Goggins for sure. You don't think Vanderbeek's forehead can take Walton Goggins in a bare knuckle boxing match? I mean, I think he might go the distance, but I don't think he's got the stamina. You think it comes down to a decision with the judges? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. I could, you know. You can't. You can't count out Dawson. Um, <laughs> no, and then, um, and then the last one, which is, oh, it is. It's on uh, FX. This one has gotten a lot of controversy. It is called a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew this was coming out, Paul. And I was like, I am not going to fucking talk about this show. And I love Nick Robinson. I think Nick Robinson is a talent. Like, if you I, don't want me to talk about it, I will drop it. No, like, no. I definitely, I want you to talk about the show that has a teacher having sex with their underage child. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Sorry, no, I had to, I had to rip off the band aid. That's no, 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 no. It, it's cool. So, so yeah, this is uh, this is actually um. Okay, let me bring up the fucking shit here because this is from the same lady. She actually made a movie in 2013 of the same name called The Teacher, and that pretty much explored just the relationship part, and it ends 
with like the possibility of maybe it getting out. This Holy one fuck. Takes- so she wasn't done talking about fucking teachers having sex with children. She was like, well, I got more. I got more stories to tell in the realm of seek- teachers having sex with children. She's like, I'm not done. Yeah. No, no. Um, she was not done. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. This- you know, this, uh, you know, this was announced and whatever. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, there's been a, like when I was a student teacher, something like this happened where I was a kindergarten teacher, but it happened with a high school teacher and one of her students. And I remember like shit being closed down for a couple days. We had to take crazy ass training to even like try to see the signs. Cause it's, it, it's fucking insane. Everything that goes on in, 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 in this type of relationship with all the power. Do you remember the, do you remember like the big one that happened with that teacher that was like the fucking. Mary Kay Letourneau where it was completely fucking romanticized. Yeah. Like she went to jail. He waited for her. Yeah. They got married, had a fucking kid together. She just recently died. Yeah. And like that, like I hate that fucking shit. Like that's. But like that's why me and my like teacher buddies. We're so apprehensive about this show. Like, is this going to be another one of those things that's going to like romanticize kind of like a forbidden relationship? But like, yeah. love is the foundation. Like, is it going to do that? It does not. At like, it was so hard to think of like a rating. It's like a toss it Tupperware. Hmm. Like, like I can like. It's so hard. You to toss watch. the you toss the subject matter. I toss I toss the sub like. Oh, I hate watching it because it's like, it's so infuriating. Cause like it is, it's very much like she is such a predator and they do such a great job of just like showing her, like of showing the little things she does to get power over this kid. It's funny. Cause I'm talking to somebody from the army and she has kind of a different outlook. Like, like she's seeing it as him being kind of the aggressor. But then when you like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then I'm telling her, I'm what? like, And I'm telling her, I'm like, you know, like, but like, if you look at this, she's doing these little small things. And again, that's because I went through like a fucking week of, you know, predator training, Mm -hmm. you know, for this shit. Like, and you're just supposed to see this stuff. Um, Like, they do not glamorize it at all. They make it, they make it very seedy. It it comes off very awkward. Uh, The performances are fucking amazing. Okay, so uh, the 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 student is played by Nick Robinson from uh, Melissa and Joey and and Love Simon, and he was also in Jurassic World. The teacher is that what's her name? Mara. She's from uh, Fantastic Four reboot. The Kate Mara. Kate Kate Mara. Mara, Yeah. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to get the cast out of the way. No, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did bring it up. Um, and then it's directed. And it's funny, um, I was watching the end, and it said executive producer Jason Bateman. Oh, wow. And, and they, had a, they had an interview with the director, and they're like, yeah, Jason Bateman is the producer of this. And she goes, by name only, his production company signed on to us. We had to put his name on there. He's never been to the, he's never been to the set. He's never read a script. He just gets a paycheck. Oh, wow. Uh, but it's uh it's Hannah Fidel. She is the director, the creator, and the writer. Um but yeah, like the first 
the first couple episodes kind of delve into, and it's crazy. Every episode starts off with like a trigger warning. It says this show depicts um, scenes of grooming and um, you know predatorial behavior. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it says, you know, if you know anybody in this situation, reach out to this website or number in that. And like they really do, like the first episode, you like you're kind of like, okay, who is the one that's really doing this? And then it becomes more clear that this teacher is really abusing her power to get what she wants. And she's manipulating this kid, you know, and it's crazy because, you know, like he's starting to get into it. So now he thinks, you know, like he thinks he's the motherfucking man, as he says, Yeah, you know, and it's going to start to evolve into like, I think where we're at now, I think it's about to be found out. So we're like four episodes in. And I think the rest of the five episodes are going to deal with like the aftermath and a couple time jumps of just what this can do to the people involved, like his family, mm-hmm. the coworkers, like, like, like I said, it's like a toss it Tupperware. It's so tough to watch, like, especially for like a teacher. Cause you're just screaming at the TV. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, but the performances are great and it's just, it's, it's not an easy thing to talk about. And, but it fucking happens all the time. And a lot of this shit ends up just being solved outside of a courtroom by just like, you know, the teacher just has to resign and, and, and go, go over here and it gets dropped. You know what I mean? Like this stuff happens all the time. So it's cool that it's kind of being like given a spotlight where you can kind of see like the little signs to look out for. But yeah, it, it's fucking, it's, it's quite the show. It's it, it's it's really hard to explain. It's so so. Is the lesson of the show like don't fuck your students? Is that pretty much what it is? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Well, because well, I mean, you know, like it comes off as a joke. Like, yeah, you know, you don't you don't fuck your students. But I mean, there's a lot of these people that get off on that imbalance of power. You know, like these teachers like to go after the children that come from very broken homes, you know, they exploit that, you know, they they exploit that. Like, and I'm not just talking about like the female teachers, like it happens with dude teachers and everything. Like, it's just, you know, like I'm, you know, like I, I totally got, I totally got biased glasses on because I'm in this situation, you know, like it's, I, you know, I'm the guy that I want to protect all the students. So like, I definitely am a little more, fired up about this so yeah but like yeah i mean no honestly honestly dude i'm glad that they made it a female teacher with a male student because you don't see that sort of stuff it's always like the male teacher that is like shown to be a piece of shit so i think this is a very brave move oh a hundred percent and dan here here's the kicker is he he turned 18 in the middle of this relationship. So now the big conversation is, well, he's technically an adult. Like, can she be tried? Can this happen? Like, and it's looking into the fact like, well, you know what? You're still got that power. You still got that power play on him because he is your student. So like, it doesn't really take one side. I mean, like it totally is, but like it really, it goes out of its way to really show you all like the factors involved in it. Like all the little things like, like, like they're really trying to find a way to like make you sympathize for her. And then all of a sudden, like, God, you're a piece of shit. You know, like it's, it, it's just insane. 
it's fucking insane how they do it. Like they they put you through the ringer for everybody. So yeah, I'm so thank you for letting me talk about that, Brian. Yeah, dude, that's some heavy shit. Yeah, it's very heavy, and uh, Dan makes a great point. Like a lot of the times, it's the male that's shown as as the aggressor, and and, and Dan, at, at least in the United States, it, it's most of the time when it comes to like a teacher and a student, it usually is a female teacher that's doing it with. Well, you know, those student. are the stories that fucking the press, I think, fucking gravitate towards because like that's the yeah, ones that's that are going to sell. I, I, it probably happens a lot more with male teachers trying to get in the pants of younger women, right? Yeah, it's not about oh, that. yeah. Yeah, huh? yeah. I mean, yeah, but that also gets. I mean, there's also that's that also gets some uh, media attention too. But yeah, no, like I mean, just a lot of like, and they're really going the route of like, you know, she's not getting enough attention at home, so she's finding it from a kid. Yeah, it's just, I think it brings a lot of attention to a subject that's happening a lot, and yeah, it's a good, it's well done, and makes you, it makes you cringe while you watch it. Yeah. yeah. Pass. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm gonna touch this one, though. <laughs> Again, you can totally that. edit this out. I'm. I didn't. I'm not editing this out, <laughs> man. It's a fucking show. It's on FX, and it, like none of us are. Uh, none of us are fucking a piece of shit that's gonna fucking prey upon somebody that's young. I think, like you know, yeah. yeah. It's just a. It's a. Yeah. It's fucked up. Oh. I got to take a shower after every episode. It's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> and like, she used it like, like they use like such like a techno, like synth type of soundtrack. It's so fucking unsettling. Mm. It's so fucking yeah. weird, man. Kind of reminds me of that Joe Rogan bit in strange time stand up where he says about how, um, if it was like, uh, it was talking about the the female cop that was trying to like buy weed off of the 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 boy, and she bought weed off of him, and then she arrested him. And he was saying like, you know, no one gave a shit. And but if it was a guy trying to sling dick at like your fourteen year old daughter, then that motherfucker would be hung in the street. It's sort of a similar situation, I feel. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. It- <laughs> no, like, I don't you know, know man. Just, you, you know, because like the kid is gonna, it, it's just crazy. You know, the kid is, his friends are starting to find out he's like the fucking man. You know what I mean? So it, it's yeah. just crazy how they look at every little side and like just how like the people are kind of starting to notice the teachers, his classmates, his girlfriend. It's it's insane. Did you ever watch Catch a Predator with Chris Hansen? No. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I remember the fucking Okay, I used to watch that shit. Like I was on to I was on to that shit late. So then I started watching like the MSNBC fucking had like uh marathons of that shit and I just started watching them. And it's like I started watching they caught they caught this one motherfucker twice. Yeah, like what the what the fuck? He's like Chris Hansen sent this guy down. He's like, dude, this is the second time we've caught you doing this shit. <laughs> Why are you back out here doing this again? <laughs> what the fuck, man? That's fucked up. I watched. Um, <laughs> oh my, yeah. I uh, Jesus Christ. Are you glad you, you you so happy you got to bring that up, Paul? I'm not, no. (laughs) This is, this is why I didn't talk about the fucking thing last week. Cause it's fucking, I don't care. Like, it's a good show. It brings good awareness. Yeah, I am glad I fucking talked about it. It's unsettling. 
Yeah, there you go. So te- teachers don't fuck your students, students don't fuck your teacher. End of. Let's carry on. <laughs> Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to fuck the teachers. <laughs> That was a good Willie Nelson song. Uh, messages I'm gonna get. <laughs> Man, no, Paul, I think you handled it well. Oh, I, yeah, no, I appreciate. It. Like, it's just you know, it, it's something near and dear to my heart. Yeah, you know, just the fucking protection of kids. You know, absolutely, man. I think like I think. About- the protection of kids, man. All kids should have the right to basically. You, all kids should be able to just grow up and be kids. And if they're going to experiment sexually, it should be with other kids because that happens. You well, know? Yeah, and they shouldn't be manipulated. To exactly. Be, like yeah, like just just fucking just look out for the kids, man. Yeah, that's, that's all I ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying. Uh, yeah, I, I I even fucking made it sound creepy. Um, <laughs> but you know, like kids, we all kids should fuck kids. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> but man, if a kid, you know, we all experimented with like sexual stuff when we were kids, and so it should, if you know, that's just part of growing up, man. I know we don't want to. That's like people don't want to shine light on it. They don't want to look at it when you watch fucking TV shows and shit like that. They don't want to even a fucking address it. But fucking uh, kids have hormones and shit. And I remember being a teenager and fucking. Having hormones. Look at Big Mouth. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's. I mean, lots of people say that. Oh, but they can get. They can get. They can get away with it. They can get away with it because it's animated. Yeah, exactly. But a lot of it's true. It's very true. It's very fucking true, man. It's a very honest show. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that that shit happens. Yeah, I watched. I went to the theater and I watched uh, Honest Thief. This is the new Liam Neeson movie. Uh, wanting to lead an honest life, a notorious bank robber turns himself in only to be double-crossed by two ruthless FBI agents. It's directed by Mark Williams. He's a producer on Netflix's Ozark. This one stars, like I said, Liam Neeson. Kate Walsh from uh, the Umbrella Academy. Uh, Jay Courtney. Uh, Jeffrey Donovan. I love Jeffrey Donovan. That guy, that guy just looks like a villain. He doesn't play a villain in this movie. It's fucking crazy. Uh, Anthony Ramos and Robert Patrick. Yeah, the uh, fucking T-1000 from Terminator 2. That Robert Patrick. Um, not, uh, not, not, is it, is it, who is it? Is it, is it Jason Patrick from fucking The Lost Boys? Is that, is that Jason Patrick from The no, Lost Boys? From, from Speed 2 Cruise Control? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this one stars Liam Neeson. Basically, the, the plot on this one is uh, uh, Tom, played by Liam Neeson, Tom Carter. He's this aging thief known as the In and Out Bandit. He has been he yeah yeah yeah. Also, also the teacher from a teacher was also known as the In and Out Bandit. <laughs> You fucking son of a bitch. He's that fault, dude. You brought it up. Yeah, uh, no, it's all good. You had, Yeah, you had to go there, didn't you, Paul? You had to bring that fucking show up. Fucking it. That's why I didn't fucking... That's why it was not on the list to watch last week. It was sensitive, sensitive material. <laughs> you would ask before the show. I know. I know you asked, and I told you. I said that's why I didn't talk about it last week, but you can talk about it. You could oh, talk, there we go. and you did, and you did. Um, but this guy, he's been fucking robbing banks. He's been robbing banks for years, 
and uh, going into banks, robbing these fucking safes. And over time, he's accumulated $9 million that he's put into a storage facility. The storage facility that he stores it in, the, a woman is the manager of the storage facility, facility uh, and that's uh, Annie Sumter, played by Kate Walsh from Netflix's Umbrella Academy. He meets her. They have some chemistry. And they're both of age, so it's consenting. It's 100% consenting. So this is not like fucking, not like fucking Paul's bullshit where you got a predator <laughs> preying on somebody younger. They're both adults. So you got Qui-Gon Jinn fucking hitting on the fucking lady from Umbrella Academy. But no, they, uh, they start to see each other. They start to see each other. They start to date. Like they have like, they have a little bit of chemistry and a little, there's a little, there's a little spark between them when, uh, when he's fucking running out the storage facility, jump to a year later, he's totally in love with this woman, wants to settle down, marry this woman, loves her. And so he's like, you know what? I don't want to have anything from my past ruin this. I'm going to fucking turn myself in as the in and out bandit. I'm going to hand over all $9 million that I stole to the FBI. And I'm going to ask for a reduced sentence. And I'm going to ask for like, you know, visits. And so he fucking ends up calling the FBI basically and confesses over the phone that he's the in and out bandit. They, they've already got some confessions from people that didn't pan out. People were just fucking lying, trying to take credit for this and they're lying. They're not the in and out bandit. So they don't really take it too seriously, but they send a couple agents out there to check up on this. One of the agents is played by Jai Courtney. The other agent is played by Anthony Ramos. These guys, you know, take the keys to a storage facility. They go out there. They're starting to look through his shit. They come across $3 million. So not the full nine, but $3 million he's put in the storage facility. And these guys are like, you know what? They're crooked cops. One of them, Jai Courtney is completely crooked. And he's like, I'm going to take this for my fucking self. And then we're going to fucking, we're going to fucking kill this guy and take this money. Blow, you know, and so shit just fucking goes crazy from there. But you know what? He, Liam Neeson's doing this all for love, all for love. <laughs> what, what was that? What was that? Was that from the Three Musketeers the three movie? Musketeers, baby. All, all for love. love. Yeah, all for love. So he's doing it all for love. He's getting. He's he's done living that life, and he's giving it up for this one woman that he loves so much, and so. I mean, shit just kind of goes crazy and fucking, you know, uh, Jai Courtney trying to kill him, trying to kill her and just, it's just, it's it's just huge fucking thing. Robert Patrick is involved in this. He's like the police chief and, you know, and then, um, uh, Jeffrey Donovan, who I'm trying to think he was most recently in let him go. He's been in a bunch of stuff if you knew if you looked at jeffrey donovan you'd know what he was from. he was fargo actually season two fargo season two he was in a hulu original series that i can't remember the name of it but it dealt with the gypsies oh wait he was in burn notice burn notice thank you that's what he's most known for burn notice yeah. jeffrey donovan um he's in this one his character he works for the fbi he's got like this whole other side story that i think is hilarious like he's going through a divorce and his wife got the house, but he got his wife's dog. So like the entire movie, like he's hanging out. 
he's going into work with his wife's dog, which is like this, it's like, it's either a Shih Tzu or a Bichon Frise. I don't remember like what kind of dog breed it is, but it's so funny just to see him show up to work with this very cute dog. Um, this movie for what it is, is a taste that I, I did enjoy it. It was a fun kind of escape. I watched this like on a Tuesday at the theater in the afternoon and it was a fun escape. I, I would give this movie a taste it. So yeah, if you just want to see just things kind of like spiral out of control, crooked cops and greed, shootouts in the street, some great car chases, some fun action and, um, Liam Neeson kind of like, not break character, but his accent, he keeps, you know, you ever watch Liam Neeson movies and you can tell like when he can't do the accent right and he's slipping back into his oh, Irish, yeah. he's slipping back into his Irish accent. Happens quite a bit in this movie, man. There's at oh, least four or five times where I was kind of like, I could hear his Irish accent coming through on this one. Is, is it when he shouts by any chance? Cause he always seems <laughs> to do it when he shouts. <laughs> that, that, that definitely plays a part in a couple, couple scenes, <laughs> but, um, I I did enjoy this movie. It was just kind of like I would recommend this one like on a Sunday uh, once this comes out. And this will come out shortly, I'm sure, on VOD on a Sunday where you got nothing else to watch and you're bored and you just want to watch a, an action movie. And I think Jai Courtney plays I, – I, I've really enjoyed Jai Courtney lately in his villain roles. Like I loved him as uh, Boomerang in, in, in Suicide Squad and – and uh buffaloed i thought he was fantastic in buffaloed this is not as good as those performances but he's still a fun fucking villain i'd give it a taste it it's called uh honest thief um and i also went to the theater and i watched a movie called the climb i'm not going to talk about this one too long it's a comedy drama dramedy um it's produced by and starring michael angelo covino and kyle marvin i've never heard of these guys before this is a very small movie and it it hit theaters it hit amc um covina also directs uh and uh, it stars uh uh george went is in this movie from cheers who's norm well, that's crazy yeah you've got best friends mike and kyle and they're biking together and mike tells kyle that he's sleeping with his fiance, that he slept with her <laughs> as they're biking. They're biking. They're like in, I, they're like in another country biking together. And, um, Kyle's not, not a, not a cyclist. And Mike has been cycling for quite a while. He repairs bikes and things like that. Mike, uh, so, uh, Kyle is not a cyclist. So he's kind of like out of shape and not able to cycle. And he tells him that he's been sleeping with his fiance. And, uh, and they're about to hit this hill. And as they're hitting this hill, like, Kyle's like, as soon as I catch up to you, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, Mike. And they're like, yeah, he's like, that's why, that's why I told you this while we were about to hit this hill. And, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because as he's trying to cycle up this hill, as he's telling him about how he slept with his fiance, um, you can hear Kyle struggling and Mike is like, all right, man, push through, push through. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> and, and, and Kyle is like, fuck you, Mike. Fuck you. <laughs> 
And so what ends up happening is that Kyle confronts his fiance about this after he sees Mike and her actually making out at the hospital. Cause Mike gets admitted into the hospital after an incident and he sees them making out and he's like, do you, do you still want to marry me? Do you still love me? And then it breaks away. Cut to cut to the future where we see Mike at the funeral for this woman. She has now died. Oh my God. She has now died. She passed away cancer. And, um, Mike has, you know, Mike lost his best friend Kyle over this. She has now died. Um, there's some comedy even at the funeral, but Kyle shows up to her funeral and they do end up talking and then they do end up meeting each other over, um, over Christmas where Kyle has found a new fiance. And so, um, uh, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I'm going to give it, I will actually give this one a high taste it. Um, it's, it's, it's about, it's about friends. It's about friendship and, um, you know, <clears throat> trying to like, uh, you know, build those, build those. They had a childhood bond that went on into their, you know, twenties and thirties. And it's trying to rebuild that friendship that they lost through, through one of them, you know, getting involved with the other's fiance and, and, um, <laughs> dude, it's, it's, it's a fucked up movie, man. It really is a fucked up movie. And Mike is actually involved in Kyle's new relationship. The family hates his new fiance. And so they kind of like want Mike to break Kyle up with this new woman. And, um, I, I enjoy this movie quite a bit. Um, so I'll give it a high taste. It's not perfect. You can tell like, this is like the director, it's maybe their first movie. And, and some of these actors, it, 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 they're not known names, but I, it was definitely a passion project and it was a lot of fun to watch. So it's the climb. It'll probably pop up on VOD very soon. Uh, if not Netflix or Amazon. So I'll give it a high taste it and I would recommend people watch it. Awesome. That sounds pretty funny. I've got to admit the whole idea of it sounds pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah. And things go, uh, there are some brilliant moments of comedy in this, to be quite honest with you. There were some moments where I was just like, I was laughing out loud. It's not a perfect movie. It's not the tightest script, but there are some moments in this that are absolutely brilliant. Marvel 616. Did either of you guys watch any episodes of Marvel 616 on Disney plus? I can't get it. Uh, you don't have Disney Plus there yet? Oh, uh, I think we can, but I'm not fucking paying for that. Eh, shit. There you go. Um, <laughs> I watched the Japanese Spider-Man episode. That's all I watched. What do you watch, Paul? I watched Japanese Spider-Man one. I watched the um, the women of Marvel, like the women comic creators, and then um, the one where Paul Shear does a deep dive into some of their most like not well-known characters and attempts to make a Disney plus TV show. Oh, wow. I didn't want I love Paul Shear. Paul Shear from the league. Um, he's, he's actually written comics before. So, um, and I actually, I actually, (laughs) I actually, one of his comics that he wrote, one of his first comics that he ever wrote, I tweeted him about it and I said, I really enjoyed it. And he replied back to me and he was like kind of shocked, like, oh, thanks. Because like most people, when they tweet him, were tweeting him about the league because it was still on at the time. And I think mm-hmm. he was kind of just like very kind of like taken aback that somebody had actually read his comic and enjoyed it. But um, 
I thought that that was cool when it happened. But anyway, I, yeah, I watched the, the Japanese Spider-Man one. Dude, I've seen clips of this Japanese Spider-Man show before, but I've never actually like watched it. And this really went into depth on it, man. Like I know that like this was actually brought up briefly in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode of the toys that made us. But like this really gets into it back in like 1978, uh, when Marvel comics, um, went over to, uh, Japan and signed a deal to bring Marvel comics characters to Japanese television. And, um, like their first, their first, uh, venture into this was Spider-Man and it was a huge hit over there. And like, it's not the Spider-Man that we know over here. Like this was tailored for Japanese audiences and what Japanese audiences wanted. Like you had a guy who of, of course had like the powers of spider could walk on walls and had, was a web slinger, but it was not Peter Parker. And there was no aunt may, there was no Gwen Stacy. There was no Mary Jane. It was, but, and he had a completely different rogues gallery. It wasn't green goblin. It was, what was it? Professor monster Amazonas. And, yeah. <laughs> and like these characters that look like crows, like, so it was just, it was weird. And he had a fucking race car that he would, that he was in. And then he had, what was it? The GP seven, which was a, no, that was the race car. And then he had a fucking like mech, like a, like a, like a robot, like a power Rangers robot that he would get into, man. It was a, it was a bizarre fucking show. But, like, this guy had so much love for, like, the character and, like, you know, the one season that they did over there. And, and um, dude, I thought it was super interesting. I haven't gotten as far as you have as, in these episodes, but uh, what did you think about Marvel 616? I really enjoyed this. These were super fascinating. Um, you know, the Paul Shear one was really cool because the whole concept of that one was – he went to Disney Plus when they first started. He brought like a documentary crew with him because he wanted to pitch them a show based on a Marvel property. So they gave him access to like their archives and he was to pick one like um, he was to pick a property and then get people involved to like pitch a show. And he ended up winding up on Brute Force, which is like the animals that dressed up like in the power suits. And he ends up going out and getting, like, animators to make the show. And he even gets, like, John Hamm and Nicole Breyer to, like, do voices. And Disney Plus, at the end, passes on it, which is uh, which is kind of funny. But, I, you know, they really wanted to put it in this. But then, like, the one about the female writers at um, at Marvel, like, in the early days, was really fucking cool because... Um, there's a really cool story of this writer named Joe Duffy. When she came in, they wanted her in the seventies to write for Captain Marvel and Chris Claremont, who, you know, will go on to write for the X-Men goes absolutely fucking not. Like I am writing Captain Marvel. You can take like power man or iron fist. And that's kind of how she made her start. And it was just kind of funny. Like she's like, I refuse to do any female books because I don't want to be typecast to just get boring female characters in the Marvel universe. Like I just wanted to write, you know, for the X-Men and, you know, the cool guys. So it was really, it was really interesting to see like the wave of all like, you know, of how that inspired to get more different comic book writers and the process and like 
just how fun it was to work at Marvel like in the 80s, 90s and 70s. But yeah, I give I give everything a Tupperware so far. I'm uh, I can't wait to go finish the rest of them. That's it was awesome. a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I mean, and it's crazy. Some of these episodes are like, you know, 45 minutes and some of them are like over an hour. Yeah, and there was one like I just I couldn't get into it not cuz I don't want to, but it was mainly on like the foreign like inspirations for Marvel comics. So the whole thing was like in subtitles and I'm just like, dude, I've been reading all fucking day. I'm going to give this one a break and I'm going to jump to the Paul Shear episode, but I want to go back. I want to watch all of them that they have. Cause they seem very interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Marvel six one six. It's on Disney plus. I, I enjoyed the, the episode that I did watch. Like, you know, and, and I guess, I guess you can watch Japanese Spider-Man online now. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole story was cool. Just like how, how, like, I mean, it was in Japan for 30 years and you hardly even knew about it in the United States. The U.S. was so protective. Yeah. I'm kind of making sure that people wouldn't confuse that with the Spider-Man here. But then again, they let us watch Dolph Lundgren as fucking the Punisher. <laughs> they were totally fine with that. They were totally fine with that fucking 1990 Captain America movie. Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh man, yeah. Marvel six one six. Yeah, definitely check this out, people. If you have Disney Plus, because you know, besides the Mandalorian, what else are we watching on there? Really, you know. Um. Ooh, um, there is a miniseries on the National Geographic portion of Disney Plus. It's a it's a remake of the right stuff. Oh uh, yeah, how yeah. How that? is that? That's awesome. That is so good. It's really good. It's a it's a fun miniseries. Uh, I think they're about to finish up now with eight episodes. But it's got uh, Patrick. God, I forget his name. He's from Suits. Pretty much the only thing he's been in. Patrick Abraham or Adam. It, it's good. It's really good. Um, it's a good time period piece. Uh, it's a high taster right now. So I definitely, besides Mandalorian, I mean, it's definitely not on that level. But yeah, if, if you're looking for something else to pass the time on Disney Plus, I would go with the right stuff. If you're looking for anything on Disney Plus other than the man. <laughs> <laughs> Hence why I'm not paying for it. It's fucked up, man. I don't give a fuck. Like, nothing on that. Here's the funny thing. It's like I, you know, I'll bring it up on fucking Facebook. Like, you know, you know, it's it's basically the Mandalorian streaming service, and somebody will somebody will bring up, you know, like, oh, I'm watching the X Men animated series, or I'm watching Gargoyles. It's like a fu- whatever, dude. I have, you know, whatever. That, I'm t- you know, like that's fine. That's fine, yeah. dude. It's just like, here's the thing. I want new content. Con- New content. <laughs> Give me new yeah. content. All right. I don't need to take a trip down memory lane and watch old DuckTales episodes. Okay. I, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, those are nice. Dude, but... I fucking loved DuckTales when I was a kid, but I'm not fucking, you know what I mean? I don't know. As a 40 year old man, I'm sitting, not sitting around watching fucking Huey, mm-hmm. Dewey, and Louie running around for treasure and shit. I don't know. And hey, you know, I, I'm, I probably sound like a dick right now because I know people, Love that shit, but I, I don't know. I don't need to go for 
nostalgia for me is going back and watching old sitcoms. I have a hard time going back and watching old cartoons. I have a really hard time. It's even a struggle for, and I love Transformers. I'll watch the Transformers movie all day because I love it. But going back and watching even G1 Transformers cartoons is kind of a struggle for me sometimes. I lit, I have to live off nostalgia to watch them because they're so bad. They're really bad. Like the, yeah, a lot of the cartoons we grew up on were fucking terrible. We just didn't realize. We, we didn't realize. Seven. It. Thundercats was fucking terrible. Like I, I fucking, like I loved it when I was a kid. And I know some people are going to be like, that's blasphemy. How could you say that? But yeah, I, I, I do think like the original Thundercats is like, I loved it when I was a kid. Like that you cannot take that away from me. I was mm. all about Thundercats, but you watch it as an adult. It doesn't hold up as well. No. And even the movie is not even that great either, which is a shame. I remember I've got uh, I've got a DVD of Defenders of the Earth. Did you ever watch that? Oh, Defenders! Of, no, I don't think I've ever watched. It was like that. Flash Gordon, the Phantom, and like a bunch of other people, and they were like this big group called mm. the Defenders of the Earth. Anyways, there's a bit in that where the Phantom is like pointing in the distance, and the animator must have got bored or something because he does about 19 different fucking like poses in the space of three seconds and they're all like really exaggerated it was, i was like what the fuck's going on this thing's having a fit it was just a very very strange like thing i didn't notice as a kid but i was like, I was, like watching it back as an adult i was like what the fuck is that we're just yeah, they were weird we're just super critical as we get older you know i don't know yeah. yeah. I used to, oh my god, I used to love like Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, but I don't know if I could sit back and watch old Chippendale's Rescue Rangers episodes as a 40 year old man. No, I, I don't think you should either. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Aren't they, aren't they making that a live action movie with, uh, no, I'm sorry, that's Darkwing Duck with Seth Rogen. Oh, they're doing, so. what? I knew that they were talking about that. I didn't read the articles. They're talking about doing live action Darkwing Duck? No, no, I don't think, okay. They're doing a live action Chip and Dale movie and they're rebooting a Darkwing Duck animated show with Seth Rogen. I got the two, I got the two mixed So are they there. doing just Chip and Dale or are they doing Rescue Rangers? They're doing Rescue Rangers live action. We're getting a live action zipper? We sure are. And, and Monterey Jack. And Monterey Jack? Fuck yeah. And what was her name? What was the fucking... Uh, what was her name? Ratchet? Gadget. Gadget. I wanted to fuck that little mouse when I was a boy. <laughs> <laughs> She, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I was fucking like seven and she had curves for days. Oh my God. I can't wait for the FX show about that called A Mouse coming out. About you guys. I know. <laughs> oh my God. I wanted to fuck a mouse. Oh man. I wanted to. I wanted to put a little piece of cheese on my dick and have her go to town. God, <laughs> take some cheese whiz and spread it all over my penis. Fuck uh, you know. There you go. There you go, gadget. <laughs> Monterey Jack, man. Oh man. <laughs> I used to. Did you ever play the Nintendo game? Oh, hell yeah. I love the shit out of that game. 
<laughs> what damn what? What Dan? What are you what are you giggling about? Broken. What? What's up? <laughs> what are you giggling about? QT eight guys. QT eight the first eight. This is I you know this came out in theaters last year. It was a one night event. I think it was like Fathom events. And I don't know why I didn't go to the theater that night. I think I was tired or some shit. I don't know. I really wanted to see this QT8 The First Date. It's a documentary chronicles the life of filmmaker Quentin Tarantino from his start at Video Archives up to the releasing of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The film features interviews with his frequent collaborators of his films. It's written and directed by Tara Wood. She also did the uh, documentary 21 Years, Richard Linklater, back in uh, 2014. And, um, I mean, God, this, this, this basically, it goes from like Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, it goes from his times as, as being a video store clerk all the way up to uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But it talks about the first eight Quentin Tarantino movies. He has promised to give us ten. Promised to give us ten. And, uh, and it goes back and it talks with like all the actors and people that have been involved in his movies. Samuel Jackson, Tim Roth, interviews with Jennifer Jason Lee, Kurt Russell, Christoph Waltz, Jamie Foxx, Lucy Liu, um, Michael Madsen, Eli Roth. I mean, just everyone that's been involved in these movies. The thing I loved about this is the fact that like when they show somebody that was involved in one of his movies, they'd also they'd show all eight of his movies at the bottom in a graphic. Yeah. yeah. And it would highlight which ones that they were involved in. Um I'm gonna start off by saying before I forget that I love the tribute to his editor that passed away. Mm-hmm. The woman, I can't, what was her name? Do you guys remember her name? The editor that was. Why do I want to say Kathy? And, and it might be right. I, I, I can't remember what her, oh, Sally Menke. Sally, Sally, Sally Menke was his, um, editor and he had, they had such a close relationship and it was probably the person that he, um, collaborated with the most on his movies and, and she would tell him, like she was the only one that had like the balls to tell him like you know no don't do that or you know you should definitely do this like yes he said in his one of his speeches that she was the only genuine equal to him in in like his creative sphere in his creative sphere yeah. so she was like just as much a part of all of his films as he was you know it, which was really nice obviously she was Still with us when yeah. he said that she passed away. She passed away, and but they showed clips of like all of his movies, most of his movies, where like during the filming he would have these actors say hi to Sally, and I thought that that yeah. was the sweetest <laughs> thing ever because she's the editor, she gets all these clips, and then all of a sudden as she's doing this job, which I don't know if it ever got mundane to her, but every once in a while she'd have like one of it, like an actor, like maybe a Kurt Russell or a Michael Myers or, you know, uh, a Mike Myers say like, hi Sally, and you know, like what what joy <laughs> would that, that had to bring like joy to her to get like that message or like a high Sally from fucking like Samuel Jackson or something like that. Um, but man, I, God damn it. Like I had been wanting to watch this for the longest time. It's available on stars. So if you have stars, you can watch it there, but it goes through everything. And Quentin Tarantino is just, he is 
first and foremost, a lover of movies. He loves cinema. And so everything he does is like a passion project and a love letter to cinema. Like most recent movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I feel like is a love letter to like those old fucking like 1950s westerns, you know, Gunsmoke and, and, you know, just, just those old fucking, um, and, and it's a love letter to, to stuntmen too. You know, uh, same thing with Death Proof as well. But like, um, this goes through everything. It chronicles everything from like the making of, uh, Reservoir Dogs, which he had made $20,000 in residuals when he played an Elvis impersonator on an episode of the Golden Girls. I never knew that. <laughs> I never knew that. And they showed a clip of him as an Elvis impersonator in this episode. And through residuals, he made $20,000. That's what he used to make Reservoir Dogs. And because he, nobody, he had been hired as a writer in Hollywood. I mean, I remember watching True Romance back in like 93 when it came out and thinking like, this is an amazing film. You know, Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken. Um, oh God. Uh, the, uh, Brad Pitt, Val Kilmer is in that movie. Um, who's the actor from Sopranos? James, James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini's in that movie. The list, Gary uh, Oldman. Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah. Bronson Pinchot. The list goes on and on for that movie. Just star studded cast for that movie. And like he'd been hired as a writer, but nobody was letting him direct. And Reservoir Dogs, once it hit the, you know, Cannes Film Festival in France, like it was the talk of the town. Like he was the biggest name in cinema and it opened so many doors for him once Reservoir Dogs came out. And, uh, I remember watching him, like I remember back in like the early nineties turning on PBS and watching, was it Charlie Rose, the, the guy who would interview like celebrities and people like that. I remember watching Quentin Tarantino, an early interview with him after Reservoir Dogs came out and just being so impressed with this fucking guy's knowledge of cinema and movies. And um I want you guys to get into this, but my God, this fucking, this documentary is phenomenal. It's so good. Dan. Yeah. QT8. It's awesome. <laughs> it's kind of everything that uh, Life After Flash wasn't. It was like a bit more. You gotta bring that up again, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was this was an hour and forty three, and it could have been another fifteen twenty minutes longer. I oh. watched it all bloody day. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was awesome, and uh, we got to see a lot of the kind of you know, stories from the cast and crew and everything that he worked with, stuff that we haven't really heard before. Like Jamie Foxx. We fucking got Jamie Foxx talking about Django Unchained in this movie. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, everything he said, especially some of his impressions and stuff that he was doing. He was yeah. awesome. But, um, yeah, he was <laughs> very much defending Django uh, with all the, the backlash it got for the use of particular language. And it came out, it came out on Christmas Day. Yeah. 
called Spike Lee a bitch. <laughs> he did call Spike Lee a bitch. And um, <laughs> what was he saying? Get off my lawn. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> amazing. Yeah. But um, yeah, so all the controversy with um, Django Unchained and then he compared it to, oh, was, it, was it him or was it Samuel Jackson that compared it to 12 Years a Slave? And they said like, you know, people consider 12 Years a Slave art and you know, uh, you know um, and the director is like an uh, as an auteur in you know yeah, the yeah. language. Yeah, Steve then, Steve McQueen uh, with yeah, uh, exactly. Twelve Years a Slave, and yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they're like, but with Quentin, they're like, no, he's just being a piece of shit. And it's it's like, and you know, like he's like, like so Jamie Fox and Samuel Jackson have his back, and they're like, he doesn't, they're like he's not like that. It's not what it's about. And then, of course, we sort of find out stuff about how he was brought up and the area he come from, and like his life was like a you know a young a young boy and like growing up for as a teenager, and how he was like immersed in all these different cultures, and you know, like he wasn't he wasn't taught anything anything that is in his films. He's lived all these experiences. It was like Zoe Bell, you know, the stunt lady that was, um, Uma Thurman's, um, stunt double. And she was in death proof. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she said like, you know, he's a little, people say like, how does he write women so well? Because it seems like he's got a little bit of woman inside him. She says, well, yeah, he's got a little bit of woman. He's got a little bit of black in there as well. And you know, that's just, that's just Quentin. Cause he Dude, doesn't, I, for the longest time, distinguish for the, lo- he just, he just treats people with respect. That's what he does. For the longest time. I was like, dude, I would love to see it. And I know it's never going to happen, but I would love to see what Quentin Tarantino could do with a Wonder Woman movie. I'm sure he would fucking kill it. I've all, you know, like, and I mean, we can all go back and the movie does address the Uma Thurman car crash in Kill Bill Volume 2. It talks about that. It talks about that. It talks about, you know, Harvey Weinstein. Mm -hmm. It talks about that whole relationship. Yep. It doesn't shy away from these things. Nope. But I, I you know, I've good. always thought that Quentin Tarantino is number one good. He's the guy, like they talked about, like, you know, when he wants somebody for his movies, he'll get that person for his movies. He doesn't care if he has somebody envisioned for that movie, he's going to get that guy. Now, that you know, was, that was Robert Forster. Robert Forster. That was, that was yeah. awesome. Robert Forster and Jackie Brown. Like, and I still love Jackie Brown. I think that movie's fantastic. I love Jackie Brown. Um, you know, uh, Bridget Fonda, who is retired from acting. And it's like, I thought Bridget Fonda was fantastic in that movie. Um, Jackie Brown is still one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. And that movie got pretty much panned mm-hmm. after, because it was the follow up to Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And people, you know, and they, they address this in the documentary, how it was not kind of like this, you know, crime movie that we've been accustomed to from Quentin Tarantino. I love it. I mean, they even said that, you know, like people would, he did Pulp Fiction, which was, you know, heralded as one of, you know, it's one of like the the greatest movies in the last 50 years. They put, didn't they put it in like the fucking, the, the vault or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, but like, so that was held as this amazing accomplishment, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And everyone was like, but now he's got to make Pulp Fiction, you know, Pulp Fiction 2 will have to be his next mil- movie, but not literally a sequel, but it'll have to be something similar. And he was like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to do something completely fucking different. And as in, 
like, you know, film-wise, like, you know, shooting and cinematography and color palette and, you know, I mean, his music's always awesome. Yeah, but, um, yeah. You know, took it took it down like a particular genre. It wasn't quite so, like, um, you know, mishmash, like, not mishmash, but like, you know, there wasn't different songs or different scenes. It was all sort of like, you know, lots of kind of like 70s, like soul and funk and things like that. And so he just, he people expected something of him and he just went nope and just threw their expectations out the window but in a good way and made the movie he wanted to make and that's why he is the guy that he is i mean the only the only film that he's made that i'm not a big fan of is death proof i've tried watching it yeah, three yeah. times yeah and i'm just bored but um you know it doesn't mean that i I'm sure there's loads of people out there that love it. I'm sure there is. And from watching um, this documentary, I'm going to try and watch it again because Mm -hmm. when you understand the stuff that went on behind the scenes, like especially like Zoe Bell being a stunt woman for Uma Thurman. And then he was like, I want you in this movie and I want you to be this character. And it means that we can strap you to the hood of that car and we can see your face. We know that it's you. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the theater and I watched Grindhouse. Which was oh, yeah. when they presented it with the Robert Rodriguez movie and the death, Quentin Tarantino death movie. Death Planet, was that right? Yeah, um, Death yeah. Planet. They had a big Planet title. Planet Death or something. Yeah. Um, Planet Terror. Planet, Planet Terror, Terror yeah. So, you know, <sighs> Paul, I want to get what your your thoughts here. But, and I, but I loved how they talked about like some of the continuity of characters in his films. Yes. Yeah. You know, they talked, they talked about the Vega brothers. Uh-huh. And then they also talked about, and I did not know this, but in the movie Reservoir Dogs, a character says, how's Alabama? Mm-hmm. And Alabama was Patricia Arquette's character in True Romance, a movie that he wrote. Yep. And she apparently, after that movie, started dating Mr. White, Harvey Keitel's character, and started getting into that business with him, but she could not get over Clarence. And I was just like, oh, it fucking blew my mind as how connected all these movies were. And, you know, we all know about like the, what is it? The, the, the cigarette brand. And we've seen like the bigger, bigger red apple, red apple apple. and how it shows up and like it even showed up in once upon a time in Hollywood, you know? Oh my God. That's so funny. The credits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I I took her with a fuck out of this. I loved it. I'm, I'm a big Quentin Tarantino fan anyway. So, well, yeah, Paul, Tupperware all day, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a total Tupperware. Um, you know, at least in my lifetime, there's. I think he's the only director where I can turn on like a movie in the middle of it and be like, "Shit, this is a Tarantino movie." Yeah, he just has that style, and there, I think he's probably the most ripped off director that yes. you know like you see so many movies you're like oh this is obviously trying to be a tarantino movie so like i, I definitely give it up where i think this movie definitely tried to do two things i definitely think they were trying to get in front of the whole harvey weinstein thing you know they really fucking you know and like that was a big thing when it first happened like oh quentin tarantino had to have known he had to have been involved some way or another and like it does a great job of showing like no he had nothing to do with any of that and even some of like the fucked up stories that michael madsen tells 
yeah, about like yeah. about his daughter and the doll. Like you just like you get a picture that this guy was just a piece of shit. Did you ever see that? Um, it was like the interview, the interview on the red carpet years ago that fucking um, Courtney Love had. And she yeah. real quick, yeah. she says something. And this was like back in 2006. They asked her like a question and she ended it. And it was real quick. She was like, if you're ever invited to a party by Harvey Weinstein, don't go. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and again, that's why like, I love that they really kind of, you know, they really showed just like, I was really nervous that they were going to shy away from some of that or try to like kind of brush it under, but they went full force that. Yeah. Like he worked with them piece of shit. Now he doesn't like, yeah. Um, I do wish we would have had like more interviews with Quentin himself and Uma Thurman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because, like, for a while she was his muse. Like, that said, you know, they worked so well together. They had a really great career-defining relationship. But, man, just, like, just to really get in his head and, like, the shit that he would do where he would have, like, movie marathons at his house and they would watch these movies like that's and, that's and, what you would do to hang out with Quentin Tarantino you wouldn't have drinks you would eat popcorn and you would watch these movies that had a huge impact on him and when they started doing Quentin Tarantino fucking um not not his movies but like just marathons of movies that he loved at Alamo Draft House and he'd be able to hang out with the fans yeah exactly so like it was just cool to see that like he is such a true fan of cinema and he's not afraid to say like yeah like i will steal something from a movie yes you know, he's like, like he's like he's like i don't pay homage to shit i straight up steal it <laughs> yeah and you know what like that's what people are doing to his movies too like it's just going full circle like the guy the guy has been like a fucking trailblazer well if you watch if you go back and you watch uh, uh swingers john favreau uh, fucking um, Vince Vaughn, that movie. They're sitting around at the table and they're talking about how Quentin Tarantino totally bites off Scorsese in the slow motion scenes in Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like that scene, that scene that with them talking about how he's stealing from that, you know, in that movie of Swingers, it holds that much more weight because you know 100% that's exactly what Tarantino's doing. Yeah, and that's and that's fucking awesome. I mean, like it's just like everyone is kind of paying homage to it all, and just like the fact that like he loves to go back to like the roots and the fact that he made the Hateful Eight in seventy millimeter. You know, like when nobody else was going to do that, like he went back and did that, and just like the love he puts into the scripts and all that. You know, and hearing how he like how much he hates Calvin Candy. You know, as, as a character, it's his most hated character. Uh, it was just so fascinating to get into his mind because I think he is one of the most prolific, um, or prolific, um, prolific director. Prolific. Thank you so much. You're prolific, welcome. Uh, directors, and he's very, um, you know, like there's some people that will just stay away from his movies because he's that like polarizing. You know, to some people, it's just great to really get into his head, especially from the people that have worked with him. You know, I'm more than one movie like Tim Roth. God, was yeah. he like four movies with him? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, these people love him. They keep coming back to him for a reason. The Robert Forrester stuff was. Did, just... They didn't talk about four rooms. Did you ever watch four rooms? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got the Bruce Willis 
room, the, right? Oh, the Bruce Willis room. It's the final room in that movie, and that's a that's a Tim Roth movie where he plays the bellboy in the that bellboy, hotel. Yeah. And the final room is the Quentin Tarantino story, and they basically they do that Alfred Hitchcock. Um, they relive that Alfred Hitchcock movie where the guy places the bet where he's like gonna if he fucking can't light this um, lighter, like what is it, how many times like you know five times three times five times in a row that he'll cut off his like he'll have another guy cut off his fucking finger. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, that whole fucking that whole that whole final scene in uh, Four Rooms is like I love Four Rooms. Number one, I love like you know you had the the fucking uh, the witch coven with Madonna in the first story. Mm-hmm. I think like I can't. The second story is the second story the the uh, Antonio Banderas and he had the unruly children in that. Yeah, which is kind of, and that's by Robert Rodriguez. Which yeah. Is kind of- he says that's like where the idea for Spy Kids came from. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh my god. And then like yeah, I can't remember what's the third room? I can't remember. God damn it. Cuz who were the directors on that? It was Quentin, it was Robert Rodriguez. Oh, Allison Anders, what the fuck? I can't remember the third fucking Alexander room. Alexander Rockwell. Yeah, but what was the, what was the story for the third? Third room and four oh, rooms. I don't know, I've never seen it. Oh, you've never seen? Oh, uh, you've never seen four rooms? Nope. Oh, it's so good. Dan, man. you've got to watch four I rooms. Done, but I don't remember it. You've got what? to watch four rooms. Uh, it was called. You got the missing ingredient. The wrong man. The missing wrong ingredient man was the the witches. The Hollywood. The man from Hollywood. That was the Quentin Tarantino one. Quentin Tarantino's is the man from Hollywood. Yes. So the misbehaviors was Robert Rodriguez. And Antonio Banderas, so the wrong, the wrong man. I don't remember. What was the wrong man story? I don't know. <laughs> I gotta watch Four Rooms again. It's been years. I used to watch that so many times. Like the fucking kids when they show up in that room and they, there's the dead prostitute in the bed, a needle hanging out of somebody's arm, um, the kid smoking a cigarette. I was just like, this is so funny. The Robert, the, oh my god, that, that. Oh wait, he delivers ice to the wrong room. Isn't that the other story? And there's like an argument going on inside the room and he brings the ice. Yeah. 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 And it, it's the, uh, the woman who ends up showing up in the, the Hollywood man. She yeah. Ends up, yeah. She's, she's in both. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. Oh my God. Yeah, Dan, if you've never seen four rooms, you got to watch that shit. You'll love it. It's so good. I'll try and find it. Sounds interesting. Tim, Tim Roth is awesome. Tim Roth is so good in it. Oh my God. I love four rooms. Such a great movie. That's like one of those late nineties movies that I watched over and over and over again. What's your favorite Quentin Tarantino movie? You know, I'm, I'm going to sound, I'm going to sound like such a fucking like basic Tarantino fan when I say this, (laughs) but I am going to say Pulp Fiction. Mm. Okay. Oh. oh man, uh, it's it's right between Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Nice. There's a big difference. <laughs> I, I would probably like gun to head. I'd probably have to say Django Unchained. For me, it's like in Pulp Fiction. It's just like the feeling that I had the first time I watched that movie. 
I've never been able to like I've watched other Tarantino movies and I love them, but like mm-hmm. I as a teenager watching Pulp Fiction and the scene where Bruce Willis fucking goes back into his apartment looking for that watch oh and he God. happens to go into that his old apartment at the exact moment that John Travolta's taking a shit. <laughs> oh, I was the- just I was in any other movie he would go back there and John Travolta, the main character of the movie is going to gun him down. But in this movie, John Travolta is taking a shit and the fucking gun is laying on the counter. What's it? And, and then it was making pop tarts. Yeah, I was just like I I just I you know, and then and then the scene of the the fucking adrenaline shot. I'd never seen anything like that in anything, where it was just so graphic and just like, not only was he giving an adrenaline shot to Uma Thurman's character in that movie, I felt like everyone who watched that scene for the first time got their own adrenaline shot of like, oh my god, this is fucking happening look at the size of that needle and it's going into her fucking heart oh my god i can't believe i'm watching this it was insane i had never seen anything like that it was so crazy i love that scene as well because when she when the adrenaline goes in and she just goes yes screams and scrambles up against the couch and she has this huge needle sticking out of her chest it was just crazy i mean and all all that aside like the continuity of the film like the way that the the three acts are they're separate and they've kind of switched around yeah you know the fact that the timeline doesn't actually run in order that was the first time i'd seen anything like that when the first time i saw it and i was like but that guy's that guy's dead yeah. What's he doing here? <laughs> and no. it seems like all of Hollywood, Dan, was in the same boat as you because they were like, I remember that story in the movie where they're like, dude, he dies in the middle of the movie. And they're like, yeah, but keep reading. Keep reading. Yeah, <laughs> what did you like uh, when you watched um, Pulp Fiction for the first time and they opened up the briefcase and you saw the glow coming out of it? What did like like that was like the the biggest talk between me and my friends when we would go to like coffee shops and we'd sit down and we were like drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, and we were talking about movies. When Pulp Fiction would come up, we would always have the conversation of what was in that briefcase. It's his soul. Yeah, that's what we used to think as well. He's never really come out and said anything. He's never come out and been concrete about like what was in that briefcase, right? No, yeah. he won't. He's not I, going to either. I, I mean, we figured that it was Marcellus Wallace's soul because he had that weird plaster on the back of his neck throughout the entire movie, and we thought that somehow that they like fucking extracted it and put it in a briefcase. That was the best thing we came up with, right? Yeah, because I mean, there's no reason for him to have a plaster on the back of his Have neck. you ever seen the picture and of the actual bulb that they put in the <clears throat> in the briefcase? I've seen it once, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I paste, uh, posted that on Facebook, the actual picture of it. But Yeah, that that film, man, I just, the first time I watched it, I just couldn't, it just blew my fucking head off. Yeah, It yeah. was ridiculous. Fucking One of my mm-hmm. favorite bits is it's a very, <clears throat> it's just before um, Butch goes back into the back room where Zed is you know, bombing Marcellus Wallace. Yeah. And um 
why mince words it happens in the movie and um but he's in the front of the, the store and he's just like testing all these weapons and just like <laughs> chainsaw down and goes yeah, yeah and he's just like poking at imaginary people and then he finds the sword on the top and then well, the, the rest is history the fucking sword everybody was saying like was that a hatari hanzo hatari sword hanzo sword oh yeah. my god if it is I'm it just is, man was that a hanzo sword from fucking kill bill like that was I'm the gonna, big question I'm gonna have to check that <laughs> i'm gonna have to check it because that would be amazing well, and it's just like how the bride, when she gets buried alive, she's buried in Dr. King Schultz's wife's uh, grave. That's it. And she also has um, Mr. Blonde's razor blade to cut the ropes with. Dude, that was that blew my fucking mind. Didn't they say? Didn't they say? Didn't they say? Fucking uh, Christoph Waltz's character in Django and and uh, the Hateful Eight was related to Michael Fassbender's character. No, it's Tim Roth is the great great granddad of Michael Fassbender in Inglorious Bastards. Thank you, thank because you. Because they're both English, so well, I know Michael Fassbender isn't technically. Yeah, it was Tim he has Roth. An English accent. Yeah. And Christopher Walken's like family name is in Django Unchained as like a stagecoach robbing game. Yep. Right. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking awesome. <laughs> I love. Um, for me, for me, it's Kill Bill. I, I consider Kill Bill one and two basically the same film because it was uh. gonna be. But Kill Bill 1 and 2, man, for me, those are my favorites. I just, I, as far as the Kill Bill movies go, I think the second one I like a little bit more than the first. Yeah, me too. That's me too. where I'm at too, yeah. Just because yeah, it's, it's such a love letter to like those like 1970s like kung fu movies. Mm-hmm. And know? also, like, you know, the first movie is just, it's just fucking, yeah, you understand the story, but then it's just like plowing through, like carving people up and it's all going crazy. And and then you know you end off with um, her sort of taking the the helper like um, irony she's a uh, helper in the back of the boot and and then it just kind of you know said you're gonna let them know I'm coming for him yada 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 and then it ended and I was like that can't be the fucking end that can't be the fucking end <laughs> and then and then we get the second movie and it's it the pacing is is much more like melodic and thought out and you get to see you know you get to understand the characters a lot more and lots of people say the second one's boring and it's just mm. like that's where you find out all the fucking reasons for why she's doing it oh i love it's it like, i love the second one so much oh my yeah, god i awesome. love the second one so much have you awesome. have you guys heard the rumor that there's like actually two tarantino universes there's like the regular universe and then there's the movies that exist inside of his universe and they say that and they say that kill bill is a movie that exists like inside of that universe because supposedly kill bill is the same plot as what Uma Thurman was like auditioning for in pulp fiction for that pilot oh yeah fox, fox was it fox five. force 5 yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're saying that's like Kill Bill's like a movie that takes place inside. When that would also movie. mean that From Dust Till Dawn is in the same fucking movie universe because that same character from From Dust Till Dawn showed up in Kill Bill, the sheriff. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one of the rumors too. And then that that uh Pride of a Nation is one of the movies that takes place in there as well. I will never forget the first time I watched From Dust Till Dawn because like I. I had no fucking <laughs> Like when I fucking watched that, I, I had no clue. It was, I had no clue it was a vampire movie, dude. 
even and I, I rented it, and uh, me and my mate, me and my little lead singer, we fucking sat down. He's a huge movie fan as well. We sat down. I was at his house. We watched it, and it was like, it was like, oh, this is awesome. It's like the Gecko Brothers. They like, you know, they like capture the family. I was like, this is so tense and fucking crazy. I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what happens when they get to El Rey and blah 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 blah. Yeah. And then, then Selma Hayek changes into a fucking lizard lady. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> fucking, and that, that's one of the first fucking like Danny Trejo appearances that I remember. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like I had seen him. Like wasn't 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 he in like yeah Desperado? But like wasn't he in like <clears throat> Blood In Blood Out? Like I remember that movie, but I don't. I was in that one. Oh, but, that movie's so fucking good. Yeah, fucking like what was it? Like Joker? What was it? Oh god, I'm trying to. I haven't seen Blood In Blood Out in forever, but I fucking love it. It's about like fucking like. You know, like, uh, Latino gangs and shit like that. Man, it's fucking oh, okay, cool. great fucking movie, man. But like, yeah, this is like early Danny Trejo stuff. Like, this is like before, like, j- just Danny Trejo just has, he has that look. Like, you, you remember this guy. Like, even though yeah, he didn't have like, always the, remember him. yeah. Like, like, even though you don't fucking like, uh, even though he didn't have like the biggest parts in some of these early movies, like you remember that motherfucker. Cause he just mm-hmm. looked like a badass. And I, yeah. you know, and it's like one of those, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, because he's fucking legit, man. Like, I don't. Did you guys watch that Danny Trejo documentary? Yes. No. Jesus Christ. Oh. He's actually the people that he was in the movie. Yeah, he's that. He is that motherfucker. Like that was. Oh. And a, that's why I love like one of his contract agreements is if he's going to play a bad guy, he has to die on screen because yeah. he doesn't want to glorify. Like that criminal life, it's fucking awesome, dude. This fucking ten movie Quentin Tarantino bullshit, man. I don't know. I, I'm not. I want this guy to continue. Like he says that you fucking peter out after ten movies. I still think Martin Scorsese is like wine. He gets better with age. Wolf of Wall Street just came out a few years ago. Phenomenal movie. Irishman's still great. I think Irishman was really good. Was good, yeah. But man, I don't want Quentin Tarantino to go away after ten movies. You know, and, 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 and here's the thing. It's like, he just signed a deal with Harper Collins to do two books. One of those books is going to be a once in the, once upon a time in Hollywood book. And the second movie is going to be a nonfiction book where he talks about movies and his love of cinema from the 1970s and also introduce like some what ifs, like what if they did this in this movie or what if they did that, you know? And so he's, he's doing a couple books. I think he's like trying to stretch out his legacy a little bit more. I don't think this guy's ready to go away. They're talking about him like after he gets done with his last directorial movie going in back into like his true romance days and like writing stuff, you know, and he, he's written some television stuff. In the past, I remember him doing some writing, some TV in the '90s for some TV shows and stuff like that. CSI, CSI. Yeah. I don't want this guy to go away, man. I, I, I think he should fucking say, "Fuck my ten movie rule." I've got more stories to tell, you know. Mm-hmm. Just like, just like in Wolf of Wall Street, when Leonardo DiCaprio's character says, <laughs> "You know, I'm not going away. I'm not leaving." I'm not but fucking going anywhere. Yeah, I, that's what I, that's what I want Quentin Tarantino to do. You know, I, I can't see this guy sitting still. I can't see this guy coming out with his tenth movie, 
and saying... Yeah, I mean, the next one's going to be his last one. Yeah, so. it'll be the last one. I can't see this guy going away. He's got so many more stories to tell, in my opinion. I don't think that he will go away unless he thinks that 10th movie is his best movie. His swan song. Yeah, and I honestly, I yeah. although my like my favorite films are the Kill Bill movies. Um, I love, I love basically everything. Not so much Death Proof, but I think that his best actual film, from like a technical, just like a you know looking at a piece of art altogether, with kind of being subjective, is The Hateful Eight. I think that The Hateful Eight is mm-hmm. a fucking masterpiece. Have it's, you watched the Have like, you watched the extended version on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I have not watched it yet. It, uh, it's it's like awesome. it's like a film and a book and a play mm-hmm. had a baby, and Quentin Tarantino is the dad, and it has all these incredible actors in it, and it's just it's so beautiful to look at, and the acting's fucking amazing and there's even all those stupid little you know moments that like you know all the little moments that we saw in the documentary and everything but there's like those little moments in there which were like ad-libbed or um you know like he he got i can't remember the actress's name the lady that the 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 prisoner lady jennifer jennifer jason lee yeah he was like you gotta learn to play that guitar and she was like, but I don't play the guitar. He said, we have to learn to play the guitar. So yeah. she had to spend, was it three months learning that one song so she could play it live in front of everybody. You know, it wasn't like on a tape or anything like that. There's all these little things that he does that he like makes his movies as good as they could possibly be. And like they said in the documentary, nothing on screen and nothing that he does is random or by accident. Everything is there for a reason, which is like what people used to say about Stanley Kubrick as well. Exactly the same damn thing. They never just go, Oh yeah, that'll do. You know, it's everything is picked out specifically and that's, that's just what he does. And that's what hateful eight is. It's just this culmination of like everything he's worked at. And, oh, it's, it's just awesome, man. I I remember actually, Brian, the first time we met when we did the Star Wars episode, Mm -hmm. that was hateful eight was just about to come out and you said that you were going to go see it on Christmas. I always remember that. Jake and I actually traveled up to Chicago together. And, uh, we, it was the nearest theater that was playing it in 70 millimeter when Quentin yeah. Tarantino was doing the road show. And like he, Quentin Tarantino filmed that movie with 70 millimeter lenses, mm-hmm. but not just any 70 millimeter lenses. He used the actual same lenses that they used to film the movie Ben Hur starring Charlton Heston. Yep. The exact same lenses that like not the exact same type of lenses, the exact same exact lenses. Same lenses. <laughs> That's how much this guy loves cinema. And like, so Jake and I went up and they were doing the, the road show for that. And, uh, we went to the one theater that was playing it, um, in Chicago, uh, in 70 millimeter, um, to watch it. We wanted to watch it in 70 millimeter. And, uh, for me, Jake didn't, uh, Jake loved the movie, but he didn't think that the 70 millimeter brought much to it. Me on the flip side, I felt like it really did open everything up to where like you felt like you were, most of that movie took place inside of that fucking like cabin. Dashery. Yeah, yeah. And 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 they could fit all those characters on screen. It felt like a play. It felt like you were at a stage product like a stage play and you could watch all these characters interact. And for me it was like 
It was fucking amazing watching it in 70 millimeter. It looked beautiful. Oh, it, yeah. it, I, I, I was blown away. Man. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> Go ahead. I was, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I was hoping they would have told more about that guitar story. Oh, yeah, me too. Thing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Dude, because the fact that that was an actual... 150 year old guitar that they got that from the, they Russell, rent that he got it from the smithsonian yeah and he smashed it her reaction is real when it yep. was it like a hundred grand or something it's like a hundred thousand dollars worth of guitar yeah like, yeah that's and, how much it was worth and it's funny like when they first found out they were just told like you know there was an accident that happened like it's and at first they were cool and then they found out that like no kurt russell Fucking smashed it! I thought, like, what do you mean he smashed it? They're like, he smashed it. They're like, was it written in the script? They're like, yeah. They're like, well, what the fuck? Why would why would they have him continue to use the guitar? But like that, like, and that kind of goes into the whole Django Unchained thing. Like, he gets so much out of his actors. Like fucking Leonardo DiCaprio uh, ripped yeah. his hand yep. open on a on a glass. I love when they talked about through. When they talked about Django Unchained and like how Leonardo DiCaprio was like having a hard time with like his character being like this slave owner and like, you know, using the language that he used in that movie. And then Jamie Mm Foxx and Samuel Jackson said, dude, you know, like, I forget how they said it. Like, this is like, they said that these aren't people, they're property. Yeah. Like, that's how you have to see us. And so when Leonardo DiCaprio showed up the set next day, Jamie Foxx was like, Hey, how's it going, Leo? And Leo just looked like didn't even fucking acknowledge him. He was look at him. Yeah, he wouldn't even look at him, dude. He was like fucking in that character. He was like mm-hmm. fucking like method acting. Like this is like, and dude, like from that point forward, he was that character. I was listening to. Have you guys listened to the new uh, the one of the latest Smodcast episodes with Kevin Smith where he's talking with Sam Levine from uh, Freaks and Geeks? The that guy. Not yet. No. He no. Sam Levine played one of the Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. And he's yeah, talking he Yeah, he's talking to Sam Levine about like, you know, what it was like working with Tarantino on the set. And they're talking about like the whole fucking the scene with um you know, the uh what what do they call him? The bear. The bear, the bear Jew, Jew, the Jew bear. The, yeah, the the bear Jew or Jew bear or whatever. Yeah, played by Eli Roth. And that whole scene where like they're getting ready to introduce, you know, this fucking Nazi to the bear Jew. And uh <laughs> Fucking Sam Levine's character has to come off as tough to this fucking Nazi. This Nazi's fucking a big dude. And Sam Levine is a small guy. And so fucking Quentin Tarantino tells him, like, you know, dude, this is your character. This is what you're feeling in this moment. And then he goes and he talks with the Nazi, the guy who's playing the Nazi. And he's like, you know, this, you know, this is what's going on in the scene, blah, 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 blah. So they fucking film it. And. What ends up happening, you know, is basically that, uh, you know, Sam Levine's character does come off as menacing to this Nazi character. Sam Levine then talked to the, the guy that played the Nazi in that scene. He's like, you know, what did, what did Quentin tell you? And he said that, he said, while we're shooting this scene, if at any moment I feel like my character, like, like you, your character is not menacing, is not a powerful character and if i'm not buying that you could that you're fucking like that you could fucking you know bash my head in with the butt of that gun at any moment 
that I'm supposed to steal the gun away from you. And oh shit, Quentin said he would rewrite the movie, rewrite oh, that whole damn. yeah that he would rewrite that whole fucking scene for authenticity. Wow, that's amazing. And what happened was that yeah, like that his character did not try to take the the gun away from Sam Levine's character, so that Sam Levine Sam Levine came that day and he brought it for his character. I That's mean, awesome. I, yeah, I, I was blown away by that. Like, I was just yeah. like, holy shit. Like, that's, that's how, that, that's how much th- that Quentin Tarantino doesn't want to sacrifice, you know, like, he'll change authenticity. the whole, authenticity. He'll change up the whole script if he doesn't fucking feel like, you know, if this other yeah. actor's not buying it. Because like, you're looking at Sam Levine, who's a small guy. Sam Levine, if you look at Sam Levine now, he still looks like he's fucking like that same kid that he was in Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> I love Sam Levine. I think that, I think he's fucking brilliant. I love him as an actor. Yeah, but, but I mean, that, 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 I mean, the same way that he treated Eli Roth as well. He was like, he kept him yes. in that fucking tunnel. Yes. And he was like saying, you know, oh yeah, well, we're going to get to it. We're just going to get the lines. Brad's going to do his lines. You stay there, you get pumped, you work out, you do your press ups, you lift your weights, chill there for a bit, keep working out. And he kept him there for five fucking days. <laughs> so by the end of it, he was just a savage. Like he was so fucking ready to beat that guy to death. Yeah. In the film. But, and, but that's, and that is the intensity. Cause I mean, I'm not a massive Eli Roth fan. Neither I am I. And, but he comes out of that fucking tunnel and you can see it in his eyes. He is on a fucking mission and he is just pumped and ready and somebody gonna die. And <laughs> he just goes fucking insane on that dummy that he has to beat up. It's so, ah, uh, it's brilliant. I just I, love that. Like you said, that method acting, like the director getting the guys to do the method acting is yeah. awesome. It's I don't so know cool. about you guys, but like part of me just wants to wrap this up and fucking fly Dan over here. And fucking Paul, I want you to drive down, and I just want to have a fucking Quentin Tarantino marathon and watch these movies I'm with so you. I'm so fucking in. I'm so fucking in, dude. Oh. Like after so we good. get after we get done, I'm gonna turn on fucking Inglorious Bastards, man. Um, and just like I love how they even talked about that. Like I think that's one of his bravest movies. Like the first twenty minutes, there's no Brad Pitt. Like there's no big names. Like it's just that family. And, you know, uh, Christoph Waltz, who wasn't a huge name at the time. And then right. later, in, later in the movie, there's a 30-minute scene where, in their, where they're in the basement with, I mean, Michael Fassbender wasn't even Michael Fassbender at this point. Like, mm. there's pretty much all no names. And those are the two most, like, intense scenes of the entire movie. Yeah. I, again, people the people I spoke to said, oh, that bit in the bar was so boring. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Fucking douchebags, dude. is <laughs> fucking brilliant, man. I'm it on edge brilliant. the whole time. Yeah, and just like you said, the beginning of the film as well. And that was when, literally, that first scene with Christoph Waltz. Oh, my God. How fucking terrifying and menacing was that guy? It took a it took time. You know, obviously, like, the script, mm-hmm. you know, gave him some time to kind of fall into for us as the audience to kind of see what he was putting out and then you know it just slowly got worse and worse and Mm. you're just like oh this guy is 
the fucking devil. Dude. And oh, it's so good. And it's then so he good. gets then Quentin gets the complete opposite performance from him as a complete pure character in Django Unchained. Yeah, exactly. I, I yeah, I did. Uh, here's another thing. I before I forget, I did not know that Quentin Tarantino wanted to cast Michael Madsen as Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction originally. Yeah, that was crazy. Not and, and you know, and we all know how John Travolta did. I can't see anybody else in that role other than John Travolta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And just because it was just scheduling conflicts as well. That's yeah. how we yeah. Travolta came back as that was his comeback film. What is it in a documentary? That's his comeback movie. Yeah. That was where everyone was like, Oh fuck. And look what Travolta's he's, got chops. Look what he's doing now. Gotti and the fan and all this other garbage. <laughs> Didn't he do that? He's being directed by Fred Durst. Fred Durst. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Didn't he do that Michael movie where he's an angel or some shit? I yeah. love that film. Leave it alone. And, and phenomenon. <laughs> phenomenon. You like? I love I, that film as well. Oh That's my a god. Good one. Oh my god, Dan. That's hey, got fucking uh, Robert Duvall and Forrest Whitaker. It's a good one. Oh my god. Yeah. What did I, I watched the movie? I watched the movie recently. Forrest Whitaker's brother was in it. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> was what was it? I can't. Oh, it was, uh, it was Triple Threat. It was the Triple Threat oh. movie. <laughs> I think his brother's name is like Omar or something. Omar Whitaker. I can't remember. But man, he, dude, I was watching it. I was like, dude, that motherfucker looks like Forrest Whitaker. And then I, I like, I paused it and I went to like IMDb and I was like, and it was like, yeah, it was Forrest Whitaker's brother. <laughs> Wait, that's his brother? He's in, he, he's one of the leads in fucking, uh, the unicorn. Really? Wow. I thought I thought that could have been his son. Damn. No, it's his brother. Oh wow, yeah, they do look alike. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's really good in the unicorn. Oh my god. Let, okay, let's take a break. We'll come back. We've been doing we've been doing good pop, bad pop for five hours. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> we've gotta we've gotta fly through the rest of this shit. So we'll come I, I'm, back. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to bow, guys. I is Five past three and I'm exhausted. Dude, I don't, yeah. We, this has gone on way longer than I thought it was going to go, Dan. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Tell you what, we're going to come back. I'm going to, I'm going to cherry pick the rest of the shit that we're going to talk about. I'm going to cherry pick it. Sounds good. And we're going to wrap this shit up. <laughs> All right. Dan, thank you so much. You want to say goodbye to everybody? Yep. Bye guys. Love, love, love. Take care. People love you, man. Hell yeah, we they do. They weren't after this one. <laughs> no, they will. They will. You know what? Hey, you know what I think's coming back? You know what I think's coming back? And I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm totally revamping it. Uh, PCL Patreon. I think it's coming back. Oh, sweet. And I think I'm gonna do bonus episodes, Patreon podcasts that are only available to Patreon members. Wow, that's fucking, are you sure that's a lot of work? <laughs> dude, 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 right now, I'll be on, and I don't know how long I'm gonna do it. My, right now, it's my job. I'm in my off season right now, so I'm not working <laughs> technically. So I won't be working until March again because my new job is I have an off season, so I take about three months off. I have plenty of time right now, so I'll bring Patreon back for maybe three months. So I'll have that's fucking awesome. So I'll have plenty of time to do extra podcasts. I'll be able to maybe. I'm thinking about like what am I going to do for patreon to make it worth 
people signing up. And like, what am I going to do? I might have Patreons join me for episodes. I might have some of the patrons join me for episodes. I might have like regulars on PCL come on and we can talk about like fucking movies. Like we talked about our passion for Quentin Tarantino movies. We might talk about other fucking movies. I don't know. I might have an episode where we talk about fucking like uh big trouble in little China, something. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what we'll do. I don't know. Um, what honestly, we'll do. I, I think that's pretty cool. I, I love the, the thought of you talking about like some sort of, you know, older movies. Yeah. Let's talk about some like real, real, like people that absolutely love that franchise or those yeah. movies, that'd be sweet. Let's talk about John Carpenter films. Let's talk about They Live. Let's talk about The Thing. Let's talk about, you know, you know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, we'll fuck, but we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to have fun doing it, you know? And so I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I might just have people on and we might just bullshit. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> we might just bullshit. I don't know what the fuck we're going to do, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm exclusive content only available to, uh, Patreon patrons thinking about bringing it back it might go live tomorrow and then expect new podcast patreon only podcast coming out in december so uh, i'll get it all figured out and uh i'll work it out but yeah um you know and this will definitely definitely help me out over the off season and keep the show going because mm-hmm. i still have to pay for I still have to pay for hosting shit and yep. all this st- other stuff to keep the show going. <laughs> so it'd be a huge help to me totally. in the off season where I'm not making, I am not making any money during the off season really. So, uh, but yeah, I'll get, I'll get that all figured out and we'll probably talk about that next week. But Dan, I'm sure the army will have your back. Dude, I know they, they will. Do. I know 100%. they will. I know they will. And I will try my best to entertain Aaron forever. I hope he signs. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you sign up, you son of a cunt. Oh my god. You fucking hey, you won't hear from him until May anyway. Yeah, six months later he'll be like, Oh, I, I missed the boat on that. <laughs> you fucking bitch. Dan, thank you so I loved you. I love you, Dan. Thank you so much. I love you too, dude. I wish you could and I love you too, Paul. I know. Oh, I, I you wish too, you could have stayed the entire episode because it's like um, but it's fucking yeah. like what time is it there? Ten past three fucking, and you know, baby. You got a baby. Uh, she she's very Tires, tires me out a hell of a lot now. I'm like, Speaking of Quentin Tarantino, your baby's name is Beatrix, which is the same name as the fucking, uh, Uma uh, Thurman. Kiddo. It's Beatrix Kiddo. Yeah. In, in, yeah. yeah. That's, it. That's, uh, one of the reasons why she's called Beatrix. It's fucking beautiful, man. Awesome. Thank you. Alright guys, <laughs> let's take a, we'll take a break. We'll come back and me and Paul are gonna blitzkrieg through the rest, <laughs> through the rest of this fucking bullshit. Hey, Cause I, oh, I, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> we'll be right back. We're back, Paul. We are back. We, we are without Dan West. How are we going to do this? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I don't know. Oof. It's going to be rough. It's just me and you. 
You and the redheaded stepchild. I know. I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. Guys, hey, it's time for the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Real quick. I'm going to blitzkrieg through this shit. Fuck it. Did you see the news that the next Transformers movie is going to be directed by Stephen Capel Jr.? He was the Creed II director. Did you see this? I, you know, I saw that the Creed two director was going to take something over, but I don't, I forgot what it was. And now, yeah. yeah, okay. Did you like, did you like Creed two? It was not Creed one. Yeah. At all. Oh I think my they should God. Should have kept Coogler. Oh God, Coogler's so good. Yeah, Ryan Coogler's so good. God damn. Yeah, I, I think the fights in Creed two were not as good and. I, I just was not a fan of Creed 2. But it's hard to say, like, how is this guy going to do when it comes to a Transformers movie? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. We'll Couldn't see. Have, I, I mean, I haven't been a huge fan of the last one, so. Uh, Bumblebee? Could... Oh, well, Bumblebee. But, yeah, okay. I've been a fan of Bumblebee. Why did they not get Travis Knight back in here? I don't know. Travis Knight, that director movie... of Bumblebee? That movie was full of heart, man. Oh, a lot more it. than any of the Michael Bay ones. Yeah. This project that they're doing, this anime, it's a, it's separate from the animated prequel, uh, that Josh Cooley has been linked to direct. So this is a completely new movie that they're getting, uh, Stephen Capel Jr. for. I don't know. Jury's out on this one. I'm not, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Creed 2. And, uh, if you were to ask me, how excited are you? One to ten. For Stephen Capel Jr., the director of Creed Two, to be in charge of a Transformers movie, Transformers beloved to me, I that that's my that's like the fucking that's my cartoon of gr- growing up, like childhood cartoon. That's my number one cartoon from childhood growing up, and and to give it to Stephen Capel Jr., I I don't know, I don't know if so, this is the guy. So would anybody besides the guy that directed Bumblebee? Do you think anybody would have been able to excite you for this new Transformers movie? Like, is there any other director that besides the Bumblebee guy that would have got you excited for this? I don't, it'd have to be somebody that actually comes out and says, like, you know, I'm a fan of Transformers. Like, I grew up watching Transformers. Okay. It, it would have to be that guy that comes out and says, you know, what's wild is, like, you'll find out, like, uh, I remember what, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who's in charge of the um, Star Wars uh, storybook group, uh, Pablo Hidalgo. The yeah, guy, he's a huge Transformers G one fan. He he draws. He sends out artwork on Twitter. He used to at least. He he would put out artwork of G one characters from Transformers. He's a huge oh, G. And this is the guy who's in charge of you know Star Wars storybook stuff. Like this is the guy you know. And it's like, it's a, he's not a director or anything, but he's got a passion for Star Wars, uh, for, for Transformers. And it's like, that's the kind of guy that I want involved in Transformers. I, you know, like a guy like, you know, like Kevin Feige. We're talking about the difference between Brian Singer, just a director that came off, you know, like a movie, The Usual Suspects that everybody loved, and they gave him the X-Men. And it's like, yeah, man, that's, I, that's the X-Men movie. I mean, dude, when when superhero movies weren't coming out and we got X-Men in 2000, I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. it. But, man, it wasn't until we got, like, fucking Kevin Feige, a guy 
who loves Marvel. And I know Kevin Feige was a producer on those fucking X-Men movies, but he didn't have complete control until he got with Marvel Studios. And then we saw what a guy who has passion for the shit, you know, like John Favreau, a guy who has passion for Star Wars, a guy who's passion oh, for Marvel. Filoni, Filoni yeah. Like you've got to get somebody who's got passion with the Transformers that's going to connect with the G1 audience, that's going to connect with the Beast Wars audience, that's going to connect with fans of Transformers. I don't know who that fucking guy is. You know, I don't know who yeah. that guy is. Like if they like, you know, as much as I bag on Peyton Reed for the Ant-Man movies and just being mm-hmm. like a fucking company man when it comes to Marvel Studios, if Peyton Reed came out and said like I am a huge fan of Transformers G1. Like if Peyton Reed said I was that kid in the theater that cried when Optimus Prime died in the animated movie. I would be like, oh, my God, Peyton Reed might be the guy that we need directing a fucking Transformers movie. Well, yeah, because you feel like you could take care of, like, you know, like your babies. Yeah. 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 I don't know, man. Predator movie news from Dark Horizons. This has nothing to do with Kevin Spacey, everybody. Don't worry. Uh, (laughs) Did you see this? Did you see this? A, 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 A fifth Predator film? Did you see who they're tapping to direct this? Uh, I did not know. 10 Cloverfield Lane and the boys director Dan Trachtenberg is in talks to helm the fifth installment in the Predator franchise at 20th Century Studios. Notice how it's not called 20th Century Fox now that Disney owns Fox. It's called 20th Century Studios. Going to the movies and seeing a Fox Searchlight movie now, it just says Searchlight Pictures. It's just Searchlight. Oh, that's sad. It's weird. It's fucking weird. But uh, Patrick Azon is behind the script for the fifth movie, with the plot being kept under wraps. Aside from the fact that it won't tie into any of the recent sequels, the Predator series has had a rocky road. The 1987 original starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. This news comes from Dark Horizons, by the way. The original starring uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger remains an iconic classic of the genre. Uh, it's Danny, Dubber, uh, Danny Glover-led sequel was widely dismissed at the time, but has held up better with time. Uh, Robert Rodriguez's Predators in 2010 received mixed reviews. Shane's Blacks, uh, Shane Black's The Predator in 2018 was widely panned. And the less said about, uh, both Alien vs. Predator films, the better. Uh, with Disney's acquisition of Fox at the box office failure of The Predator, it was thought that the series would be put on ice for many years, if not permanently. It looks like, dude, as much as I have not been a fan of these Predator sequels, any of the Predator sequels, to be quite honest with you, Predator 2, yeah. Predator 2, you know, like, dude, I, you know, if you're going to make a Predator 2 movie, you have to have Arnie. Well, and if you're not going to get the one guy from Lethal Weapon, if you, if you, seriously, if you're going to, like, at the time, I'm not a Mel Gibson fan now, but if, at the time, you're not going to get the fucking Lethal Weapon guy that was too old for this shit to fucking... <laughs> go up against the Predator. You're going to get Riggs. You're going to get fucking Mel Gibson back in uh, fucking, what was it, 1992 or whenever the fuck that movie came out. Yeah, and he was still a huge commodity. In oh, it was 1990. Man. It was 1990. Yeah, he was a huge commodity back then. You're not going to go for Danny Glover. And, I, you know, when I watched that movie, there was things I liked about it, and then there's things I didn't like about it. It was a lot of rehash from the first movie, but just set in like an urban city setting. Yeah. 
And, you know, you had uh, fucking, what's his name? George Clooney's in there, right? Not George Clooney. It was uh, Busey, Gary Busey. Oh, Gary. Gary Busey was in that movie. <laughs> also, it was kind of like a lethal weapon reunion in Predator 2. Yeah. I think George Clooney at that time was doing the uh, Killer Tomatoes, The Killer right? Tomatoes movie. He was fresh off of, uh, he had done Facts of Life, and then he went to Roseanne, and then he did the Killer Tomatoes. I don't know. I don't know the order. <laughs> What a whirlwind. Yeah, Killer Tomatoes with John Aston, who was <laughs> Gomez in the original Adams fan. I love that Killer Tomatoes movie with George Clooney. It was on, uh, it's, I think you can watch it on Crackle. Crackle or Popcorn Flicks or something for free. I love that fucking movie. It is so campy and so cheesy and so funny. <laughs> I need to, I need to check it out. I need to check that There's one a out. part I remember watching that at like you know like when you would stay the night at a friend's house. Oh yeah. I remember staying the night at a friend's house and we were watching that movie for the first time. It was like on USA up all night with Gilbert Gottfried. And at the beginning of the movie George Clooney works in like a pizza parlor and he's spinning dough and he's flipping the dough and he spins it up and the dough never comes down from it goes up and it never comes down. At the very end of the movie, it falls on his head out of nowhere. It's a call back to the beginning of the movie. And me and my friends, we just laughed our asses off at that part of that fucking Killer Tomatoes movie. And it was fucking, that was highbrow comedy back then, Paul. Oh, well, fuck yeah. But uh, Dan Trachten. Oh, my like, God. I think he's an inspired choice. What? A, thank you. Right, like, dude. He he's done one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes with the playtest with Kurt Russell's son. I uh, love that episode with uh, Wyatt Russell, the one where the, the video game, the virtual reality thing. Yeah, he directed that one. That's uh, Dan Trachtenberg is. Yeah, if anybody's going to, and here's the thing though, I said this about I said this about Shane Black. I said like, oh, Shane Black was in the original Predator movie. Shane Black has done some great shit. You know, I talked about Shane Black last week with the Monster Squad. I thought if anybody is going to be able to make a great Predator movie, it's Shane Black. And I watched that movie in the theater, and I was, like, super meh on it. Yeah, so, that one wasn't that great. Well, like, do you think they just need to go back to, like, the original tried and true? Like, put it in the jungle. Don't, like, fucking go into the city. You know, I mean, they did do that with that fucking, was it Robert Rodriguez with the fucking Yes, it was a completely, Grace? it was, it was basically kind of like, yeah, it was, it was, they had Topher Grace, they had, uh, the guy from the pianist, what was his name? Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody, and yeah. Key I'm, and Peel, right? Wasn't Michael Key and Key in that? No, uh, oh, he was, in the, he, was in, he was in the new one with Shane Black, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they need to do, but Dan Trachtenberg is a step in the right direction. I like the guy, so hopefully he'll fucking get it. Like I, you know, like Lee Winnell is the guy that I want to do everything going forward. The he did upload, right? He did upgrade. Upgrade. I just watched that. That was so fucking good. Upgrade's amazing. He did upgrade. He did the Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. Like Lee Winnell is like the guy who I want to do everything, and. You know, that would be my choice for a Predator movie. But Dan Trachtenberg is fucking top notch. The guy does The Boys. I love The Boys. So. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So. No, I think it's 
I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, you know, you find out that he did 10 Cloverfield Lane and the boys, like the boys is coming off some of the biggest viewings of all time. You know, yeah. the, the last predator kind of sucked. This is a good way to kind of like forget what the fuck happened. Like, all right, give me this Dan Trachtenberg predator. Give me a Dan Trachtenberg predator. Make it rated R fucking. I mean, who do you cast in this thing? Who do you cast? Who do you cast as your main guy going after the predator in this? Well, I mean, I think it's so like the, you know, I think the default answer for every big muscle guy is, uh, the rock, Chris Hemsworth, Chris, the rock. Uh, too, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, yeah. Who is it? Is it the rockers and Hemsworth? Well, why don't we just get both? <laughs> well, we have like the Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger fucking bond right there, man. Oh, fuck. Dude. What if they, what if they just said, fuck it. And we're going to fucking take the expendables franchise and mix it in with the predator. That'd be kind of cool. Man. We're going to have the Expendables <laughs> go up against the Predator. You know what they need to do? They need to somehow get Jean-Claude Van Damme in this, just just <laughs> like for a meta type of thing, because he was the original Predator. Yeah. You know, I would love to see that. He's the first one killed or something. That'd be cool, man. I don't know. Man. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I love Dan Trachtenberg. Stranger Things Season 4 news from Bloody Disgusting. Did you see this shit? Is this the Freddy Krueger uh, casting as a, yeah. as a prison mate? Robert England during Stranger Things 4 as a disturbed man imprisoned for a gruesome murder. We're absolutely, this comes from Bloody Disgusting, we're absolutely elated to report today that horror legend Robert England has signed on to star in the upcoming fourth season of Stranger Things, playing what sounds like a very interesting character, one that potentially pays tribute to his most iconic role. England will play the recurring role of Victor Creel, a disturbed and intimidating man who was imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder in the 1950s. This sounds like a perfectly juicy character for England to sink his teeth into, likely to put him back on the mainstream radar for a series that has often paid tribute to A Nightmare on Street. It seems only right that England is now making his way into Hawkins. How? What the fuck? Uh, we got a series that deals with, uh, you know, uh, fucking monsters and shit from like another dimension. And now we got a fucking Robert England's character. Like, is it, are we, is this what we're going to expect? Are we just going to expect a murderer? Or are we going to expect like a, is this character going to take a turn and be a hero in this? Yeah, I don't like the whole like gruesome grisly murder thing kind of threw me off of like the Stranger Things vibe. I mean, yeah, like it can get, dark and and kind of violent but usually that's like supernatural you know like the fact that we're bringing in kind of like a grisly serial killer um yeah i i don't know like he definitely could maybe become a good guy at the end but it seems like he might be a main foil to uh you know our lovable ragtag group of kids who are now adults i think that he could be kind of scary but on the flip side it's like it's like what would it look like for a fucking, you know, a guy who is a murderer from the 50s to be released and have to go up against creatures from the upside down now? <laughs> you know, like, what would it look like for a fucking serial killer to go up against fucking monsters from the yeah, upside down? And um, all right, his name does it not sound kind of Russian too? Victor Creel. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, is he going to tie into, like, the whole Russian oh, thing? Yeah, because, like, what do we know about season four of... Stranger Things. Stranger. Hopper is alive. He's in prison far from home in a snowy wasteland of Kamchatka in Russia, where he faces dangers both human and other. Dangers both human. Could that be Victor Creel? It totally could be, right? Yeah. And other, of course, that's from the Upside Down. Yeah, absolutely. That's. Uh, I mean, we don't know a lot about season four, but man, yeah. Fuck, what if he's in prison with fucking Victor Creel? That would be cool. That would be cool. And I think I'm so excited for this news, too, because, man, Stranger Things season three really kind of righted some of the problems I had with season two. Like, I feel like they really got back on track. Okay. Like, okay. Season three, I thought was kick ass. I love season three. I love season three more than I love season two. I enjoyed season two. And, and, and most of what have I enjoyed from season two was, you know, the fucking Dustin and Steve shit. I loved it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Steve, man, dude, talk about one of the greatest character turns, you know, Steve was such a, piece of shit in most of that first season but when he turns around at the end of that finale yeah. in the first season and goes back in the house man that's mm -hmm. that's one of the greatest like good guy turns in tv yeah i love oh god i love that actor fucking joe keery is just so good oh yeah and that hair yeah i'm fucking jealous me too jesus christ <laughs> hold on hold on to your youth hold on to your youth kids for real. It all goes away. It all goes away. We're not all fucking Paul Rudd. No, we are not. All right. We're not all Dick Clark. <laughs> He's dead now. But, man, he held on for a long time. He really did. He did. Marvel News. Marvel News, Paul. All right. Deadpool 3 moving forward at Disney with new writers. This comes from comicbook.com. We, uh, we got Wendy... Molnew and Lizzie Molnew. Very, their their names look very Canadian. They, their names look like they could be on the back of a fucking hockey jersey, or on a poutine menu. Yeah, yeah. I'll take the Molnew. The Molnew <laughs> with extra gravy. With extra gravy. Um, <laughs> gravy. Give me that gravy. <laughs> so that sweet fucking gravy. That's that Molnew gravy. But yeah, Wendy and Lizzie, the Molnew sisters, they, uh, they've been writing episodes of Bob's Burgers and they've got a new series called The Great North that's set to premiere on Fox in 2021. That's, that show's already been renewed for a second season. Mm. So, you know, we've had good luck with comedy writers in the past at Marvel, talking about the Russo brothers who've written for Arrested Development and Community. Uh, it's one of those things where people are probably going to be looking at this and being like, oh my God, Bob's Burgers writers writing a Deadpool movie. I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Paul, I don't, also, I have no clue how this is going to fucking translate. I love mm -hmm. Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. The original writers, they were the Zombieland writers. They wrote Deadpool 1. They wrote Deadpool 2. I love those guys. They, I mean, they were fucking involved in Wayne. You know, Sean yeah. Simmons series. I think those guys are fucking brilliant. I thought that those guys were fantastic on the Deadpool movies. I, I don't know what happened there. 
why Rhett Reese and Paul Warnick are not returning for Deadpool 3? Because you know those talks had to have happened. Oh, of course. That's their bit. I mean, you know. I don't know. Chad Stahelski, we don't know who the director is going to be for Deadpool 3. The original director, Tim Miller, did not return for the second film. We got Chad Stahelski, you know, uh, uh, from the John Wick movies as the director. Was it Chad Stahelski? I believe it was. Yeah, there's a couple. De- there's a couple John Wick guys that are famous. I think it was Chad Stahelski. <laughs> Let me see here. Uh, da, 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 David Leach. David Leach. Yeah, yeah. Leitch, there was two guys. I told you there was two guys. <laughs> two guys involved with uh, with the uh, fucking John Wick movies, and one of those guys with, uh, was David Leach. And David Leach, yeah, he directed the second movie. We don't know if he's coming back to direct this movie. We don't know who the director is going to be for Deadpool 3. But it looks like, you know, uh, it, this movie has not been greenlit 100%, Deadpool 3. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's going to happen one way or the other. But it looks like they've tapped the, uh, these uh, these uh, sisters. And, the Bob's and I'm Burgers. excited about that. I am a huge Bob's Burgers fan. Uh, the The later episodes, not too much. But these two writers did most of their writing in the heyday where... Where like I I feel once Fox realized that Disney was going to be a part of it, that there was a chance that Disney would buy them out. I feel like they really kind of cleaned up their like raunchy style of humor to kind of impress the Disney guys coming in, mm-hmm. you know, to to kind of keep their stuff. So like the later seasons have definitely not been as funny or even like risque. See, I haven't watched Bob's watching. Burgers in probably the past three seasons. I watched it in the first two, three seasons, and I thought the show was brilliant. That was really yeah, good. And, and those two writers, that's their that's that's kind of their prime. Yeah, of the episodes they've done. So I'm really excited for that because I think they'll be able, especially if it gets to R rating, and they're given like freedom to kind of let loose. I think we could get some really fun shit going on. Well, Justin Kroll, who writes for Deadline, uh, broke the news. He went to Twitter to clear some things up about the Deadpool franchise, noting that the third installment is still going to be R rated. There have been concerns that Marvel would want to tone Deadpool down in order to work him into the MCU. Fortunately, those two things are not mutually exclusive, and his foul mouth will continue in the third movie. While the tone is set to remain, the change in writers does represent a first for the record-breaking franchise. Both Deadpool movies were written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, so this third installment will be the first without them attached. Back in 2019, in April, Kevin Feige did talk about the R rating. He said, it remains to be seen if Marvel Studios will venture into the world of R-rated adventures, such as the successful films Logan and Deadpool. That being said, it appears that the adult-oriented humor that has made the latter character so damn popular is here to stay. He said, when we were purchased, Bob Iger who's the Disney CEO, said to us, if it's not broke, don't fix it. There's no question that Deadpool is working, so why would we change it? So it looks like they're still wanting to go with an R rating with Deadpool. I'm saying that that it will still be Marvel Studios and it will be it will be an R rating. But I don't think any of these movies are going to be like, I think it'll be MCU adjacent. 
I think these movies will do their own thing with Deadpool. They'll be able to do whatever the fuck they want to with Deadpool still. And it's not like, and we could see Deadpool show up in the main movies, but I don't see Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool being like a main character or an important character, like to any of like the Avengers films going forward. Like he might show up as a cameo, but man, I, I don't know. I, I think it, I think it's, it's, it's for me, if he shows up, it'll be fun if it's a cameo, but anything more is a distraction. Oh yeah, especially like if it's with Guardians of the Galaxy or anything like that, just because he's such a brutal like character like that, he doesn't fit well into kind of the main phases of the of of the MCU. But now, like, I wonder because the first two movies, he does have ties to the X Men universe. Yeah, do you think that will be X Men adjacent too? Like, do you think he'll just be? his own thing or do you think we might see some X-Men characters filtering in and out of these Deadpool movies dude that's oh god that's a goddamn good question I think he will acknowledge I think once they introduce once they finally introduce the X-Men which would be phase 5 or whatever the fuck they're planning on doing that we he that in his own movie he will acknowledge the new actors playing like Xavier or Logan or whatever. But I don't know how much they're going to bring back. Like, are they going to bring back, you know, as a joke, McAvoy to play Xavier or Patrick Stewart or, you know, like what are they? I don't know, dude. It's, that's up in the air, man. Yeah, man. But man, can you just imagine like a main Avengers movie? You just see like, Deadpool kind of like wandering in the back and then look around and like kind of like slowly creep back off. That kind of shit would be hilarious. Like a, where, was, like a where's Waldo? <laughs> yeah, or you, you know, like like he's uh, all of a sudden realizes like he's just like in a not rated R movie and just kind of like tries to get out before anybody notices him. Well, I've always said that I want him to I want, I've always said this in the past, that like if they introduce him into a main PG-13 Marvel movie that I want him to break the fourth wall. Like when he curses, he gets bleeped. And, (laughs) you know, I've said, I've said that multiple times on, on episodes and, and, um, you know, him not being able to drop the F bomb or like if, I don't know. Cause like you can say one F bomb in a PG-13 movie. Would they let Deadpool get away with it one time? Well, would an event like would a Disney Marvel movie ever do that? Fuck, they had Iron Man call a child a pussy in Iron Man three. Okay, yeah, I mean, but man, but still, fuck is fuck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's I, true. I, I've always thought about that. Like, would they ever drop? You know, like, like I think that at times they've really flirted with it. Like, especially, like, in the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, but end. you're bringing your kids to watch the new fucking Avengers movie, and you got Deadpool saying, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> or just like, where the fuck is Robert Downey Jr.? But, what, like, what's the big difference? Pants. What's the big difference of then, like, you're taking your kids to go watch the new X-Men movie, and fucking, you know, you've got James McAvoy's Xavier trying to recruit Logan, and he tells him to fuck off. Yeah, and then... McAvoy even says that in Days of Future Past. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
I mean, yeah, the kids here are so much worse, Dude, so whatever. I guess our biggest concern here is, like, I don't want Feige and Marvel to fucking tone Deadpool down. I still want it to be the same rated R fucking shit that we've been getting. Oh, yeah, and you know what? Like, we've talked even in this episode that Feige has such a passion for these Marvel properties. you got to think that he would even look at Deadpool the same way, like, you know. Yeah. He knows, like, I think he understands the essence of Deadpool and the essence of Deadpool that's been working is an R-rated version. The day before this article came out of this, you know, Marvel Studios and the Deadpool and all this shit, the day before this article came out, so two days ago as of this recording, recording on Saturday, we got more proof that the only thing that new site we got this covered should in fact cover is their keyboards with anything that would obstruct them from ever writing another article because they came out with an article titled Ryan Reynolds rumored to be announcing Deadpool 3 next month mm. totally wrong they're totally wrong and like everything that they fucking say here in this article is complete bullshit this article goes on to say it's half sequel to the established Deadpool series and half reboot. It goes on to say, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick will be returning to write the script along with Reynolds. Well, Jesus just, Christ. We, I know. Everything here they say is fucking wrong. It will be titled Deadpool Retcon and will be set during the snap. The film will open with the entire established supporting cast of the Deadpool franchise getting snapped away with Weasel getting snapped off screen to avoid t using TJ Miller, which will be, will, will be referenced in a fourth wall break. Deadpool will assume this happened due to him time traveling at the end of Deadpool 2 and attempt to fix it. The running joke is that Deadpool has always been in the MCU and there's definitely nothing strange about that. Uh, T-Ray is the villain. The MC, uh, the film will be rated R and released under 20th century banner. It will work like a Sony Spider-Man film where the MCU is canon to Deadpool, but not necessarily vice versa. Blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. They lost me at Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Fuck we got this cover because the other day they released that uh, Timothy Chalamet was in talks for Batman Beyond <laughs> at, at Warner Brothers with Michael Keaton. <laughs> we got we got nothing covered. Those guys are fucking fully exposed. They're flashing everybody with their fucking <laughs> micro penises over yeah. there. Yeah, so it was even flashing. Yeah. Um, Eh, fucking, we got this covered. Jesus Christ. You guys, you fucking, just fucking clickbait bullshit. Uh, some news of the Black Widow film came recently, um, with, uh, the released Marvel Studios Black Widow, the official movie special book. Did you hear about this? The Marvel, the Black Widow, the official movie special book? I did not, no. <laughs> OT, OT fake bangle. That's a terrible last name. I don't even know if, what? I don't even know if I said his last name right. OT <laughs> oh OT Fagbanel, who plays he plays Mason in the MCU film, which is Rick Mason, revealed a few things about him and his relationship with Natasha. He said Mason is a finder for people who aren't 
so affiliated with armies, like people who are a part of the underworld. He can find anything you need as well. He's had a relationship doing that work for the Black Widow, and they have a bit of a vibe going on. There's a sense that there's more to the relationship than it being purely work-related. So that's always in the mix. He's alluding to the fact that his character, Rick Mason, and Black Widow might have a uh, a romantic relationship or have had a romantic relationship. Hmm. All right. Rick Mason. More about Rick Mason, the character. Rick Mason in the comics is also known as the agent. He was a mercenary who became a highly covert operative and freelance agent who specialized in the non-lethal handling of superhumans. He is also the son of Phineas Mason, who in the comics is the Tinkerer. And the character of the Tinkerer we actually saw in Spider-Man Homecoming. Phineas Mason is a former salvager turned professional criminal who uh, used the uh, Chitari Dark Elf and Ultron technology salvaged by Adrian Toomes, the vulture, to create all new powerful weaponry. Due to the actions of Spider-Man, Tinker's weapons came under risk of being found and therefore Toomes considered shutting down their organization. However, the Tinkerer convinced him to do a final heist which resulted in Toomes being arrested. So... Yeah, Rick Mace. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if if Black Widow is going to connect to the Tinkerer from fucking Spider-Man: Homecoming. That might mm. that might just be comic book shit that they don't fucking they don't make that connection. So Rick Mason might not be related to Phineas Mason, the Tinkerer in uh, the Spider-Man: Homecoming movies. But Fag Vendel, uh, he gave more details about his character of Mason, Rick Mason's arc in Black Widow. He said Mason's story starts when Natasha is trying to escape and she needs a place to hide out. So we hang out for a little bit. And then later on, when she gets in trouble, she calls me up again. I call, I help her out with a, uh, I help her out with a Chinook. If you need a helicopter, I'm the guy to ask. And then again, every time she's in trouble, she calls me. He's like, um, I don't know. He's like fucking triple A insurance. She's got a flat. She fucking calls him. Or he's like, he's like going back to fucking, uh, going back to the Tarantino movies. He's like the wolf. So if you, I, that's where I, my head was. At. Yeah. So if you fucking, <laughs> if you got a kid in the back seat of the car that you accidentally blow his head off, and you need oh, to fucking shit. clean up the upholstery. You call the wolf. You call Winston Wolf. You call Mason. Rick Mason. Yeah. He also gave more details about his character of Mason. What the fuck here? Hold on. Oh, yeah. He had another quote about his role in Black Widow, as well as how Natasha takes advantage of his resourcefulness. He said, uh, Mason is the guy that you want on your side if you get into a hard corner. Natasha definitely takes advantage of the opportunities for him to provide certain things. She never really pays with cash. She doesn't have Uh-oh. credit. E- well, I know. Yes, sir. I know. What are we? Oh, whoa! What are we doing here? This so is a, Venmo. I know. Are we? Well, I was thinking. Enough. This is like a, going back to a, a, your review of the teacher. Yeah. Uh, no, I had that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was being a jackass with Venmo. No, it's definitely 
It's like booty call for a booty call. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh <laughs> fucking asshole. I think we I think we need to move out of Marvel News. This is getting a little <laughs> I think we do. All right. One big question though, do you like do you think there's a high probability that this dude ends up being Taskmaster? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean yeah. at first, dude, I kept thinking it was gonna be fucking uh, Rachel Ra- Weiss, right? I, yeah, I thought it was going to be Rachel Weiss, but the more that I keep watching these trailers and like the family dynamic between her character and and you know all the characters when they're sitting around the table and shit, I I, I don't think so. I think it's got to be Ot Fegbengal's character of uh, Rick Mason here. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at too. Yeah, you think she's paying him with some ass? Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, a hundred percent. You know, because like she's old like she's only contacting him for like act you know, to like just clean up her shit and if she can't pay with money, I mean come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> DC news. Wonder Woman's heading to HBO Max and the theaters on December twenty fifth. What the fuck? Oof. I never would have guessed this. I honestly never would have guessed that it would actually, that they would do this. Like, it was talk. There was talk. Could they release it on HBO Max? And, like, I, you know what? I'll admit 100%. I never thought it was going to happen. Never. Never in Mm -hmm. a million years would I think that I, what I thought. But I don't know what Warner Brothers executives, I don't know what's going on with them right now. I don't know. And I don't know how they're going to react during a pandemic. And so yeah. this is what we're getting. I, I think it comes down to them thinking to themselves that, you know, like, how long are we going to hold on to this movie? We're, it was supposed to originally be released in November of 2019 and then August of 2020. And both those fucking dates fell apart. And how long do we hold on to this fucking movie? Do we hold on to this movie to release it in theaters or... Do we release it in theaters also at the same time for people that can't see it in the theaters? Do we try to sell some HBO Max subscriptions? Ooh. All right. So so I, I do have a question about that. You know, like how when they did Mulan for Disney Plus and you had to like spend $30 or whatever yeah. and you'll keep it as long as you have. Right. Disney Plus, are they going to do something like that with HBO, or is it just you have an HBO Max subscription, you have access to Wonder Woman? Merry Christmas, man. You got HBO Max, you're watching Wonder Woman. Jesus Christ. That's, wow. But, dude, like, dude, is this, is this brilliant? Because, honestly, in my personal opinion... Once you dive into HBO Max and you see all that they have to offer, movies, Mm -hmm. DC, holy shit, you got Studio Ghibli, oh my god, you've got all this, oh my god, dude, they have so much to offer on HBO Max and I think it's a great interface, I think it's a fantastic interface, I think coming out of the gate their interface is fucking... Ten times better than fucking Hulu's. Um, I think that they have so much to offer on HBO Max, whether it's the classics, whether it's DC, whether it's Studio Ghibli. 
uh, it doesn't matter. I think they've got so much to offer on HBO Max. I think like once they, they think that like if they can get people to subscribe merely, uh, just to watch, um, Wonder Woman and, and after you've watched Wonder Woman, like once you start browsing HBO Max and you realize all that else that they have to offer, all the HBO stuff and all the Studio Ghibli, all the DC, all the, uh, the old classic movies. I don't, I think that they think that once they get these people to sign up, that these people are going to stick around for what HBO Max has. This could, dude, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure, but I think like this could be, they, this could be a huge move for them and it could be a huge move. It could be a great way to promote the streaming service. I don't know. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I definitely, Agree with all that. HBO's got awesome stuff. Uh, you know, you can easily get in. You know, Westworld, Game of Thrones. If you haven't seen any of that, well, like, and it's the all whole inter- the whole interface that they have, and the way they have it broken down, like they've got it broken down, and like, you know, I think that um, the crunchy, do, do they have like the Crunchyroll stuff there. They have like the anime. They have Studio Ghibli. They have DC. They have it broken down in like different categories mm-hmm. that you can go and check out. I think there's a lot. A lot of stuff that people will want to stick around. For oh fucking... yeah, I think they even have like an Adult Swim category too. Uh, yeah, yeah. On there that I was on, I was on last night. Like, and I just do you think this is? Do you think Wonder Woman eighty four coming on HBO is kind of like the signal of like, like the dawning of the new way that movies are going to be released now? Like, do you think this could possibly be the start of the end of like theatrical releases at uh... least? For a while now. Well, I mean, we do know that, like, recently a lot of these theaters, it's, they've been, they have been, I mean, I know, like, a lot of the movies that I've seen in the theater recently, like, Let Him Go, um, I didn't watch this one in the theater, but Fat Man was released in theaters, and, like, it's gonna be available on digital, like, November 20th or the 24th. That's the new mm-hmm. Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins movie, the Santa Claus fucking, Hitman, yeah. Yeah. And like, a lot of these movies are hitting theaters and within 17 days. I, th- I, Universal did a deal, um, recently. What was it? I'm trying to think here. Let me pull this up. I think I have this. Cinemark. Cinemark did a deal where They'll have a shortened theatrical window for movies in the U.S. box office, and then it'll go to yeah, it'll go to premium VOD 31 days after it opens on the big screen. Uh, Canadian theaters are doing the same thing. Universal worked out a deal with AMC. Universal worked out a deal with another theater chain where it's like 17 days after, like it releases in theaters, it'll immediately go like. But like this is these are pandemic rules. Once mm-hmm. the pandemic's over, is this gonna stick? Is the big question. So like, yeah, Wonder Woman three comes out. Will Wonder Woman three have the same? Are they gonna release Wonder Woman three day of HBO Max, or is this gonna be theatrical? Dude, I don't know. Is this gonna completely change the landscape of movies? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Like, 
once there's a vaccine for COVID and people are comfortable with going back into the theaters, dude, I don't, I don't know, Paul. Yeah. And now second question is, does Disney stick to their guns and wait for theaters or are they going to end up putting Black Widow on like a Disney plus like they did with Mulan? If you would have asked me this a month ago, I would have said it comes out in May, like they originally slated. If mm. you ask me now, I think that the chances are we need to see what happens with HBO Max subscriptions. Yes. Yeah. As of Christmas, if families are subscribing to HBO Max, if Disney Plus feels like they need, dude, and here's the thing: Disney Plus was the same fucking streaming service that said, "Hey, you want to watch Mulan? You got to pay. You got you, you, first off, you got to have a Disney Plus subscription, and then you got to pay thirty bucks on top of that." Yeah, which they, I think they could easily do too with Black Widow. Like, I think people will be more. Yeah, but like to how do that with Black Widow? Then. How is what? How well is that going to sit with you though? How mm. how well is that going to sit with you now that HBO Max is just saying, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's, yeah, yeah. If, if, if HBO is doing it and not, not charging an extra, like, you know, fee to just be able to watch right. Wonder Woman, then, you know, they're kind of putting Disney in a corner. Like, okay, like, we're going to bring this out on Christmas. Yeah. Same day as theaters, and you don't have to pay any extra than the subscription you and then, already have. But, but Disney's is like, yeah, you gotta have HBO, you gotta have Disney Plus, and then we're also gonna fucking, yeah, Mulan rules apply. You gotta pay thirty bucks on Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, but like, don't you think like HBO is kind of really like pretty much saying to Disney, like, okay, your move now. Like, we're taking the movie that we really banked on making us a lot of money. And we're not going to really charge you more than yeah. HBO subscriptions. So I like, thought I thought what they were trying to do with self subscriptions was doing the Snyder Cut. I had no idea that it was going to flip and fucking be like, okay, <laughs> no, yeah. we're gonna, we're going to release Wonder Woman eighty four. Fuck. Yeah, I. Yeah, this could be a fucking game changer for the way movies are released and marketed now. It really could. It really could. I, I, and I don't know when, yeah, when the fuck are people going to feel comfortable going back to the theater? Man, dude. And like, I remember you for a while last year kept, like when Disney was coming out, you kept talking about, you know, like the streaming war. Dude, I don't think anybody realized that like the streaming wars and streaming thing would be like the future of fucking cinema. Right. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I thought it was all about Netflix trying to buy up theaters. Now it's basically like Netflix is where we go to watch movies. Right? Isn't that fucking insane? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. I don't I Paul, I like I don't know. Like we're we're totally entering a new landscape when it comes to movies and movie releases now. So like anything Anything that I thought was off the table can be put back on the table. We could be seeing next year, if it comes to the spring, if it comes to May, 
And Disney is just like, we are not ready to put Black Widow out on fucking in the theaters. We could definitely be seeing Black Widow showing up on Disney Plus with with no premium charge. It could not be. I mean, it, it might. They might go the HBO Max route. They would almost have to. You know what I mean? Like, because people would be like, "Are you fucking nuts? We didn't have to do it for Wonder Woman. We're not going to pay an extra thirty dollars to watch Black Widow." Yeah, yeah, I get it, man. <laughs> Yeah, it was bad enough I had to do it for Trolls World 2. I take that. That was actually a really good movie. I haven't um, seen that. I haven't seen it. You liked it? Oh, I, oh, I loved it so much. It was it was so much better than the first one. But um, yeah. I never know, thought, like, like, well, Soul's coming out fucking Christmas Day on Disney+. Plus. I never thought a Pixar movie would fucking skip theaters. Wait, is it really? Yeah, Soul. So it's, I think it's Christmas Day. Yeah, Soul, the Pixar movie. It's a Pixar. It's a Pixar movie. This is not just a Disney animated movie like Wreck It Ralph. This is like a Pixar fucking movie. Yeah, it's the one kind of like isn't it like about a dude like pretty much dies. Yeah, uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! And and they're not going to go the Mulan route. Like they're not going to charge you an extra fee. Nope. Nope. Oh shit! It's dropping on fucking Disney Plus, and there's no extra charge, and you can just watch Soul. Yeah, a fucking oh Pixar god. movie, dude. Oh my god! I know. Merry Christmas. Well, and all right, they kind of did that, right? Because Onward was the first Pixar movie of this year. Yeah, March. And and that came out two weeks. You could actually just rent, or you could buy that off of wherever you buy your downloads. Yeah. But then two weeks later, that came out on, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I saw it. Well, it, it originally released in theaters. I saw it in the theater. Oh, you did? Okay, I cool. did. I did. Yeah. If I go back and look at my history on AMC um, A-list, I actually I saw that in the theater. And then shortly after that, they shut down the theaters. And then you could watch it on VOD. And then it came out shortly thereafter on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, because I bought it on VOD because that was the week I had the kids. I bought it on VOD, and like two days later, like yeah, it's going to be on Disney Plus. Did in you two weeks? I'm like, son of a bitch. Um, did you watch the new uh, Snyder Cut? Yeah, Snyder Cut trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you think? Eh, you know, it's it's something that's happening. I love the reaction to Steppenwolf's new costume. Oh yeah did did you see it like being turned into the chair from Knives Out? No, no. <laughs> the best response I saw on Twitter, I saw it was a pic of Grumpy Cat, and then the new Steppenwolf, and it said, "How can we upgrade Steppenwolf?" Zack Snyder, quote, make him look like Grumpy Cat, but covered in staples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. God. He, he does look like the, like the, the fucking, like the Game of Thrones chair or the fucking. Yeah. I, I thought he looked like, you, you know, you, you ever, like pin art, you know, like that fucking, when you put your face into those pins. Oh, yeah. 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 Or your hand into those pins. It was that pin art thing. That's what I thought it looked like. Oh my god! That's yeah. That's 
That's fucking Perkat, dude. That was just, would just go away. Somebody like posted on Twitter, like, how do you, how do you stop the new Steppenwolf? And they posted a picture of a magnet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the only one i saw was like daniel craig sitting on it like he is at the end of knives out yeah that's awesome oh yeah oh my god knives out what a great movie that was supposed i'm so fucking pissed off because uh all the theaters around me shut now and november 25th they were supposed to re-release knives out in the amc theaters for five bucks Oh my god! I just uh, I just watched that with a friend of mine. She came over and she never seen it. And yeah, God, that movie's so fucking good. It's so fantastic. I own it. I fuck it. I own it on Fandango now. It's on my Fandango now account. So and for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's on Amazon Prime as well. There you go. It's so fucking good. It's great, man. You know, I I piss and moan. Like you know, I talked about Aaron forever. You know, fucking, you know, giving me shit on the iTunes review and whatever. But man, I can't. And you know, I've had, I've had like some shitty emails come into me where people attack me personally. And I've gotten very like personal on episodes and talked about my past and like, you know, me growing up and stuff like that. And people have used it against me in emails. Said very hurtful things to me. Um, but I can't imagine. And that's just on such a small scale. I can't imagine being like Ryan Johnson, who's like in charge of a Star Wars movie. And for the people that mm. where that movie hurt them so bad, where they feel like it ruined their childhood, that it ruined like their their experience with uh, Luke Skywalker, that they felt the need to like tweet this guy and fucking call him every name under the sun. I can't imagine how this makes this guy feel because you know he's a fan of star wars and oh yeah i mean uh, uh, it's so it just just hateful people out there man just hateful people like like i i hated you know i've hated the treatment of like transformers but i've never tried to fucking like i've never tried to personally attack michael bay on social media or anything like that i can't imagine what like ryan johnson and some of these people have gone through fucking reading some of this shit online so i can't uh. oh fuck that man jesus yeah no it's no fuck that yeah and it's you know and that shit you learn in a kindergarten classroom you fucking shut your mouth you know like if it's nothing productive right. shut up yeah 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 yeah. yeah, I mean, we're we're on this earth for such a short time. Like, uh, enjoy it, enjoy it. And, and, and if you hate somebody, I think we can all agree that we hate Hitler. Yeah, you know, I think we, <laughs> I think there's there's some people that I think we can all agree that we hate. But like on the flip side, like you know, I don't know. There's a dude. There is a part of me. Like when I first started this podcast, there was a part of me that was like. I'd hear other podcasts talking about like um, listeners that had listened for a while that were fans and that, that eventually like they'd had their fill of like the host or whatever and like would fucking attack them. And I was like, man, you know, you've made it when people come at you <laughs> like that. And there's always a part of me that kind of like wanted that. And I got to keep, <laughs> I got to keep that in perspective because like it's, I mean, I don't know, man. There is there is power in evoking those kind of reactions out of people, but it does. It, but on the, it, but it does. I'm not going to say that it doesn't. 
it feels good, but then it feels bad too. Cause like, I don't like, I, oh man, I can, I get it. I get it. I get just like any relationship that anybody's ever had that's fallen out. Like there's a point where like you've had enough of a certain person and, and you know, you're just like, you're done with that person. And so Am I making sense right now? Like it's no, like, no, no. You you totally are making sense. Like, uh, like you know, you wanna. At the end of the day, everybody wants their feelings validated. Or like, you know, if you're feeling hurt, you want people to know why you're hurt. Yeah. You know, fucking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just the way you know, especially in the social media world, it's become so easy to really not feel any consequences mm-hmm. of saying that kind of stuff you don't you know like i can go on twitter and i can call ryan johnson a piece of shit and i won't ever like be able to see if that even affected him for right. the most part yeah. he didn't see it so like my words mean nothing so people just can go upon shit like this and they can have absolutely no consequences for their actions like that and just not even think twice about doing it again yeah so it's weird it's weird it's because it's like there's a part of me that like thinks to myself like wow you know like at least i have people reacting whether it's good or bad because like there's some great things dude i within the past like we i've almost been doing this for eight years and i hate to like i'm bringing this all back on on myself right now i feel like i'm just like very self-indulgent right now but like but um I can look, look back on like this eight, almost eight years of doing this show and think to myself, like, you know, there are people that put podcasts out and they don't hear anything back from anyone. Or there's people that just hear back from their friends or, you know, I have heard mm-hmm. everything, everything from like new listeners to, to old school fans. Like there have been people that have been with us from the beginning that still love us. There have been people that have like been old school fans of the podcast where, um, I have, I've seen like people that were diehard fans of the show, Paul, unfollow me on Twitter. Mm. I see that stuff. They unfollow me on Twitter, like diehard fans that used to write in. Um, there are at least two people I know of that I've met in person that have unfollowed pop culture leftovers on Twitter. And I don't know why I don't mm. know why I don't know if it was somebody said on an episode or, or so I don't know why they've never reached out to me and told me, but man, it's just like, but there was a time where it was like, man, you know, like I thought to myself, like, you know, that's kind of like, that's kind of like where I want to be. But like, ugh. It does suck, man. You can't please everybody all the time. And it's not my place to reach back out to them and be like, Hey, why'd you unfollow me? What can I do to make things right? You know, like, you know, you're either with me or you're not with me. And I can't, I can't, not everybody's going to like me. Not every, you know, and it's uh, some people, they just listen to the episodes and they just hear the one side of me that's a dick. They don't know the other side of me that's like, that is a caring person that does want, like, that does care about people, you know, like, and here's the thing, Paul, it's like, I'm only one guy. I I don't, I can't fuck it. I wish I could have a relationship with everybody that sends me a message all the time. 
but I, mm-hmm. there's only so much of me to go around. I can't imagine like what it must feel like to be like a Kevin Smith that gets tweeted at all the time by everybody that loves him. And he can't reach out to every one of them all the time. You know, I can't even, I can't even imagine being in that guy's position or, you know, like a Ryan Johnson for all the fans that hate him or like him. He can't respond to everybody. And, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even close to that level, but you know, I get, I get, I do get messages from a lot of people all the time and I wish I could spend more time talking to everybody. I just can't. I just, so like the best way for me to get to know people and you know this, Paul, is like when I meet them at C2E2 and I meet them face to face and I have that, like that physical connection. I'm not the biggest social media guy anyway. Well, no. And like to totally speak on that, like I feel like, you and I have had almost two two relationships, right? Like we've done, yeah, or or like even three, right? Like we started off just kind of Facebook messaging, yeah, and then it turned into like you know you doing backcast and then me coming on to here, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, it's completely different than when we got together at C two E two. It was like you know, like I totally get what you're saying. There's so many different ways to actually get to know people and mm-hmm. for you the most authentic way is like at C2E2 and I completely agree with yep. that like yeah you know we can sit here and talk about fucking you know Transformers movies uh, you know on, on the podcast it's a whole different thing when you're actually in that person's personal space like getting to know them and yeah it's like it's like it's, it's a face-to-face personal connection yeah you know? which is and personal connections are so sorely lacking, yeah. especially in a Corona time, you know? Yeah. I mean, but, but I don't know. It's, oh man, I don't know. There's, dude, there, it, I'll just be honest with you. There's times where it fucking, I'm a, I'm a, it's crazy because like I'm a very private person, but I do open up on this podcast a lot. Mm-hmm. And then when I have people use it against me, when I do open up and I have people use it against me in emails, it's just like, oh, my God, why am I doing this? Why am I sharing this? Why why am I exposing myself like this? And but but I have to keep in mind that there are there are much more. There are many more people that enjoy this show than there are people that are going to turn on me. And so I have to keep that, dude, I have, dude, it's, it's crazy. Cause I can get, I can get fucking 10 emails saying how much people love the show, but it's the one email, the one that I'll remember mm-hmm. the most is that motherfucker that fucking hates me. <laughs> so well, yeah, because it's a like, weird you know, thing, dude. All those fucking people, you know, they, They play into like any, and I'm one of the most self-conscious, low self-esteem person you'll ever have. So I always fucking listen to those too. But people, you know, at the end of the day, it's almost like you got to feel bad for those guys. Like how, how unhappy are they with themselves? Yeah. That they're going to take their time out to reach out to somebody they don't know and bring up just, you know, something that was like, they know was very important to you and, you know, very personal to you. Like how much do they hate themselves to say that? It's just, it's a great point. That's a good point. You know what I mean? That's, you know, that's, 
I don't mean to go back to a teacher talk, but that's, you know, that's how we learn to deal with, you know, the bullies at school to the other kids. You know, you just, they just, they're, you know, they're, they're not happy with them own, own selves and they, 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 they hate when people aren't feeling like them. Misery loves company. Dude, a hundred percent. Yeah. Mandalorian, dude. You've been digging it, dude. So holy shit, man. This is God damn it. It has been a fucking amazing <laughs> roller coaster. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, so episode 12 came <clears throat> out. So if you haven't watched episode 12, don't listen to this. Episode 12 comes out and we know that there's been kind of like a mole, a spy that's been feeding information to Moff Gideon and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Dude. Mm-hmm. You know that meerkat creature? Mm-hmm. Dude, I think that that's a spy. <laughs> really? That fucking meerkat looking creature that was hanging out with, um, yeah, that it didn't talk. It just looked like a meerkat that was hanging out with Cara Dune. I think that that's the, like the spy that's been given information to them. Mm. Yeah, because I because because we know at the end that you know that one person that works, you know, with Carl Weathers and stuff that they did plant a, a tracker. Yeah, I don't think it was. One, I don't think it was one of those fucking people that were repairing the ship. I think it was that fucking meerkat looking creature. Oh, okay. Ooh. I think God, that that is I, getting so good, man. Dude, I think that meerkat creature it can fully talk and all that shit. We're gonna find that out. There's going to be a fucking episode where that fucking meerkat creature is talking to somebody. I mean, totally. I mean, and come on, like, we all pretty much agree that next week we're seeing Rosario Dawson, right? We got to. They've been talking. Is it the planet Corvus that that she's on? Yeah, which, okay, which is crazy. I was talking to David Isaac about this. I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy, but I always played that Battlefront game. Yeah. And the Corvus is a ship. Oh, okay. So she is she not on a planet? Is she on a ship? Well, they said planet, but like I automatically went to like shit, dude. Is he being set up? Mm. But the but you know David said he he you know Dave's Dave is the guy to trust about Star Wars stuff, and he said no. He said he's not being set up. That he thinks. Everything will be fine, but I mean, like next week is directed by Dave Filoni. Like, yeah, you got to think we're going to see well, Rosario. In. It's got to be if it's Dave Filoni directing it. He's the one who basically was the guy behind Ahsoka Tano, and so they're going to let him direct the episode where she shows up, right? I would, I would think so, dude. Okay, so like when we they talked about the M count and they talked about midichlorians and they talked about you know fucking. Like, okay, so were they trying to inject midichlorians? Were they trying to, is it, is it all about trying to inject those midichlorians into dark troopers? So, you know, fucking like androids that they've injected with force sensitive midichlorians or the experiments that they were, that they were working on were those like the Snoke clones or was it like the future of the Palpatine clones? What, I mean, Dude, what was that all about? Your guess is as good as good as mine. Cause I like I didn't even go to Snoke until I saw some 
some stuff online, but I just kept my main thing was like, why is Moff Gideon almost cosplaying as Darth Vader? Like he, like his black suit and that mm. thing on his chest, like it looked very Vader-ish. Hmm. I, I, man, dude, this show is... All I know is when I find out, I'm sure I'm going to love it. But it's fucking... I felt like this was one of the biggest game changers of the Mandalorian. Yeah. And we hardly got any answers to anything. Yeah. I love it. I love the season so far. I love oh it so God. much. Yeah, my uh, Hazel freaked out. She is a huge wrestling fan. So when she saw her favorite wrestler, Sasha Banks, last week as one of uh, Bo-Katan's uh, partners, yeah. she was through the moon. That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so cool. I, I, yeah, I'm loving this season so far. I mean, you know, I'm like, I don't have any concrete answers, but I'm just loving where they're going. I think we are going to be getting, it looked like dark troopers, you know, that we're getting, but, uh, mm-hmm. as far as like, it, it sounds like they were wanting to inject them with, uh, with midichlorians and, and make force sensitive troops. But uh, I don't know. Then on the flip side, I mean, you saw what was in those fucking in that behind that glass. It, it looked like it looked like snow clones. So I don't know. I it don't know. did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Fucking love it. I love the Mandalorian. Oh, so like, what a cool concept too. Because like, like it it totally rewards the fans, like the hardcore fans. You know, like if, if if you're a huge Star Wars fan and you yeah. even did like Rebels and and Clone Wars, like this is paying off dividends for you. But then, like if you don't know anything about Star Wars, it's a fun like Western science fiction show that will still get all the emotions it needs from you. Like yeah. it's so cool. Yeah, and, and here's the thing: I, I think it's a good balance between it's a good balance between cute Star Wars and badass Star Wars. Cause like, I'm not, I'll be honest with you. Like I loved fucking Ewoks when I was a kid, but as I got older, they kind of, they kind of warned me. I have a weird thing with cute Star Wars and badass Star Wars. I don't know. So like, where did you fall on the Porgs? I was worried about the Porgs. I was worried about the Porgs. Like how much are they going to be a part of the story? You know, I, that always worries me about Star Wars. That, that was what worries me about The Mandalorian because it's a lot of cute Star Wars with fucking Baby Yoda. And I feel like mm-hmm. it brings casuals in. Casuals that don't give a fuck about Star Wars have been brought in because, and I think that's great. I think it's great. I love the fact that people have been brought into Star Wars because of Baby Yoda. I think it's great. I want more people to be brought in, but like, I'm also worried on the flip side though, Paul, that like they see the response of cute Star Wars and like that's all we're gonna fucking get. Yeah. That's all we're gonna fucking get. Like there was such a fucking huge response about snarky droids in Star Wars and it felt like every fucking movie that came out recently within the past few years just had snarky droids in it. Oh yeah, like look at Rogue One. I know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and so I, I'm worried about cute Star Wars. Like, I don't want that to take over. Like, I I watched the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, which I, I'm not. You know, 
I didn't bring it up in Good Pop, Bad Pop. Jake watched it. He want me, he wanted me to watch it. I watched, I will say that I enjoyed the Lego Star Wars holiday special more than I enjoyed fucking The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but on the flip side, it's like, I'm not a huge fan of like the Lego franchise when it comes to the movies anyway. I love Lego Batman. I, I will make the exception for Lego Batman. That is fuck. Lego Batman was amazing. But oh my I, God, dude. Lego Batman. I, I still laugh so hard when, uh, <clears throat> Dick Grayson, introduces himself to Bruce Wayne where he goes like I'm Richard but everyone calls me Dick <laughs> and he goes kids can be so cruel <laughs> <laughs> I saw I dude I saw that shit in IMAX and I was just like it was such a beautiful it's a gorgeous movie it looks great and it's so funny and I think it just did such a great job with Batman's rogues gallery and oh yeah the movie is so much fun but um i i don't know i'm like i'm i like cute star wars but i'm worried <laughs> i'm worried about cute star wars i don't want it to take over because like i show up i know a lot of people show up for baby yoda a lot of people watching the mandalorian show up for baby yoda and i like that i like that stuff but mm-hmm. that's side dressing for me man i show up for Pedro Pascal and the Mandalorian badassery in that oh, fucking yeah. show. That's what I show up for. And and it's it's a weird thing when I'm I'm worried that that the reaction, all the memes and all the love for Baby Yoda and I love it too. I do. I love it. I love it. I think it's I think it's funny. I think it's funny. I love <laughs> I, I mean I love the child. Don't get me wrong. But I don't want that to be, I don't want that to take over and just be like, that's where we need to go with Star Wars in the future is cute Star Wars for everything. Like that's what's working right now is cute Star Wars for everything. You know, I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It worries me, man. It's, it worries me. It worries me. So, you know, I still like the badassery of fucking, you know, I like that. I like that. I like that badass. I like the Han Solo that shoots first. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, I do gotta say one thing. I'm loving a lot this season is like the different types of like creatures, monsters that that we're encountering. You know, like that one. I forget the name of that big tremors type thing. Great dragon. Dude, that thing was fucking cool. And then we never really got to see it, but like. In last week's episode, the week before this week, when they were on that little barge and Baby Yoda got tossed into the water, <laughs> that that fucking <laughs> sea monster, you know, ate the thing. Like, yeah. I'm loving that they're giving like act, like they're really giving some like fear yeah. to these big nasty aliens that yeah. live in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, the Gamorrean guards and the fucking axes that they were using. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. That was fun. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of fucking, uh, fan service that's given in these episodes. And, you know, yeah, maybe there's an overuse of, uh, you know, callbacks from like the original trilogy and stuff like that. But man, overall, I've had a blast with The Mandalorian this season. I've loved it. I, I, God, it, uh, once we get Rosario Dawson as a Sakatano. 
Holy Jesus. shit. Holy shit. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, my God. And I think, like, if we even get, like, God, like an Ezra down the line. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Or a Sabine Wren. Oh, man, I would die. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. This is the episode we're done. Oh, man, it was a blast. I feel like this is the longest one I've been on. Dude, I feel like this is the longest one I've been on for a long time that I've actually had a good time on. (laughs) Yeah, no, this was a ton of fun, man. This was, you know, fucking all I do is I talk to either my kids or my students and never really adults. So it's nice to actually talk to talk to somebody on the same like age level and and then uh wavelength as me so i appreciate you giving me the time this week to feel like a contributing adult okay i i love the paul episodes you know i you know i suck dan with that i suck dan with dan west deck dick i can't even even talk i sucked dan west dick earlier but my god paul i fucking love having you on I love being on. These are <laughs> these are so much fun to do, man. We get to just talk, and I mean, God, we got to talk Quentin Tarantino for like two hours. Come on, wouldn't it be weird if we didn't talk? <laughs> oh, how ex- how exciting would that be for people? That'd be so weird. That'd be weird. <laughs> what Dude, I, the fuck? Told you listen to the last PCL episode. Yeah, they didn't talk, man. What the fuck? <laughs> and it was seven hours. <laughs> it was a weird form of communication. It was like you ever watch that fucking movie with Amy Adams with the aliens, and she was holding up the pictures, and it was like a fucking Pictionary thing with aliens. <laughs> it so was, all your listeners are like Italian. All uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this fucking guy. Huh? Hey, yo, yeah, hey. They didn't say one word. They didn't say word. one word. But they they made marinara sauce, and I fucking spaghetti. Spaghetti. It was good. Uh, <laughs> I love the spaghetti. That's terrible. Oh God, dude, That's terrible. <laughs> Paul, where can people find you other than uh, in a <laughs> in a drunken stupor? <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Anime Backcast and um, Movies from the Heart. We got some fun, got some fun shit coming up. I just did one with Marable about Highlander. I got a, uh, I got number one Neil. How did you get Eric Marable on your podcast? He reached out to me. What the fuck? I want to have this guy on. I'm worried about his time schedule. He lives in fucking California. You know what? I've got gifts here. I got to open these up before we wrap the episode. Oh yeah, yeah. I. He told me all about those too. I don't but, even know uh, what they are, but I got gifts. And not, not only from Eric Marable, but I got a, I got a gift. I got a gift here from Nathan McConnell. And Nathan, I apologize, sir, that I have not opened your gift previously. It's I plan on opening your gifts, Nathan, every episode, and then I get so drunk by the end of the episode, and I can't <laughs> wait to wrap this shit up because it's fucking garbage. And I'm just like, oh my god, I got to get off this fucking episode that I don't. Open your gift. So this, I got a, I got a gift here from Nathan McConnell. Uh, what did you send me, Nathan? Oh my God, Nathan sent me here. Paul, I'm opening a gift from Nathan McConnell. All right, let's. He sent me a shot glass. Winter Park 
Colorado, and it's a fuck. It's a double shot glass. Easiest. Ooh. It's got. It's. It's labeled in levels here. Easiest, more difficult, and most difficult. So I can <laughs> I can pour the drink and I can select which difficulty level I want this shot to be in. That is fantastic. I love this. I will fucking I will take a picture of that and share that on Twitter and on Facebook for all of our listeners. Awesome. Uh, uh, I also got. Let's see what we got here from Nathan McConnell. Paul, are you fucking seriously, Paul? Are you fucking dying to know what I got from Nathan McConnell? Yeah, yeah, but I'm really excited to I'm really excited to hear you open Marables though. Uh oh Nathan, thank you. You did promise me this. This is uh I, I talked about the uh, the ESPN thirty for thirty for uh Bruce Lee and Nathan McConnell sent me a hardback of the book The Warrior Within, the the philosophies of Bruce Lee. Oh, nice. Holy shit. This is beautiful. Thank you, sir. Oh, my. I'm going to take a. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to read this. This is gorgeous. Thank you. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to read this. Thank you so much. You know what? Right now, I've got so much time right now, Paul, to watch all this content and shit. Yeah. There's been so many kung fu movies I want to watch. He wrote me a letter here. Hi, uh, hey Brian, this is from Nathan McConnell. First, thank you for all that you do, for all that you and Jake have done. I think it's amazing how you have brought so many people from all over the world together in a positive way. We all need more of that. Second, I hope you enjoy the book. You will have to tell me what you think. I found Bruce's thoughts of bringing Eastern and Western philosophy together intriguing. Third, I added some souvenirs of where I live in Colorado. Hope you enjoy them. Sincerely, Nathan. Nathan McConnell, thank you and welcome to the Leftover Army, sir. He sent me a fucking Colorado. Thank you, a Colorado magnet. I need another magnet for my fridge. Thank you so fucking much. <laughs> That's fucking. I've only been to Colorado once, Paul, and it was a layover flight. I was in fucking Denver for fucking an hour in a layover flight. That's that. Doesn't that seem like a bullshit way to visit Colorado? It does. Yes. Yes, it does. Have you been to Colorado? Uh, yeah, but we went to. My, my dad was big into uh, like trains, and our, yeah. his his mom lived in the state of Washington and we took one summer we took like a cross country Amtrak train trip and we went right through Colorado and didn't get out but got to see it through the observation uh, car I, cool. I lived in Washington for a summer oh yeah? yeah I lived in, uh, in a small town in Washington called Roy and uh I went to Seattle and I went to Tacoma. I lived there. Uh, my parents couldn't stand me, so they sent me to live with my aunt for a summer. <laughs> True story. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, my grandma lived in Olympia. Oh, okay. Is that the – Olympia, is that the is that the capital? Ooh, yes, it is. Oh, wow. Eric Marable, we've had him on the, we've had him, Eric Marable, we've had on the podcast one time. 
I've always wanted to get him back, but God damn it, his fuck, he lives in California and his schedule, and I always feel weird about asking him to come on, because I feel like he would not be able to make it. But he sent me a gift, and I'm opening it right now, Paul. Do you know what's in this? I do. I, I do feel like in everybody in the leftover army knows what's in this except for me. It's a cock block. Eric Maribel is known for the cock block. <laughs> we, you know, we talked about years ago. What was it? The, uh, what, what do they call that thing? The fucking, those, uh, the comic block. What was it called? Those fucking boxes. The one up? The one up box. But there was a block. There was one called block something. Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. But Eric Maribel yeah. would send us the cock block and he, he would send us these fucking, packages and they had penises written all over he's got one called the <laughs> i'm i open this up i'm gonna i'll take a picture of this it's called the mando the man the man dong <laughs> it's the man the man dong glorian it's a it's a penis with a mando helmet on <laughs> God, Eric, what did you send me, you son of a bitch? Oh, my God. Eric, I'm sorry. Like, Eric's one of those guys that I've met a few times, but I feel like I don't know him as much as I should, and I feel like he wants to get to know me, and I want to get to know him, but we just haven't broed out. And I feel like he's trying to bro out with me right now. Let's see what we got here. I love you, Eric. Don't get me wrong. Mega Cock Block is the name of this box. And it's the, <laughs> the man dong Lorian. I gotta take a picture of this fucking massive penis with a Beskar helmet of a Mandalorian <laughs> on the shaft, the tip of the shaft here. Fucking, what do we got here? Oh my god, hold on. Put this down. What is this? What is going on here? Jesus. Ah! You know what's in this ball, don't you? I do know what's in that. What is it? Ugh. Here we go. I'm getting it out right now. All right. (gasps) Holy. Oh, my God. Holy shit. He made a Mandalorian helmet. (laughs) Yeah, he did. This is a Mandalorian helmet, and this does not look like, like it's, it's the Mandalorian helmet. But like you would think, like this looks like aged and weathered. It's got like it's got like rust on it. Like this is the old fucking like pre Beskar Mandalorian helmet. This is fucking. Oh my god! This is. Will this fit on my fucking head? Hold on, hold on. Oh my god! Oh my god! Can you hear this, Paul? I can. I got it on my fucking head, dude. This is dope as shit. That's fucking awesome, man. I cannot wait to fucking display this. Thank you. Oh, my God. This looks amazing. I got to take a picture of this. You have no idea. Oh, my God. This is made by Eric Marable. Like, it's amazing to see the craftsmanship and, like, how far he has come from when he first started doing this. He sent us gifts years ago. He sent me a Captain America mask. Years ago, but like, man, this is on another fucking level, dude. Holy oh, shit. Yeah, he, 
I'll take a picture of this and post this on Facebook and on Twitter. This is incredible. Oh my God. And you can, you put this on. Hold on. I'm going to put this on. You can see out of it. I can see out of it. I can. Oh, that's awesome. You can see out of it. Like, I could fucking fucking, I could put that on. I could actually podcast on that. He sent me a t shirt here as well. Galactic Empire Child Services, and it's got a fucking, it's got like one of those biker troopers on it. The picture of a, like one of those, you know, the biker troopers. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this is awesome. The one that fucking punched Baby Yoda in the face, you know? Like the Jason Sudeikis version? Yeah, fucking Jason Sudeikis. Oh my God, Galactic Empire Child Services. This is incredible. And it's a medium. Thank you. That's my size. <laughs> oh my, Eric Marable, thank you so much. This is incredible. I cannot wait to put this on a display case. This is so cool. Paul, you knew this all along? Yeah, he told we we recorded on uh Tuesday night, which is great because he texted me he texted me the day after Sean Connery passed away. Ah, oh, really? And he said I need to be on the movies from the heart. I want to talk about Highlander. Oh wow. And we were su- we were supposed to do it the Wednesday after election day and I wasn't able to and I felt bad. I had to reschedule and I called him up. Tuesday, I texted him. I said, hey, are you available tonight? And he goes, yeah, I, I can be. And we did Highlander, and it's you need to listen to that one. He has, he is so knowledgeable on the Highlander series. And then when we got done, he talked about how we sent you a box like this and somebody yeah. else. Jake. He sent Jake sim- one yeah. as well. Yeah. Yep, he sent Jake one, yep. Jake told me he's going to tell me what's in his box tomorrow. Here's the thing. It's like we had Eric Marable on one episode and I, I thought the episode was fantastic. I loved having him on. I thought he was great. And I've always talked about having him back on and he was, and he's kind of like brushed off like, Oh, you know, I sucked. And like, why would you have me? I've always wanted to get him back on Eric. You're welcome to come back on anytime. I gotta, we gotta have him back on. I gotta get him back on. It's just like he lives in California and his schedule and like, I gotta get mm-hmm. back on. This is fucking. Dude, the craftsmanship on this is so dope. Like, I, like, this is, I would rather have this helmet than like a fucking like sideshow collectibles helmet that you could purchase. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, Marable puts so much fucking yeah. heart and hard work into his stuff. I, I'll take a picture of this. I'm going to post this on Facebook. I will post this on Twitter. And this is awesome. I can put it on, Paul, and I can see out of it. That is that's so fucking cool, it's so man. So dope, dude. It oh my god, it looks so good. Oh my god, this looks so good. Thank you so much. That is so fucking cool. That is so fucking cool. That's so, I got my um I got my sideshow collectibles nano gauntlet in the mail. I haven't opened it up yet. I just got it yesterday, Paul. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I haven't opened it up yet. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I want to make, you know what I mean? Like I've had so much going on this weekend that I, oh, I, I wanted to open up when I can actually sit down and appreciate it. <laughs> so oh, for sure. Yeah. And you like, you were able to put down a down payment on a Mando hot toy figure too, right? Yes, I did. I did it. I can't believe That's I cool, did man. it, but I That's did it. Cool. Yeah. Um, one of our listeners, John counts, Fucking sent me the uh, first payment for my Mandalorian hot toy, 
and it's the Mandalorian and then you can see the child in like his floating like baby fucking stroller next to him and and um I he gave me enough money for the first payment on that. I'm gonna start making uh, monthly payments in February and my god, it's it's a beautiful fucking figure, Paul. Oh man, Hot Toys does such good such good stuff. I know Rod uh when I went to see him a couple years ago, he had a couple hot toy uh, figures that just look beautiful. Oh my god, Matt Kirby! Have you ever seen his? Oh yeah, Jesus Christ! Matt Kirby's got like twenty seven of them. <laughs> <He's> got, <laughs> That's crazy. He's got a good collection. He does. Jesus, Matt! Oh my god. Yeah, Matt Kirby's got a bunch of hot toys, man. Oh my god, but this fucking helmet. Thank you, Eric. This is beautiful. I cannot. Oh my god. That's fucking awesome. And nobody has this. You gotta be, you gotta be friends with Eric Marable to get one yeah, of these. You do. Jesus Christ, man. I don't deserve this. This is fucking, <laughs> <laughs> this is dope. Eric Marable made a, um, he made a, uh, I still, I love this. I still have it. It's on display in my in my home uh he made a uh <laughs> and he knows that i hate funko pops i think they're dumb as fuck <laughs> i think they're the lowest form of showing off your fandom i don't if you have funko pops it's fine i'm not gonna get on your ass but i think they're fucking dumb i don't go out and buy them i think it's dumb fandom but anyway, he made a, he made he made a Funko Pop of me, a leftover Brian Funko Pop. <laughs> <laughs> I think he took like one of the Funko Pops from like the Supernatural show. Okay, one of those guys, and just turned it into a Funko Pop Brian. I'll also post that picture on Facebook. I don't think many people have seen that, but it's fucking pretty fucking hilarious. That is hilarious, and it's ironic because I hate Funko Pops. Yeah, there's someone, someone called Alanis Morissette. It's, yeah, somebody called Alanis Morissette. Isn't it ironic, don't you think? <laughs> it's like oh, rain okay. on your wedding day. It's like rain on your wedding day. It's a free ride. There we go. <laughs> when you've already paid, it's some good advice. God, man, she put out some good stuff. That you just can't take. You know, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, she did that first uh, Jagged Little Pill. There's, oh, yeah. I don't think that there's a song on that album that I can't fucking, that I wasn't rocking out to in the 90s. You ought to know. She's talking about that bear and going down on that boy in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know who that song's about? <laughs> Joey Gladstone. Yeah, Dave Coulier. Yeah. <laughs> Full House Uncle Joey. God damn you. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, going down on a bear. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, the one-eyed bear? <laughs> and she got, she was blowing him in the theater. Jesus Christ. She was sucking that dick in his, and she was sucking his cock in the theater. And she was like, that's not good enough for you. Is she going to do that for you? Is she going to do that for you? Huh? Is she going <laughs> to, is she going to fucking hold up this teddy bear in high regard and blow your penis 
in the theater for you go (laughs) she's like that was like that no that was her definition of love that was her definition of love at that point in her life she was like is is this is the next woman in your life gonna fucking treasure this one-eyed bear that you gave to her and is she gonna suck your fucking dick in a theater like i did like a fucking hoover vacuum cleaner i sucked the shit out of your cock in that theater I was slobbing that knob. Like corn on the cob. Like corn on the cob. Um, hey, I get to talk to your boy Neil tomorrow. On what? What are you doing with Neil? We're doing Last Action Hero. On Movies from the Heart? You sure are. Holy shit. That movie, that movie goes, I, honestly, that movie is way deeper than I ever thought it was the first time that I watched it. It, 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 I'm sorry. It's 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 Arnold's best movie, man. Oh, stop! So Get the fuck out! No, no, no! Don't even do that! Don't even stop! I, I just did. <laughs> oh my god! No, I would not even go that far. <laughs> That's ridiculous, I sir. <laughs> I love it, man. That's it's such a good movie. <laughs> I I appreciate that movie now a lot more than I did when it was when I was a kid because like I was used to the R-rated badass Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that yeah, movie it was so came different. Yeah, that movie came out it was super different. Um, I'll tell you what: if you want to get a completely different perspective on that movie, I'll I'll uh, send you a link to a podcast to listen to. Uh oh. No, 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 no! It's good. It's all good. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been reading a lot about it. Like, just the you know, that movie really hurt Arnold because you know it was a it was a massive failure mainly because it came out the week after Jurassic Park, and because it wasn't that great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's aged well. It's aged well. Yeah, and yeah. Well, it was kind of one of the first mainstream movies to really kind of make fun of the genre it's in. Right. Yeah. It's very meta. Oh, so meta. Yeah. 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 Let's uh, let's wrap this shit up. (laughs) Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Paul, thank you so much, sir. Hey, thank you for having me on, man. It's been, uh, every time's a fun time. Every time's a fun time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It'd be a cover band for fucking Poison. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, You know, just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your patronage. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 357. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good
gossip, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Hey, embrace it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Left over. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Left over. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Hey, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Culture pushed over. Pop culture leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftover. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftover. And uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.